Well, no, it's not perfect, right? But a 10 out of 10, uh, you know, not a perfect game. It can just be a masterpiece. Mm, I will no say... Game. No game's really yeah. perfect. I will say the more you play the game, the bigger the flaws that Elden Ring has uh, starts to appear. Uh, the catacombs and the dungeons and the mines all start to kind of run the same, essentially, right? They look the same. Uh, and then from software starts to just reuse the same bosses. And then they sometimes will then use the same bosses, like, they'll just like, oh, you fought this boss again, but now he's got a spear instead of a hammer. Uh, okay, now you fight these, <laughs> fight this boss and this boss at the same time. So then they start reusing bosses and doubling up bosses. So it kind of feels like they sort of ran out of gas. And honestly, I felt... There, so, like, the way the game's situated, the way the story gets, you kind of make your way to the capital, right? The capital city. And that is where the game peaks. And I sort of feel like after the capital city, the game sort of falls, the game sort of, like, kind of declines in quality mm-hmm. a little bit. It felt like it felt like the capital was sort of like the... The end, like the right ending point for it with everything, because that that area is just incredible. But then the next area of the game just was like this isn't as good as all the other stuff. I think they kind of stretched the game out with more content than they originally planned, and it started to kind of make itself known. But I will say one of the yeah one of the biggest things I enjoy about the game is, and I, I kind of remember when Bungie talked about. Death, the original Destiny reveal, right, about this. Um, when they showed it off and they're like, oh, you see that mountain? You can go there, right? That was, And people were like, what? You can you can go there, right? Uh, but you really couldn't. You couldn't go there. The thing with Elden Ring is, like, if you see something, like there's a structure in the distance, super high up, or just whatever, like, you literally can go there and there's going to be a level that is, like, expertly crafted there. It's insane how everything is interconnected and how everything is built, right? Like, nothing is wasted. So when you're coming, you're riding your horse, and you look in this distance, and you see this insane castle, like, that is the place you can actually go and explore, right? When you're, like, down below in the internal city, and there's, like, a coliseum off in the distance that's glowing red... It's not just there to look pretty. You actually can go to that that Coliseum. Like, I don't think any other game out there does that sort of level design and interconnectivity. I don't think anybody does that better than From Software. Uh, period. Yeah. Like, even even though like I was playing Dark Souls for the first time, like completed it for the first time just a few months ago. Even though it's ten years old. I was still blown away by how interconnected Dark Souls is. Like, I was like, oh my god, where's this going to lead me? Like, and then it was like, oh, hang on, it's, it's giving me a shortcut back all the way here. And you just wouldn't have thought about it. Like, um, but it's funny, because similar to what you said about when you get to the capital, it feels like the game drops off a bit. A lot of people say that about Dark Souls as well. Like, you get to Anor Londo, like the capital city, and then the, the next few areas don't feel as, I don't know, as loved or whatever. So maybe they did buy off more than they could chew and then 
you know, try and hit deadlines or whatever and just think, you know what, let's no. just try and check yeah. something at this point. Like, I think the capital city is the highest point of the game. Like, that level is so intricate and it's got so many levels, like, upper level to explore, mid-upper level, lower level, subterranean level. Like, it is amazing. But then, like, where you go after that is it just didn't live up to that and it didn't even live up to the earlier areas in the game and it kind of was like, that's when I started to get to the point of like, yeah, I just want this game over because I had explored everywhere. I had done everything. And I don't know I, I don't know if any of you guys saw my tweet yesterday. I posted a fight against uh, one of the, the bosses, optional bosses, who's supposed to be really – who's supposed to be difficult, but you can cheese them. But I don't need to cheese them because I'm just kind of OP in the game. And I'm not doing anything special. Um, I'm running like a two, two-handed colossal sword build. Um, and both my weapons are maxed out, and I have the mimic tier, which is makes the game literally trivial. And I destroy everything. I, I either destroy regular enemies in one hit, or other enemies in like two or three, and the bosses don't stand any chance. So while the game is difficult in the beginning, for sure, until you find the things that you want and level up, and I haven't grinded one bit. I, if somebody would ask me if this game was hard, I would say no. It's like, and I haven't done anything special. Uh, but I know everybody's different. I, I just, I don't know. Like, it, it feels like Sekiro to me was a million times harder, and I think Bloodborne was a little bit harder. I, I think with the way the open world was structured, with the ability to go anywhere you wanted, and how like each rune had like a chest, and how you could get these great weapons with minimal res- resistance. Um, and then, like, you could find farming spots if you wanted to that could raise your level to, like... I, I talked to somebody who went from, like, level 30 to level 110 in, like, an hour. And it's kind of just like... I guess that's just, like, you know, open world design for you, right? Well, Dark Souls was like that, too. It was, like, it was super hard in the beginning... And then, like, you know, you can look it up online, like, where to find the Zweihander, or, or where to find the Drake Sword. And, like, and they're really easy to get right at the start of the game without fighting anything. And that's basically your easy mode, you know, is, like, breaking the game. And the, the cool thing about from software game design, or at least when it comes to Dark Souls and Elden Ring, because I've played the others, is that they let you break the game. They let you get really overpowered, and they let you research and study how to become more powerful early on. And when I wrote an article saying, like, I wrote an article saying, like, this is the mentality you should have while playing Elden Ring, and it was basically like, you know, be prepared to do research, because this game doesn't just, you know, it doesn't give you everything in tutorials or make it easy for you. You have to, if you're willing to put a bit of effort in to do some research, then, yeah, it can be easy, or at least a lot easier. But a lot of people don't want to do that, or they they don't feel like doing that, or they don't find that enjoyable, and that's completely fine too. But you know, I uh, I sh- when I when I first played Elden Ring, it was before there was any there was no guides online, didn't know where to find the meteorite staff, I didn't know about the spell rock sling or anything like that. So I just basically went straight to Margit, the level one, with my crappy spells, and I died like fifteen times on him. I beat him eventually because I ended up memorizing his moveset so so well that I just sort of, you know, I was able to just dodge him with, with precision. But 
I didn't need to do that. I could have gone and got the meteorite staff from Kaelid really easily, which would have boosted my spell damage by a huge amount. And I could have killed him really easily by upgrading my uh, ashes a little bit and have them tank for me and that kind of stuff. So it can be easy if you're willing to research how to be OP because they, they let you break the game. And I, I think that's cool because it encourages a lot of discussion. It encourages community. And it reminds me of World of Warcraft because back in the day in World of Warcraft, that game didn't give you any hints either. You had to research, talk to people, research on wikis and learn how to make the best builds and stuff like that. Nothing was handed to you. And um, and that's where the community in WoW was used to be so great. But it's not anymore because they started making everything really simple. But I don't know. It's, uh, it's a cool game and it's going to have a long tail. I bet they'll do DLC for it, like expansions like Skyrim had. You know, people will play New Game Plus and there'll be mods for it and all kinds of ways to extend the game, the life of the game. But I don't see, I don't see this slipping out of the discussion for a while. Cause it's, it's just, it's just got a really long tail. You know, it's, there's so much content. Like, if you, and you can like, different builds you can try, you can completely change the game. Like, you play a sorcerer and you can play like a dragon priest melee guy or, just go all in on melee with a shield and, you know. I went all in on melee, but I, like I didn't even use a shield. I just two colossal swords or two great swords for you most of the game and then two colossal swords. You didn't even power stance, though. Wow. Which is what, what re- really confused me because it, if you use two colossal swords of the same type, then you get, like, extra attacks, which gives you special combos. I am power stancing. You're just, like, YOLO. I, I am power stancing. Yeah, two co- colossal swords of the same type. So when I press L1, oh, I, I swing you a different one. No, 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 no. Um, so yeah, uh, Doctor Dingle or Claymore or something else. Doctor Dingle says, "Did you respect?" I did. Uh, I did respect because one of the uh, one of the sor- class of swords I wanted to use required more intelligence than I had, so I had to respect to put more in there. So I, I did respect. Uh, but I didn't really do anything special, and the beginning of the game, I would say, is the most difficult part, uh, for sure. Yeah, but, but the way I played it, I, like, w- go through an area and do everything, like, find everything. And so, like, by the time I got to, like, some of the later areas, like, I had my weapons were maxed out or close to being maxed out, and I was just a wrecking machine, so... Um, yeah, I mean, I should have finished it tonight. I think it'll probably be my game of the year, although we'll have to wait to see, you know, how God of War Ragnarok turns out. But, yeah, that's probably the last time we'll talk about Elden Ring on the show, uh, like, in this manner, because I know probably people are sick about it. But, (laughs) I mean, this month ended up being great for me, because Elden Ring, which wasn't a game I was planning on playing, and I ended up loving it and reigniting my fire. Uh, And then the month started off with Sifu, which was... Incredible, and honestly, you could make the argument that Sifu is actually harder, um, mm. for sure. But both amazing games. So, uh, Hero, uh, he says, you've been a member for two months. He says, I think the Super Chat is bugged. I tried sending a Super Chat, and it duplicated in my bank seven times. Eh, you know. Oh, wow. If Super Chat's bugged, then oh, well. Uh, um, <laughs> if you, if you, you could probably get a refund out of Google for that. Well, I don't think it came through seven times. It just he won't it won't let him oh. send it. It just kind of duplicates it. But I yeah I haven't seen anything no. come through. Um, Kimura says Rand plays on PlayStation, but he's on an Xbox podcast. 
I'm I don't know how many times I gotta like say this. Like Xbox is my primary platform, but I'll play anything anywhere except for Nintendo, as most people know. I'm kidding <laughs> with that, by the way. It just I, it doesn't matter what platform a game's on, I'll play it. So like, God of War comes out, I'll be on PlayStation. You know, when Deathloop came out, I played it on PlayStation. I didn't wait to come to Xbox. When Ghostwire Tokyo comes out, I'll be playing it on PlayStation. It doesn't matter. I don't know, this whole, like, oh, you're an Xbox, so you can't play on PlayStation. You're on PlayStation, you can't play on Xbox or, or Nintendo. is just completely, um, completely insured to me. So I just, I play, I, I play where I want. And this is an Xbox podcast because that is my passion that I share with Jez. It's what I care about. It's what I know, you know, pretty intimately. You know, I'm very much connected to the Xbox ecosystem and have been for years in a way that I'm not really connected to PlayStation. But it doesn't matter. I'll just play games wherever. So if me talking about PlayStation on an Xbox podcast bothers you, then I don't know. You know, we were just talking about what we're playing, so... Um, anyways, um, let's, let's talk, uh, you know, so we're going to move away from Elden Ring, right? <laughs> My buddy Gopher says, Rand can't wait for Breath of the Wild 2. No, I'm not going to be playing Breath of the Wild 2 <laughs> at all. I don't, I will not be doing that. Uh, George says, Jeff Grubb said Microsoft are doing a June show today. I did see somebody say that at, on Reset Era, but... I've fallen for the thing where people say something Jeff Grubb said in a thread and he didn't really say it or he speculated, so I haven't checked it for myself. But George is saying that Grubb said today Microsoft is doing a June show. I did see somebody else say Mm -hmm. that in a Reset Era thread. Because he did say yesterday that EA is not doing the show, but then someone is doing a typical June E3 show during that time frame. And I thought to myself, it's got to be Xbox. Because Phil's on the ESA board, he was always kind of big, uh, you know, you know, supportive of the ESA. Like we weren't hearing they were doing the show any earlier, so yeah, I mean, yeah, June show makes a lot of sense, right, Jess? Yeah, June show makes a lot of sense, and you know, I would not bet against Grub. So yeah, June show it is, I guess. June show it Probably. is. I guess it will be branded E3 as well. Now Microsoft. They support the ESA and they support E3 and they want E3 to like, you know, continue to be a thing, even though I don't think it's going to be a thing anymore. But, you know, it's what it is. Mm. Uh, Verum says, have you guys heard that about that big remake release date is in 2023? I did see they did that uh, stream today and EA tweeted out that the game's coming early 2023, which is great. Um, I love Dead Space. I cannot wait. Like, I, I cannot wait to play that game again. Like I am down for a full-on remake of that game. Like I want, like I would love to see a Dead Space Four, but like Dead Space One and Dead Space Two are two of my favorite games from the 360 generation. And who's developing it? EA, EA Motive, I believe, is developing it. Right. See, I, I'm like. I love Dead Space 2, and it was one of my favorite games on Xbox 360 as well. But it's EA, so I can't find my, I can't bring myself to have hype for it. And a lot of people say, "Well, Jedi Fallen Order was good." Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that was also Vince Sampella, right? Okay. You know, I I don't trust EA to do do right by anything right now. 
I'm looking forward to seeing how they try and incorporate microtransactions. I'm looking forward to seeing whether it has a battle pass or whether it has forced co-op or multiplayer or something. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how they manage to screw it up. I'd love to be wrong, but, you know, don't trust the A these days, man. Just don't trust I mean, them. fair enough. I mean, I get it. I just am someone who's like... I. You're right. I don't really, tr- I don't really have the biggest uh, hopes for EA, but I do like Respawn, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order Two is going to be hot. It's going to be fire, and I am going to lean on the side of optimism for Dead Space because it's like the original's there, the blueprint is there, the game is amazing, and it sounds like they're doing a remake. Maybe not a one to one, but like. It's like you already have the blueprint for the game to be amazing because it already is amazing. So all you got to do is really just make it look better and have it run at 60 frames and whatever else and it's going to be it's going to be a smash yeah. hit. Like that's that's all I want, you know? I mean, how I would have if he had remastered these games and he had like new achievements and stuff uh and they remastered them and were in 60 frames, I would replay both of them again. I love Dead Space 1 and 2. Three, not so much. Um, so I'm super excited, and it, you know, whatever, 2023, early 2023, that's that's perfectly fine by me. Um, but you know, I saw you put an article about Xbox events out this week, Jez. How the, how was the reception of that? Yeah, it was interesting. Like a lot of opinions. Um, it was kind of like it was kind of echoing what Miles wrote, but I wanted to attach a poll to mine. Okay, and, and like, what was the poll? Offer another take. I, actually, I'll look at the results now. So the poll was, should Microsoft keep? I mean, it's not, it's, it's not a scientific poll because I did argue argue a case for a specific, for one of the options in the article. So you could argue that some people maybe the poll is biased. But um, I'll still look at the results. Cause I, and I mentioned in the article that when we did the Xbox 2 and we put a poll out, we put a poll out saying should Xbox do Nintendo Direct style shows more often or stick to their E3 format. And if I remember right, Rand, wasn't our poll something like 60-40? Yeah, it was. In favor was, of Nintendo Direct? No, I think people were in favor of the big show. Ah, okay. Well, um, on Windows Central, across 531 votes, um, 70% say... They should have more frequent Nintendo Direct style shows, and then 30% said um, they should do a once a year E3 style blowout. But again, it's not scientific because it was attached to an article where I'm arguing for a Nintendo Direct style thing. But I don't know. I suppose like I I wrote that article before Sony State of Play, which doesn't seem like it was that well received. Mm. Um, Obviously, I've I, I, I'm not really in tune the PlayStation community that much, so I don't really see too much of it. But how was that? How was that received? The state of play? It didn't seem that it was received. Uh, well, okay. Way. So when we when we've talked about Xbox doing other shows, right? Which I've said they should, but maybe not this year because I don't really think they have the content to support support it this year. And my yeah. reasoning was whatever they show this year would mostly be dominated by smaller announcements, indie games, stuff like that. And normally those type of shows don't go over well with 
uh, a general audience. General audience is looking for big AAA announcements. They're looking for the big exclusives. And when you yeah. mostly give them kind of low-key announcements, even though, like, with Sony, uh, at their show, they announced some, some like, RPGs from Square Enix, um, one which is coming to Xbox and one that isn't. Uh, you know, they announced the TMNT Kawabunga Collection Jazz, which... Uh, I don't know about you. That uh, that hit me hits me right in the nostalgia feels. Thirteen. I never played game. the game. I never played. I never played. That, I never played any of it, bro. That's my childhood right there. Like they got the NES and the Genesis version. Did I ever tell the stories of how like the carnival would come here, right, uh, to one of the local schools by my house uh, every summer, right, and. In the gym, they would have just a bunch of arcade machines, like the Simpsons, Alien vs. Predator, you know, X-Men. If anybody in chat knows what I'm talking about, these these, these arcade games, uh, make sure you pipe up. The, and, and, like, one of my favorites is always the original TMNT arcade machine. Uh, and I always pick Michelangelo because he's always my favorite Ninja Turtle. And I used the to... The yellow one, right? The yellow one. So he's the orange no. one. <laughs> There's no yellow one. That's April O'Neil. <laughs> orange and yellow similar ish. No? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean oh, so I, I would always kind of save up my quarters. So like we'd go there and everybody would want to go on these rides, right? And I would literally beeline right for the gym and spend the entire time just playing all the arcade games there. And TMNT, the first one, is, like, my favorite. So they're they're putting all these in a collection. So, like, even though I don't really have that big of an interest in playing all those again, I'm going to buy it simply for the fact that it's, like, it's Turtles, bro. You know? Like, I need yeah. this. I need this. But, um, yeah, so, like, for the most part, you know, they they had they, the announcements didn't set the world on fire, but you knew it wasn't because they announced it like two days beforehand. It was a 20-minute show focused on Japanese publishers, right? You had these fake PlayStation insiders or wannabe PlayStation clout chasers on Twitter being like, are, 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 "We're going to see Metal Gear, Silent Hill, Final <laughs> Fantasy 16, a Gears, uh, you know, God of War uh, release date." Uh, you know, like pie in the sky, uh, you know, square unit, set, like all this stuff. Uh, Bloodborne remastered. And, you know, and then there are people out there being like, Resident Evil 4 is going to be announced at the, at the end of the show as a PlayStation exclusive, right? None of this stuff came true because there are no actual PlayStation insiders on Twitter. I hate to burst the bubble for people listening. There's no such thing as the PlayStation insider, especially the ones that claim themselves to be on Twitter. The ones who actually do know stuff, they don't post about it on Twitter. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, actually, you know what? Nick is actually pretty good when it comes to PlayStation. I'll take that back. Nick Nick has pretty good sources most of the time when it comes to PlayStation. But for the most part, like, you know, those those dudes, like, they, they're just hoping <laughs> that stuff comes true, and it never does. So maybe those people, by saying this stuff is going to happen, uh, inflates people's expectations, right? And people expect too much. So I will say, so Jeff Keeley, who always does like a poll afterwards, right? 
And I would say mostly Jeff Keighley's followed, you know, by a lot of people in the gaming industry, a lot of fans. And uh, he he said, how would you rate today's PlayStation State of Play? And if you recall, last year's Xbox E3 was rated very highly. It was like 80% A or B, right? Um, and People really seem to uh, like uh, PlayStation State of Play, or the Xbox show last year. So this one... D or below, 45%. 26% a C. So basically you have what? You have 71% of the people who voted out of 100,000 people saying that it was a C or a below, which is not a good show. And then 20% said B, 27% said A. So like we've been saying with Xbox, right, that um, if if they were to do – like a show, this you know, like say they were doing a show next month, it would not be what people really want, right? What people really well, want. What What is important though is to set expectations. Sure, sure. If Sony said but that, they, it's no, like, but they did set. Ex- Sony did set expectations. Are like it's twenty minutes long and it's going to mostly focus on Japanese stuff. Like they set expectations. It's just that people let their let their. Uh, Hopes and dreams run wild, right? And they think these things, it's like they're never going to do anything like that in a state of play. Maybe in a showcase, but not a 20-minute state of play, right? And what what they should do is, like, they should, it's all branding, really. If they figure out a way to have, like, I don't know, call it state of play mini or something, where, where it's sort of it's branded as such, and then, like, leave the big guns for the full-blown state of play. Like how they could do like either inside either Xbox for the for the direct to digital games, and then like inside Xbox for the AAA games for the for their direct showcase, you know, only without the interviews, please, no more interviews. And um, you know, I think it's it's about branding as well. I think because if you if you just call everything state of play, and then like some shows are some shows are a D and some shows are a B or an A. Then you sort of you don't you can't give people consistency. I think what Nintendo does with its directs is give people that consistency because we all know the algorithm demands consistency. You know because people want consistency. They want like they want to have their expectations met or exceeded, not their expectations underperform. You know, but <clears throat> who knows? I'm not a marketing guy. I'm just a random podcaster. What do I know? Yeah. Well, my point was when we talk about the Xbox Direct and, like, Xbox having more shows, and I do think they need to do that in the future when they have a breadth of content that is coming year-round instead of all their content coming at the end of the year, right? Um, so, like, if Xbox did a show next month, but it was, like, punctuated by, okay, here's Redfall, but here's also these other games that are indie I think the reaction to it would be very similar to State of Play because I think the general Mm -hmm. audience isn't looking or, and I hate to say this, but, like, the general audience really doesn't care for the indie games getting that spotlight. They want the big stuff. Indie games are important, and Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo, you know, they highlight them because, you know, they're important, but I I don't think that's what people really want. They want an E3-level show, essentially. Uh, but you're only going to get that show once a year, right? You're not going to get it every single time. So 
Um, yeah, so like while I do think Xbox needs to do more, I think it would be better served for them to wait until they have the content to actually, oh, well, we can show a new look at this and, and, and have more games to show. Um, but they did announce an actual new Xbox event. It's not clickbait in the title. Um, ID at Xbox is once again partnering with uh, Twitch, uh, I believe, next week on March 16th. And they said that we'll be featuring updates, new trailers, and gameplay from Finji who's launching Tunic next week as well, I believe. Right, Jez? Tunic is coming out next week? Is it next week? I'm pretty oh, sure wow. Tunic is next week, or, yeah, close to it. Uh, and Whitethorn, as well as the first game from I Am 8-Bit's brand-new publishing label. In addition to this, fans will also get a chance to see the latest and hear from teams working on Shredders, Roblox, and some new games that you need to tune in to see. And they'll be streaming exclusively on Twitch. Microsoft, you know, they, they brought back Twitch streaming to Dashboard last month. And this is the second time they've done this. If you remember, uh, they did one last year in March, which was, if you recall, 10 hours long. Remember that show? <laughs> I exaggerate. Yeah, it wasn't it was. 10 hours long, but it was like four hours like three long. hours long. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty long. Um, and I think like three of these Twitch indie. I, they did one long? in Mar- they did one in March and August of last year, so they did a, right. they did the second one, which I think so this was is the third one. This will be the third one. So I don't, you know, hopefully they learn their lessons from the previous ones, and you know, this is basically yeah, okay, you're just going to tune in to see indie indie showcase, which is great. Um, there's also Trek to Yomi supposed to be showed off, which was or I forget I, I don't know if it's Yomi or however you say it, but it looks like Sifu. looks like a lot like Sifu. It's black and white. looks like a cool Jap- uh, Japanese samurai movie. Uh, that was also yeah. in the state of play. looks really cool, and I believe that game is coming to Game Pass on day one uh, as well. Yes, it is. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so hopefully they, you know, they, they learn their lessons from the previous ones, and, you know, we get, we get a look at a couple cool indies, maybe some Game Pass announcements. But obviously what people really want is the June show, which I guess, like we mentioned, Jeff Grubb said, Microsoft is planning uh, for an E3 style. And that's the one, you know, that's that's the big show. And then maybe they do an XO at the end of the year. Um, well, we'll just have to wait and see, right? Yeah. And then, and then and, next uh, year, I think. The Game Awards too, right? Well, yeah, maybe they would be, maybe they won't be. But then next year is the year that I would expect Microsoft to do multiple shows because they're going to, you know, because that's supposed to be the year they got everything coming, so. There's a big hint that Microsoft is planning to expand its programming because they recently opened the job application for a director of programming, basically, someone whose job it will be to shape and develop the future of Xbox marketing events and stuff like that. Which, um, you know, it's the kind of position you'd need if you were looking to do more frequent shows or you were looking to do, like, supplementary events like State of Play or Nintendo Direct. I don't think they're going to ditch the big June showcase because of their involvement with the ESA. But I do think there is room for, like, smaller events or maybe, like, events that are specific to a game, like offer a deep dive in a branded deep dive into specific games, like they could do Fallout 76 Direct with Xbox branding or something, um, just to sort of, and that's what I argued in the article, just to remind people that these games are Xbox games, you know, 
Fallout 76 is an Xbox game, and you know, it, well, Fallout 76 is regarded as like it's it's not regarded by the gaming community so favorably, but it's played by thousands of people. You know, it's it's not a small game. Fallout 76 recently announced they they have got content updates planned for the next five years. So you know, it's kind of like Sea of Thieves. It's you know, a service game that maybe it's not the biggest game in the world, but it has a very dedicated fan base, like State of Decay as well. So, um, I think these kind of games that do have these updates, they could be part of little mini Xbox branded direct showcases. And, um, but yeah, I don't think they'll give up the big E3 slot because it's, um, it's still really popular and it's almost nostalgic in a way. And it's really only Xbox that still does that. Gives us those big E3 showcase kind of things in June. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think it's it, see. I think if Phil had his way, I think he he would love to do live shows. He really likes those. Even if everybody else is doing digital, I think Xbox would be like the one who would be like, no, we're gonna do a live show. Because he really yeah. he really likes the fans being there. You know, give them a certain energy and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Well, that's what Mike Morham used to say about BlizzCon. They used to say, like, BlizzCon was not a profitable event. It cost a huge amount of money. You know, they had to rent out a big, big arena and, you know, staff it, security, and make sure everyone was there for events and stuff. But they did it They did it for the fans, and they did it because, you know, the, the morale boost for the team. And I think, like, one of the first things Activision w- wants to do since Mike Mulhane left, was wind down BlizzCon, and COVID gave him the perfect excuse, excuse to get rid of it. But I do think if Microsoft closes the deal with Activision, they'll probably bring back BlizzCon in, in full form at some point. Because Phil does appreciate the sense of community that gaming creates, you know. It's not just about... That's why, that's why I'm really hyped about the Activision Blizzard deal. Because it's not just about shareholders with Xbox. They have... It feels like they have a, they feel a duty to the gaming community. They don't just feel a duty to shareholders, which obviously legally they are there to do, to create value for shareholders at the end of the day. But it feels like Xbox is sheltered from that in a way that Activision Blizzard, EA, Take Two, and some of these other companies just aren't. You know. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm just naive. No, you're not. You're not naive. But um, speaking of Blizzard, Jez, and this is right up your alley, the Overwatch 2 Alpha was announced. Yeah, Overwatch 2 Alpha. Well, they're calling it better, I think. It's no, like I think they called it a closed, closed Alpha, right? No? I think, no, I think it's called a, I think they're calling it a PvP better. I could be wrong about that. But um, it's interesting because uh, Overwatch 2 was, you know, sort of, it was went really quiet for a while, didn't it? Like, um, and also it lost Jeff Kaplan, the lead developer. Blizzard, uh, Blizzard's veteran, left the company um, right before the scandal started happening. Um, and I probably picked a good time to bail, frankly. But uh, so a lot of people were worried about where the direction of Overwatch, and you know, obviously Overwatch hasn't begun very many updates while the team focused on Overwatch Two. So I guess it's encouraging to see Overwatch 2 emerge out of darkness. I'm still, Overwatch is still probably my favorite shooter multiplayer game. I still jump on it every now and then. I still prefer it to Call of Duty, and I definitely prefer it to Battlefield 2042. So, um, and you know what's interesting to me around is that like, 
even though there is a common narrative that Overwatch is dead or dying, um, the bad sign up for Overwatch 2 literally crashed Battle.net. Yeah. <laughs> so many people were flooding in to try and sign up. I signed up, though. Uh, I don't suppose you were going to sign up, are you? <laughs> no, I couldn't care less. Yeah. I signed up, though. I got in. So hopefully they'll they'll accept me and I'll write some cool content about Overwatch 2. Because I love Overwatch 2. Uh, Overwatch, sorry. I don't know about Overwatch 2 yet, obviously. I haven't played it, but I do love Overwatch 1. But, yeah. Overwatch. Imagine that. Everybody was like, hey, the game's dead. But then as soon as they announced the sign-ups, it's always like, yeah, Battle.net yeah. down for the count. So maybe Overwatch 2 is going to be super popular. Um Okay, Jez, i got to ask you this because people have been asking me, and I don't know. You know, you're the ones who knows all the code names about everything. But uh, there's, a new code, there's a new code name that came out. <laughs> and, you know, speculation is run rampant about whether this is, you know, a, a new console, perhaps a mid-gen upgrade, or, uh, you know, like maybe a, uh, a refresh, maybe the next-gen console, Maybe a streaming box or whatever. It's called Xbox Keystone. And a lot of people are wondering, what could it be? And I know, you know, you, you leak some stuff about Lockhart and Anaconda and Scarlet and all these certain th- you know, things. And Brad Sam's talked about Hobart. Um, you're the man yeah. with, with the, the project name. So what do you know about Xbox Keystone? Well, um... First and foremost, it's important to note that this is not a hardware SKU codename. Um, Walking Cat on Twitter, who is um, intimately knowledgeable about Xbox um, Microsoft codenames in general, he he knows that this comes from a batch of um, codenames that refers to Windows SKUs. So, like, um, as pertains to operating systems. So, for example, we've got... Um, Oh man, what was the co- Lock yeah, Lockhart, right. Lockhart and Anaconda, yeah? If I remember right. Anaconda was a Series X. So Anaconda and Lockhart, they was that was the Series X and Series S. But the operating system was codenamed Scarlet. So if there is going to be a mid gen upgrade console, it would also the the operating system it'll run on will be Scarlet. So it'll be like it'll be you know, it'll be in the Scarlet family of devices, but it'll have a different hardware codename. But Keystone is another operating system skew. So, to me, that doesn't suggest that it's going to be a new device. And I don't think it's going to be consumer-facing either. They wouldn't, be, they wouldn't have a codename for a new operating system for an Xbox console this early into the gen, I don't think. Um, I could be wrong, of course. Because I don't, ha- I don't know what a Keystone is specifically yet, but my my instinct is that this is probably server related or something along those lines. Because Keystone is full blown Windows. It's not like, um, and if if you were developing uh, like a streaming stick or something, you wouldn't need the full blown Windows uh, libraries to make that. I think if Microsoft does make a streaming stick probably going to be Android-based, and I think if they do make a handheld console, I also think that would be Android-based. I don't think they would use Windows to make that, because Windows is bloated, and, um, you know, I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think they need a full-blown Windows SKU to make one of those devices. So, for me, if I had to guess, it's 
probably server related, might be xCloud related. Maybe it's the version of xCloud that, I mean, you know, to really stretch it and reach. Maybe it's the version of xCloud that runs PC games. I don't know. But I highly doubt it's a consumer-facing thing at the moment, um, as in a new product. Like, I think it could be an extension of xCloud. It could be something server-related. I don't think it's a new Xbox console. I don't think it's a handheld or a stick or anything like that. I, I'm pretty sure those are going to be Android-based. So, um, Yeah. So, if you see anyone out there claiming that Keystone's a new console, take it with a mountain of salt. I don't think I don't think it's a new console, but, but who knows, man? Could be completely wrong, because I, I don't know what Keystone is yet, but, you know, we're working on it, and maybe we'll find out sooner or later. Yeah, it's interesting, though, because we know that they're doing the streaming stuff, and you figure that's got to be close to coming out, maybe this year whether it's a stick or a box, you know, at some point, I would imagine they're going to do a slim version of maybe the Series X. You know, they always do some version of consoles, you know, when the price of the components comes down and stuff. Like, that's bound to happen. You know, then then there's like, yeah. well, they're going to do a mid-gen refresh. That could be a thing. And then you would imagine if they're, they are doing consoles for next-gen, those start planning early on, too. So it's like, could be anything, yeah. but but then he's also like you said, XCloud to consider, you know, server blades, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, yeah. I mean and that it, could be completely wrong. It, it could it could be the Windows 11 version of the Xbox dashboard that you know maybe they are developing for the next next gen Xbox consoles in in the distant future. You know, it could be. But I don't know for sure what it is at the moment. But I just I just feel like this is probably something server related or Xcode related, but you know, it could be totally wrong. Well Nick, Nick says uh tomorrow's headline confirmed on Jez's show, Keystone is a version of XCloud. Yeah, that's usually how that stuff will go, right? <laughs> that's uh, yeah, usually maybe. how all those things go. Just on, on Jez Corden's podcast, the Xbox two, he confirmed Keystone is XCloud related or whatever, so yeah. yeah. Um I don't know. I really don't. <laughs> Jez, uh, did you know that Xbox won the Metacritic publisher, was the top publisher for Metacritic last year? And I did know this. How crazy that me. actually is. Did, were, you, were you shocked by that news? I well, was, no, I, was I wasn't. No, I wasn't shocked because. I knew how good the games were that come out. Like Halo Infinite, as much as you hate it, right, as much as you despise Master Chief <laughs> and Cortana and 343, it reviewed very well. And Forza Horizon 5 is the well. best racing game out there, right? Psychonauts 2 scored extremely well. Microsoft Flight Sim. So, like, I knew that the games they had all did well. Um, and I... From what I understand, like it's they they Xbox had the best um year ever or best year ever for a publisher. Like they averaged like an eighty seven or whatever. Um which I still recall, which is always funny to me. When Phil Spencer took the stage at the game awards, I think in twenty nineteen, maybe it was, or maybe it was twenty eighteen, and he's just like, Yeah, we can do better. It wasn't our best year. And I always just, like, kind of look at that as, like, yeah, the man's telling the truth because that year when he was there was, like, yeah, that was a bad year. 
um, you know, we'll do better. And here you have it a couple years later, um, top publisher. Uh, in fact, scores never seen before. And it just really goes to show you how, you know, essentially they, they've turned it around. And people talk about, like, Game Pass fodder and all the different sort of stuff, you know, the different ways you can cut down Xbox by, you know, talking about their games. But, uh, I mean, at least review-wise, uh, they ended up uh, being uh, quality. And if that's something that can continue, and I think Bethesda was number four and Activision was number five, and basically Xbox would have had number one, number four, number five. So <laughs> it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy to go think about, like, where they were when they were struggling putting out games to hit, like, 80. You know, like, there was the whole meme about 60 meta, right? Like, Sea of Thieves, State of Decay, Crackdown. Uh, these games that just came out that just, like, weren't critically... Uh, good at all, and now it's like, hey, you're you're the top publisher, and you did something that no other publisher um, pretty much did, and it's like BFG says that narrative is dead and buried. So, uh, it I'm sure it'll come back up because I don't think it, this year though, Jez, even though Xbox has Redfall and Starfield and Forza Motorsport, I don't think they're gonna win um, because. On Metacritic, if I'm not mistaken, Crossfire X is listed as published by Xbox Game Studios. And which that, is that's a 40. Weird. Which is weird because it's not published by Xbox Game Studios. So, yeah, I don't know why it that is. That game is an enigma. That game is an enigma. It was, like, heavily marketed by Xbox, and then they tried to, like, sweep it under the rug. They're like, yeah, you guys publish it. We're not touching this. Oh man, what a weird, weird game! Like, do, is anyone even playing it still? Like the online stuff? I don't, I know. don't think so. That game's really big in Korea, right? Yeah, it. I mean, it is really big in Korea. Um, it's just for whatever reason, I don't know. Do they not get other shooters in Korea? I don't know why it's so big there, but it kind of came and went here, and nobody yeah, cared, and it was very bad. Like old game design that people are kind of like don't care about anymore, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's like the port's bad or something? I might try and look into that and find out, like, what, how does the Korean version of Crossfire differ from the Western version? Because clearly they're seeing something we're not. <laughs> but I don't know. Um, but I, I, said, I said it surprised me. And the reason it surprised me was, I think it was because in my head... I hadn't released many games that appealed to me, you know. If I was just thinking about it, like, in a non-analytical way, if I was just thinking about it in a common-sense sort of, you know, not thinking about it too hard kind of way, I wouldn't have thought it would have been Microsoft up there, just because a lot of their games they released last year didn't appeal to me. And I think I tweeted this out, that, like, you know, one of the reasons why they're, they've been able to hit this is because they've gone so broad on the genre diversity which is, like, to some degree, I think, encouraged by Game Pass to try and cater for every niche, you know, hook people in who are really into Flight Simulator and then, you know, try and on-ramp them algorithmically to similar games they might enjoy that are in Game Pass, you know, like 
I noticed they're pushing Lawnmower Simulator quite a lot on Game Pass for PC. Like, that game seems to be really popular. Have you played Lawnmower Simulator? I have not. I have not played it. Nope. They, they've just released a DLC for Lawnmower Simulator where you, you mow lawns in the, the dinosaur era and there's dinosaurs running around. It's like, what is this game? <laughs> it's a really strange game, but it seems to be popular, so I don't know. But, like, simulation games in general seem really popular in Germany, where I am now. Like, Farming Simulator is huge. Rand, you should have seen the, the Farming Simulator booth at Gamescom in Germany. They're like, they had, like, they had, like, licensed tractors there, and, like, real-life farming equipment all over the place. And, you know, you you wouldn't think it, that, that Farming Simulator has this, like, gigantic following. But it does. It's one of the biggest games in the world, and... I think farming, isn't farming Simulator on Game Pass for PC as well, or some version of it, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but, um, but yeah, the point is that the diversity helps them, you know, cater to a broader audience, which is what you want for a streaming service, I guess, with a subscription tied to it. But, you know, I still think, like, they've still got some areas to improve upon, even though they're the number one publisher out there. Like, a lot of the games that, I don't know, I would consider to be riskier to make, like your big action games with voice acting you need writers for, like, you don't need, a, you don't need like, you don't need Hollywood-grade writing for Flight Simulator, for example. You know, not not to discredit the, the writing on Flight Simulator, because it does have some writing and some voiceovers and all that kind of stuff. But it's not, it's not like, it's not going to, it's not going to win an Oscar for its, you know, for its story, you know. It's not the kind of game it is. Okay, yeah. So like, I do think, yeah, I do think they still need to make improvements on those kind of games, which are the big headline-grabbing, risk-taking games that a lot of studios increasingly seem afraid of making because you know you invest all that upfront money and then people don't like it, like you know, as Marvel you know, Avengers, for example. I know we said we didn't talk about it, but Elden Ring doesn't have that much dialogue in it. Or voice acting, yeah, no. really? And it's like it 96 meta, so you don't necessarily you don't really need it, you know? Yeah, it's true. I think I think Elden Ring story delivery is probably going to change the way the industry at large thinks about some of this stuff because it's not like Elden Ring doesn't have a story. It's not like Elden Ring doesn't have lore. It has very deep lore and a very intriguing story, but it leaves a lot of it up to the you know, the player's imagination almost, which in some ways is weirdly more impactful. Like, I don't I don't want to spoil it, but in um in Castle Stormvale at the start of the game, if you um you know, you can take the main path through the castle, it's very, very easy to do, and then kill Godric and then never come back there again. But if you explore a bit and go into the basement and go into like the graveyard area behind the castle, which you don't need to go to there's like a really creepy fossil thing in the floor, which really stuck with me for some reason. Like it's it's just terrifying. I was like, "What the hell is this? Like, why is this? Why is this here? You know, what? How does this fit into the story?" Like, it sparked my imagination in a way that like the the sort of dry Ubisoft style wannabe Hollywood delivery just doesn't. You know. So it's not it's not like Elden Ring doesn't have story, but um, yeah, it still needs good writers, and um, 
that costs money, I guess, which also increases risk in a way that you don't really get on a game like Flight Simulator. So, I don't know. I still want to see Microsoft deliver in the in that area, in the story-driven, epic moments, memorable stuff area. But, you know, there's signs that they're doing well in that space too. Like, Psychonauts has very, very amazing writing, for example. I just hope we see more of that, you know, Psychonauts-grade writing. And hopefully with Fable and some of the other games that will be story-driven, hopefully we'll see some of that. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, I think they're they're on good footing. I think it's like the, yeah. the days of like, oh, worrying about like uh, 60 meta and stuff, and I think those are over. Like, I didn't think they turn around this fast. Like, I didn't think like, Oh, well, you know, 2020 here, you know, 2021, they're the they're the highest rated publisher, and they've actually hit an average that nobody else has ever done. You know, and it's probably going to be harder to keep that up because, like, you're going to be releasing so many games, and there's also, you know, you release so many games, there's a chance that, you know, one or two games may not be the best, right? So, like, yeah, the average might might go down, but... Not only do they win Metacritic Publisher of 2021, which is, you know, a lot of people use Metacritic as the standard, right, when talking about how good games are. And we know, you know, the industry uses that as a way to, like, which kind of sucks, but, like, give out bonuses and things like that. So, like, it's important. But we got MPD results today for uh, the month of February. And <laughs> even though Switch sold the most units, um, and PlayStation sold the most, uh, you know, uh, made the most money. Um, Xbox outsold PlayStation again, Jez. Mm. And, and units sold. And Elden Ring was the best-selling game. And it kind of, it certainly definitely seems like Elden Ring is um, taking the Souls game from niche to, like, ultra, or not maybe ultra, but, like, really uh, good mainstream, mainstream now. Like, it outsold Horizon Forbidden West, uh, which is the sequel to a game that sold 20 million copies. Uh, it outsold Dying Light 2. It outsold the second month of Pokemon, whatever title tagline they're using for this, what is it, Pokemon Legends or whatever? Um, <laughs> I don't know, what, what was this Pokemon game called? I Pokemon Legends. Whatever, whatever. Like, it outsold that, and it's kind of crazy, whatever the numbers are doing. But, yeah, it keeps on coming back to Xbox outselling PlayStation. And it's ha- this has happened quite a few times already. And it's just, you know, everybody thought at the beginning of the gen that it was just going to be straight PlayStation dominance. But with the Series S, Game Pass, and... Yeah. Uh, you know, the Xbox being desirable, you're going to have these months like this. Which is odd, because PlayStation had a great month. They put out Sifu, and they put out Horizon, and they still are supply-constrained to the point where it's like they probably can't sell as much as they, you know. they That would have been a huge month normally if, if you had your supply situation uh, figured out. But here we have it, Xbox is still selling and it i mean it didn't have it only had Elden Ring so i mean what what do you make of all that it shows that the series s was a genius move mm. frankly i don't i don't know if microsoft had prior knowledge of there going to be a massive chip shortage because obviously microsoft 
Microsoft works very intimately with Intel and other, other companies that manufacture chips because of their PC business. So at some point, a decision was made by Microsoft to make, make a SKU of Xbox that was easier to source silicon for. And they can, they can source the silicon for the Series S far easier than Sony can source silicon for the PS5 and far easier than Microsoft can source for the Series X. And honestly, that's actually going to get harder this year. It's not going to get easier. It's going to get even harder for them to source silicon for the next year or two at least um, because of certain global events, um, which are too depressing to think about right now. But... Um, it's actually going to get harder to source some of these chips. So the Series S is going to continue holding its own and continue growing the Xbox ecosystem in a time where com- competing platforms are really constrained. Like, a lot of people are saying, like, oh, Nintendo needs to make a 4K Nintendo Switch now. Like, they need to make a Switch Pro right now. But it's like, with what silicon? You know, with what silicon are they going to do this? My Steam Deck is on back order to 2023. You know? <laughs> I don't think Nintendo's sitting there thinking, man, we really we really need to make a four K a four K four K Nintendo Switch and we're gonna lose customers. It's like no, because there's no bloody silicon for the for this stuff. There's no there's no semiconductors. And soon there's gonna be no neon for it either. You know, it's it, the silicon situation is really, really bad. And it's only gonna get worse. So whoever at Microsoft made the decision or put forth the strategy to have a console that was easier to manufacture from a, you know, raw materials perspective, they were a genius, and they should probably get a raise. Maybe it was just Phil, and that's why Phil got promoted. Because I think Xbox, if Xbox only had the Series X right now, they would be in dire straits. They would be in a really tough place, because a lot of those, a lot of the silicon for the Xbox Series X, as we know, is being um, routed towards servers right now, which is, you know, Microsoft's core business. So, um, the Series X, Series X is really, really, really helping the Xbox platform right now. And I don't know if you saw today, Rand, but um, Dying Light 2 announced that with Microsoft's help, they were able to get Dying Light 2 to 60 frames per second on the Series S2. Yeah, which is really good. Um, yeah. And then they so upped like, the resolution though, on the Series X, right? Too for in the performance mode. There's like there's like three modes now as well. They added. Yeah, there's um there's a new balanced mode which uh, hits 60 frames, but also like 1440p or something. So like I think when when more when devs get to grips with the Series S a little bit more as well, it'll it'll start performing above what you're ex- what you might be expecting it to. You know, a lot of the games might launch at 30 frames, like Chivalry 2 as well. Chivalry 2 was 30 frames per second on the Series S initially, and it had horrible performance. But then Microsoft was like, ah, nah, do do this do these tweaks, and you can get it to 60, 60 frames really easily. And now Chivalry runs at a flawless 60 frames a second on the Series S. So as devs, like, learn their, their ways around this system, which is rapidly becoming one of the most popular consoles this gen, it's going gonna, it's gonna to start performing really well. And, like, if you're a little kid, and, like, one of you, you, your main console is maybe, like, the Nintendo Switch, and then, like, your side console is the Series S, you know, as long as it's running at 60 frames, do you really care if it's running at 4K? I, I know, like, a lot of the kids I know, you know, like um, my mates' kids and stuff, they don't have 4K TVs in their bedrooms. They have, like, 1080p monitors and stuff. They don't need 4K. And, um, you know, most gaming PCs aren't 4K either. They're, like, 1440p at most, and we're prioritizing frame rate. So the Series S, 
frankly, deserves a lot more credit than it's getting. And I might actually write another thought about that next week. I've been really impressed with the way that console's performed. And um, I think it's only going to get better as well. As, you know, the, the dev tools get better and the information gets better and devs get more, learn how to use it more. And, you know, it's a really great console. But that's, again, the narrative rand. Yeah, well, the narrative that's hold back the gen and it's, if it's having problems now, imagine what it's going to be like. There's certain people out there that constantly get <laughs> say say things, and then it's like, oh, well, look at this. Um, yeah. I got to mention this because it's just I couldn't believe it when I saw it. But did you? Because like mainstream outlets started to report on it. Did you see the whole thing with the guy who uh, took uh, console passion to a new level by? Putting out a video of himself in the operating room. Oh, no. Did you see oh, that by chance? No. Yeah, I saw that. Like, oh, man, I could not. I could not believe that. I was like, I was like, no, dude, no, this is not. This is not the way. You know, I was just, I was, I was thinking of him. I was thinking like, man, this is gonna, this is gonna affect your job. What are you doing? You're completely crazy. Like, how? Why? Why would you do this? I can't believe he did that. And then, like, you saw Vice and Kotaku yeah, pick I'll, it up and run with it. We, I, we didn't, we didn't cover it because we, we don't, we don't usually cover those kind of the cultural, to, cultural stories on Windows Central. We don't really cover that very often, but I, I saw like all these mainstream media outlets picking it up and I was like, man, I, I you know, I, he must be feeling horrible right now. Like, I feel bad for the guy, like, genuinely. I couldn't, like, I, I couldn't him believe it, Jeff. He was an asshole, but. I, I couldn't believe it. I, I was like, this, this is this is the worst. Like, just it's like, well, these people don't think I'm a doctor. Well, I'm gonna show them. Like, and just I couldn't believe it. I was like, man, this guy, you better take this down before this blows up. I was just like, yeah. what is going on, uh, man? Some, this whole digital life now, I think. Yeah, and then people started yeah. review bomb, re- re- review bombing the hospital we worked at. I, oh, man. I, I just I it's couldn't crazy. believe it. It's like think before you, <laughs> you do social media. Like uh, the people that are yeah. involved in the quote unquote war, right? Uh, yeah. It's just, I've never seen anything like that, and I've kind of been around for a while. Whether it's like back in the forums on NeoGas and stuff, like and this this was the. I couldn't believe, like, you, you jeopardized your job for it. Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> believe it when I saw it. I, and I just had to, like, briefly mention it because it was just, that takes, that, that takes the cake. It is, like, seriously, like, one of the dumbest things I've ever seen on social media. Like, <laughs> I, I just, I couldn't believe it. No. It was just, it was just too funny. It was just too funny. And I, but, I don't know. I really don't even feel bad for him, Jess. That's the thing. I know you said you feel bad for him, but I don't. You should. He should know better. You should know better. That's like when you're in that situation, you shouldn't be taking videos and pictures of, you know, uh, someone yeah, in the emergency uh, and, and getting operating on and then showing their information. Like, was like, are you not even supposed to have like cell phones? Isn't that supposed to be like a clean room? You're not supposed to have stuff like that on you. Like, so like, no, I don't feel bad for him because. You would know about the ethics of the position and the job you're in, and that's like the most like non-ethical or whatever way you want to phrase it, some way you could do it. You know what I mean? Like it's just 
Uh, he claimed he claimed that he had permission, didn't he, or something? Yeah, like of the the patient. But could you so, imagine going there and like, hey, I'm, I'm you're getting some surgery done and you're about to get put under, and someone comes up to you be like, hey, by the way, I want to post something online uh, to win this argument. So like, can I can I have your you know permission to to film you while you're asleep and then show your information? <laughs> And then, then not only have say yes, but then have the the hospital prove it. It's like what? What world are we living yeah, in now? Um, Could you imagine? I would be like, you know what? I don't, I, I don't feel comfortable having this surgery anymore. Right? Ugh. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty crazy. But that's what the console war does to people. It rots people's brains, apparently. Yeah, Ugh, man. Um, I can't imagine caring that much about where someone else plays their games. I really just, life is just too damn short. Like, can you imagine if, like, you know, you you went, you go to someone's house and they're using a brand of washing machine you don't like? Mm. What, 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 why do we do that about video game consoles? Like, I, I don't care what brand of washing machine someone likes. I don't care about what brand oven they use. You know, what brand, what washing machine do you have? Or do you call them laundry machines or something in America? Laundry machines. What do you call them? I mean, washer and dryer. Yeah. Yeah, washer and dryer. What do you call it? What what brand of washing machine? I don't even know, dude. I don't even know. You don't even know? I don't. You're not not very dedicated washing machine fanboy. Not off the top of my head. Why why do we put so much value on the console brand people play then? It's so dumb. So dumb, man. It is. I don't know a brand washing machine I've got either. I'm 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 inclined to go and check now because I, I want to know. I'm going to become a washing machine fanboy now, and we're going to start washing machine wars. So I want everyone in chat go and find out what brand of washing machine you have. We're going to start a war about who has the best brand of washing machine because that's about as smart as the console war is in my view. Oh man, and they're grown adults, man. They're grown men. They're not little kids in the playground. They're grown ass men. What the hell? Oh, yeah, it'd be. Uh, I don't think we'll see anything top that. Maytag. Yeah, no. I, I'm a Maytag fanboy. If you don't got Maytag, if I come to your house <laughs> and there's no Maytag there, I'm I'm I'm, I'm destroying the house, right? Uh, <laughs> oh man, I haven't even heard of that brand. That's like that's like the Ouya of washing machines, bro. Mm. Mate, it's all about Samsung, baby. <laughs> Samsung make washing machines. I just discovered. I started Googling washing machine brands. What is wrong with me? Oh, man. I didn't even know Samsung made washing machines. They actually make washing machines? Yeah, Samsung made washing machines. And they've got they've got connected washing machines, too. What? Like, you can connect... Yeah, you can connect your smartphone to a washing machine. And it'll tell you when... When you... <laughs> when you're washing... Done. Oh, your your laundry when your laundry's done. What about, instead of washing machine, what about fridges, bro? You don't got a Kenmore, you're out of here, bro. I know Samsung. Samsung does wash uh, fridges too. They do a smart fridge. You can you can play. You can actually play. I'm not kidding. You can play XCloud on a Samsung smart fridge, bro. So you can be like you can be in the kitchen and you can fire up Xbox Game Pass and connect to your your, your Game Pad and boom. XCloud on your fridge. You know, Can't be that. Fridge wars, baby. Is there, <laughs> it, you know, the thing about this, like, 
Netflix, Disney Plus, HBO Max, are there fanboys for those platforms? Like, do we not see, like, the underside of, like, a, a Netflix versus Disney Plus versus Hulu <laughs> versus, um, you know, H- Amazon Prime fanboy war and social media that we're just not a part of? Does that actually exist, too? Or does it not exist because yeah, you can get uh-huh. Netflix and all these other ones on every everywhere? Like, does, is that yeah. something that happens? Because I did, I, I think I did idea. see that like there is like a shoe war or a shoe fanboy thing on 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 social media. Shoe fanboy. Yeah. Well, we know there's a phone, a right? Apple, we know there's a phone one with Apple and Android, right? Yeah. It's- a little bit. But I remember, like, people from MPD talking about, like, oh, you guys think the console war is ridiculous, but the shoe uh, fanboy war is even, a, is, like, way worse. And I'm like, shoe fanboys? Like, Man, I'm, I'm intrigued by this. Like, what, what, like, I, I'm struggling to even name a brand of shoe off the top of my head. Like, Nike, Adidas, Nike, you know. Uh, Man, the Americans pronounce all the names of shoe companies wrong, too. Correctly, you mean. Nike and Adidas. Adidas? Adidas? Adidas, man. It's Nike and Adidas. Adidas. Get out of here. Adidas and Nike, bro. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's the way you... Nike. 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 Yeah. You don't say bike, bikey, do you? <laughs> bike, bike, B-I-K-E. That's... Pronounced bike. Ergo, Nike is pronounced Nike. No, is that not logical? Oh man, I still prefer the washing machine wars personally, though. Mm. <laughs> oh man, crazy! What a woman. Crazy. Anyways, um, moving away from that, but uh, Xbox put out an update for the dashboard, so um, we got a controller update, Jazz, that lets you remap the quick resume button, or not, lets you remap uh, the share button, which, can, alright, I guess we're going to talk about this, but they've taken away the ability to share to Twitter, haven't they, Jazz? I think you tweeted about it, right? Yeah. Um, is that yeah, odd? I did. They've, have they? Have you gotten any more information from anybody at Xbox about that? Like, is that a glitch? Is that a bug? Is that something intentional? Is that just being removed from console? Like, it is really strange. Um, I spoke to a few people at Xbox about this, and usually, usually they're pretty forthcoming. Like, if there's an if there's a bug or there's something something up or you know they're, they're testing it they'll they'll be like oh yeah that's a bug we'll fix it blah 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 but the fact they nobody will talk to me about this suggests to me that it is indeed an intended change and it's something that probably will go ahead now i have no idea if they're gonna they've got a plan to replace it with something else or they're thinking like um because twitter charges money for api use and I'm guessing, like, the more people that use use the API to share from Xbox to Twitter, maybe that costs Microsoft money. And they're just like, this ain't, this ain't worth it for what we're getting out of it. So maybe they're just like, because maybe they're just going to replace it with the system of you share it to your phone and then you share it from your phone to Twitter because obviously that, that doesn't cost any money. Because as of right now, on the version of the Xbox dashboard that I'm using, all you can do is upload it to OneDrive, your activity feed, 
or send it send a link to your mobile phone which you can then share from Twitter. But it's really irritating, Rand, because both PlayStation and Nintendo Switch have that built in. Uh, obviously, Nintendo Switch, it's the only way, off the top of my head, to easily share content from a Nintendo Switch to the internet without having to use SD card or something. So, it's weird that Xbox is going to be the platform that doesn't have that feature. And, um, you know, kind of sucks, because I use that feature, personally. But... I don't know, if you're not on Twitter, then it's probably no big deal to you or whatever, but... Yeah, I, I know you use the feature, but... Um, so I took a clip of Elden Ring when I posted that box. I, so I took the clip, and I just... It popped up on my phone, and then I just shared it from my phone. Which was a lot easier, yeah. because I didn't have to type in the... You know, on the keyboard on the Xbox, and have to wait for the Xbox to upload the video. Um, so, I mean, do you think the sharing the phone is better? Because... Or I don't know. I mean, I mean, it works fine for me off my Xbox. I mean, sometimes if I Twitter is weird. Like sometimes I share share to Twitter from my phone, the quality will sometimes be higher on Twitter than if I shared it from my Xbox. It's honestly hard to tell. But I suppose when this build goes live to the public, they might try and explain it, but. Maybe they're just kind of hoping nobody notices or no one cares. Well, nobody, but like people are, just, but when it goes live to everybody, people will notice because people love sharing their content. And if that's just taking away, especially after Jason Ronald said one of their priorities is, you know, uh, improving the Xbox DVR, but what could is improving the Xbox DVR if you can't share your awesome epic clips and screenshots from your Xbox console anymore? Are they going to, yeah. Try to have a campaign of educating people that you can do it through your phone. Like, I don't know. They sort of set themselves up between a rock and a hard place here because um, I don't mind sharing it through my phone. In fact, that's how I, like, prefer to do it. But many, many people use it through the console. So if, like, you're saying you're going to fix the DVR, but then you're also going to remove the feature of sharing it directly from the console while your competing pla- completing platforms let you do it, people are going to be like, well, what's the what's what's the end game here, right? Oh, what's what am I getting out of this? Like, why why are you doing this? Is is there something better coming down the line or something? I don't know. I just wanted to be transparent about it. You know, if if you're removing a feature, then at least tell people why you're doing it. Yeah, I remember- sort of you know waiting for the community to find out, and then people like me to complain about it on Twitter is kind of like. I don't know. Like seriously, it's like weird, but... if, if you're improving the game DVR, but you like nobody's gonna know because nobody's gonna be able to share their content. So what's the point of improving <laughs> the game DVR, right? Yeah, it is strange. Like Microsoft um, in the Windows update for Windows 11, they integrated ClipChamp into Windows, and ClipChamp is a service they bought. They bought a few months ago. And ClipChamp's like a web-based video editor, which currently doesn't work on Xbox. Um, you can try to use it, but the the RAM allocation for the Xbox dashboard is not enough for using ClipChamp. Like if you try and if you put like more than one clipping to ClipChamp, it just crashes the browser because the, the Xbox browser does not have enough RAM access to to use it. So part of me was wondering, like, have they bought ClipChamp to you know fix? They're terrible, you know, 
video editing features on Windows because, you know, both Windows and Xbox have terrible video editing features out of the box. Meanwhile, Apple has iMovie and Final Cut Pro, which is often cited as a reason to me why people prefer using Mac because Windows doesn't have anything like that out of the box. You can get programs like DaVinci Resolve and stuff, which are pretty good. And you can get programs like professional tools like Adobe Premiere, which are good but also very expensive. But this ClickChamp program, Rand, it costs $9 a month. If you want to export 1080p video, it costs $9 a month. They mm. consider 1080p to be a business-grade feature, which is just a joke. It's, an, it's a bad joke, you know. So I don't know what their game is. I don't know what they're playing at. I don't know what they're doing with the, the game DVR and the sharing features. I was, I was hoping for a world where we could, like, edit, edit a cool video, share it to Instagram, TikTok, wherever, you know, with, with meme stuff in it. Because that's the, the world, the world is powered by memes now. And if I want to create a meme, I've got to, like, export the video to InShot on Android, which is a really great video editing tool, by the way, InShot for Android. And I think it's on iOS as well. And you can, like, you can make a meme video with, with keyframe animations and all kinds of stuff really quickly just by tapping around. It's really, really cool. Why can't Xbox or even Windows have anything like that? It feels like Microsoft's really complacent on some of this stuff. And I don't know. We're still waiting for information. It's, it, we're in, like, this holding pattern with Xbox right now. Although they did announce, Rand, that we will be able to get Xbox updates while Energy Saver is turned on, mm-hmm. at least. Yes, there's that. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, <clears throat> you can um, pin more games to quick resume, like two games or whatever, so it'll be there always. Uh, yeah. and the controller update where you can kind of remap the share button. Um, I think, was that it? Was that it for the update? Uh, they got so. mouse and keyboard support for xCloud, uh, xCloud gaming, which was, uh, yeah. So. They kind of sneaked that out in an interview about Flight Simulator. They were like, yeah, we're gonna bring mouse and keyboard support to xCloud. Um, but it's not there yet. But, I don't know. We're just, we're just waiting. We're just waiting. That's the, what we do. We it's do funny, it. the, the, uh, the updates to the dashboard have definitely been, like, less impactful or less like big as the as, as time keeps on going on because it used to be when they kind mm. of switched this that like you get big big stuff and then like each update progressively was just like eh, not really it is like you know not much in in the, in the updates or whatever so yeah um what else we got here to talk about oh yeah i, I figured this is funny so i wanted to get uh get your take on it uh playstation is doomed and won't exist as we know it in a decade, says Michael Pachter. Mm. So our friends over at <laughs> RDX, uh podcast run by Dealer Gaming, uh, they had Michael Pachter on, and he caused a stir. Uh, what? Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was on RDX. Yeah, he was on RDX. So, oh, wow. Yeah, he basically said, quote, I think PlayStation is doomed. And I think they're going to cease to exist as we know them in about 10 years. They can't compete, and they have no chance of competing. Uh, he went on to say that Game Pass is Microsoft's meal ticket, and the extensive variety of content makes it more lucrative than what PlayStation is offering. Um, yeah, so this obviously <laughs> made the rounds, and people were talking about it because in bringing up Patcher's predictions, you know, like, 
he's been right about some stuff, but then wrong about stuff. But he's also famously, when people talk about Pactor, it's like, oh, well, Pactor said this. Well, that means the opposite's going to happen, right? So uh, I, I still recall when he said that the Switch was going to be an abject failure. And it's like, well, that was wrong. Or that the... Uh, the and, and what was it the uh, the the Amigo or what was that what was that console the Intellivision Amigo which was supposed to Amiga Amiga that was supposed to launch in 2020 he said that that was like the you know going to be like the best hardware or something and the thing that hasn't even come out yet and probably never come out but like he has a <laughs> bunch of predictions that are just off the wall that obviously never come true so like. Um, what do you think? Ten years from now, PlayStation Doom Jazz, they'll no longer exist because they just can't compete with Microsoft's pockets and Game Pass is just going to, you know, basically, I, I think maybe more like, so, like maybe PlayStation gets bought by Apple or, or somebody like, I don't know, can you imagine a scenario like this? You think, you think Michael's going to be right? Is PlayStation doomed? Is it just, we're just waiting for it to keel over? I think like, there are some scenarios where it could happen, but I don't think it's for the reasons Michael Pactor says. I think, like, man, it's kind of bleak, frankly. But the way the world's going right now, there's a huge supply cra- supply chain crisis with regards to things for, for making semiconductors and things like that, you know. So as it becomes harder for companies to get their hardware out there, increasingly they're going to be relying on, they're going to be relying on PC to make money, frankly. Go, you know, going to places where gamers are. And we've seen that PlayStation, like, they're struggling to keep up with the hardware pace, even with the Series S, you know, um, the supposedly weakest console ever. They can't even keep pace with the Series S in, 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 in the US, which is, and it's only going to get worse. You know, when... Um, when we hit a neon shortage, which we're gonna we're gonna hit in the next few weeks, um, it's gonna really hurt the access to chips and hardware. At which point, companies like Sony and PlayStation, Sony PlayStation, and Xbox, they're gonna be increasingly leaning on PC. So, is there a future where they just like eat both of them? Even you know, they just think you know what? Let's just throw in the towel on making our own consoles and just go all in on Steam. You know, because that's where people, gamers are right now and stuff like that. Could that happen? You know, could there, could there be a world where they just be like, let's, um, you know, extend the PlayStation 4 life cycle out an extra, you know, four or five years or something? That's probably more likely. But, and then like, you've got Microsoft, which has like mountains of servers and, um, everything being cloud-based. Is there a world where they they just go all in on cloud, you know, because it's becoming increasingly hard to to source the materials to make these consoles? Or do they find alternative ways to get the raw materials to make these consoles? Because right now there's only a few countries in the world that make semiconductors and and manufacture neon for building semiconductors and and all that kind of stuff. Um, There's a huge supply chain crisis right now. And... Microsoft is in a better place to weather that storm, potentially, than PlayStation is, which is they, they rely almost entirely on their their internal platform. They don't have a huge presence on PC yet. I mean, it's growing. And, like, you know, the people, the naysayers out there say Sony won't put their games day and day on Xbox, uh, PlayStation, uh, PC, sorry. Um, they're just frankly wrong, because 
look look at how hard Horizon fell out of the the news cycle because it wasn't on PC. If Horizon if Horizon Zero Dawn had launched on PC alongside not Zero Dawn Horizon Forbidden West if that had launched on PC alongside PlayStation Five. It wouldn't have dropped out of the, the news cycle anywhere near as hard as it did because of Elden Ring, which was on everything, you know. It's getting, in a world where Sony can't get the, the hardware into people's hands fast enough, in a world where it's going to get even harder to get the hardware into people's hands fast enough, it increasingly makes sense for them to focus on being a publisher on PC. And I think there is a world where in the next maybe three to four years, or even less maybe, Sony starts seeing the bulk of its software sales shift over to PC. I, I would not be surprised if that happened because of um, because of the shortages. So I don't know what reasoning Michael Packer gave for saying PlayStation is doomed. I think they can compete with Microsoft on content and services and, and hardware and all that sort of stuff. It's just that world events and supply chain issues are sort of making it really hard to be a console manufacturer right now, making it super hard. And um, Sony's kind of stuck in the, you know, in the in between a rock and a hard place. And I think things like their VR platform, which is cool, they're ultimately indulgent. They're wasting a ton of silicon on these things that could be going into PlayStation Five. Like that, we're not we're not in a world where we can have these like we can waste the waste all all these raw materials on VR, which is a niche 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 proposition right now. And we increasingly we're seeing devs move away from VR for realizing what it is, you know, particularly so given that it's controlled by Meta, which, you know, people of a certain age don't even want to associate themselves with. So, I don't know. I think there is going to be huge challenges for PlayStation if I was speaking about it analytically from a processor access perspective. But I don't think the reasons Pacta gave hold water on with regards to competing with Microsoft. Yeah, Microsoft has, like, very broad goals for um, genres that it wants to use and make and stuff like that. And Sony goes specifically on games that it thinks will sell its platform. But that's going to be increasingly hard because they can't make a platform with no silicon. So I think Sony will probably shift harder towards service games and PC games and moving things to PC and also subscription services because... I think Microsoft just knew this was happening earlier than Sony did. I think Microsoft knew from their connections with the PC industry that things were going to get really turbulent for silicon access. And um, Microsoft had a plan in place and Sony didn't. But can Sony pivot? Yeah, they can. And I don't think Sony's going to be doomed per some of the headlines out there. But it's going to be, the industry is going to be very different in three to four years, I think, if indeed there even is an industry, given you know, what's going on in the world. You know, sometimes I like to think that Michael makes these sort of off-the-wall predictions because just, like, publicity for him, you know, because people will then say, like, well, I, I should be able to be paid like that if I, I, cause I can make, say those things, you know, because uh, he, mm. he works at a, a – what was he? What is he's a he's an analyst for like Webrush, who does like is that like a hedge fund or I, I don't Web, know exactly. Bush. Yeah, God. but I'm sure he's probably good at what, you know what his real job entails. But yeah, hearing that like I don't know, ten years is a long time. You know, like I kind of look back at what Xbox in 2012 was, like 360, 
And then when Xbox is now in 2022 and it's like, yeah, there's some significant differences. I mean, you even look at like PS3 in 2012 versus what PS5 is. And who knows what the next 10 years are going to bring. You know, nobody ever thought cross-play would happen, and now that's sort of like kind of the standard. You got like Sony, you got like Microsoft buying publishers. You know, maybe Sony's going to buy publishers. Uh, you know, will the move to PC does like if Sony puts everything on PC, is the console even needed for them? You know, like does somebody come in and buy them? Uh, does Game Pass really change? Does Game Pass really become this thing that just changes the video game industry and Sony can't pivot enough so then they get, like, knocked out because they can't compete with Microsoft's wallet? I mean, who knows what happens in the next 10 years? So it just – I would tend to disagree with Michael on this one. Uh, but, you know, I yeah. mean, I, I just don't – I don't think PlayStation looks the same now. And when we get to 2032, I think PlayStation looks – it's obviously going to look a lot different than what it looks like right now. That's just kind of the way things evolve and change over time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, like the whole like doomed, like oh you know, I just kind of like, eh, uh, maybe maybe not. Uh, I I would I would lean towards probably not. Uh, but you never know. Uh, but it's it's funny because you always the the discussion that always follows from it. People wanting to defend PlayStation's honor, because I saw a lot of that. Uh, you know, like, we need to get on here and defend PlayStation from Michael Pactor. It's just like, you know, he's, Michael Pactor also said the 360 and PS3 gen were going to be the last console gen, right? And then there's been literally two after it. So, like, he he's made a lot of predictions that have just been completely wrong and this could just be another one so it's like yeah like Emmett says if we even get to 2032 right like you know so um, I think Microsoft's taken steps to insulate its business from market turbulence in a way that Sony hasn't yet I think that's maybe where he's coming from to a degree like Microsoft's like They've gone very hard on, you know, established, you know, the, the reason they want Activision Blizzard is not, it's not Xbox, frankly. It's not the console. It's not the console war. It's because of PC. It's because of the footprint they've got on PC. It's because of the footprint they've got on mobile. It's to diversify their portfolio to, to, to meet Tencent, you know, because Tencent is basically everywhere except console and it's the biggest in the world. Uh, how many, how many games from Tencent are on console? Like there's not, they, they don't have the same kind of footprint on console that they have on PC. Like, there's no League of Legends on console. There's no Valorant on console um, and stuff like that. So I think Microsoft has been smart to diversify their gaming platform for the future in a way that Sony hasn't. Sony's put all of its eggs in the PlayStation hardware platform, and uh, they've put a lot of emphasis on these headline-grabbing Hollywood games, which... They don't have a long tail, and they don't they don't make a lot of money. You know, they don't make like God of War has no microtransactions, which is great, and I'm, I'm all for that, and it's important. But they don't have any games that have microtransactions to offset that. So where Microsoft has like Microsoft will make games that don't have microtrans- microtransactions. They also have games that do have battle passes and do have you know cosmetic stores to sort of offset that, so they can have a diverse lineup of 
business offerings across PC, Windows, mobile, and you know, console. And um, I think I think where Pax is coming from ultimately, if he isn't, if he isn't just trying to rob people up to grab some headlines, I think where he's coming from is like from a diversity perspective. The Sony the Sony operation is not the most diverse right now, but it's not diverse in the right way. Whereas Xbox is gunning for PC, they're gunning for cloud, and they're gunning for you know a diverse range of games that all sell have upsells. They all have microtransactions, and they all have a long tail. They you know the there's going to be DLC for Flight Simulator for years and years to come. You know, there's going to be DLC for Sea of Thieves for years and years to come and Fallout 76 for years and years to come. You know, and there'll be people who, you know, get really into those games and they'll obsess over them and they'll they'll spend the money on Fallout 76 repair packs or whatever they're called. And, you know, they'll spend the money on solitaire coins and stuff like that. Um I think Sony will have a more diverse portfolio in the next few years, and they have signaled to investors that they do intend to make more service-driven games, which should diversify their portfolio and help them see off some headwinds from the, the chip shortage, which is ultimately the biggest issue for Sony right now. They can't make PS5 fast enough. But are they doomed? No, they're not doomed. And uh, Sony will pull through and adapt, and they'll be fine, I think. Hmm. Well... You heard it here. Jez says uh, they'll be they'll be completely fine. So, um, you know what? I think we've actually run through all the things I had written down. So, if anybody has any questions, uh, make sure you put them in chat. We'll get to them. I know the super chat's not working, and we usually will have a lot of discussion based off of those. Uh, so, if you guys have anything you want to talk about, put them in the the, uh, the chat, and we will get to them. Um, I don't know if this is going to be the end of the show, but I guess it really depends on how many questions that we have. But if you know, I just want to say thank you guys for being here. Uh, hit the like button if you enjoyed the show. Subscribe if you're new. And um, yeah, let's see what the see what the peeps in the chat have uh, for us, Jazz. Um, peeps. What, what's uh, what's what's your upcoming week looking like? My upcoming week, uh, I don't know. I ain't looked out that far ahead, to be honest. I think well, we're winding down on Elden Ring stuff right now. Brendan Lowry on uh, Twitter, Brendan Law Lowry, I want to give him a shout out because his his work on Elden Ring has been phenomenal. Samuel Tolbert as well, and uh, Miles, which Miles was asked to do our Steam Deck review and our Elden Ring review in, in one week, so he, mm. Miles Dompier did a really great job. Um. But yeah, I don't know what's next. I'm hoping that you know Microsoft gives us something to talk about because um, yeah, I think the Elden Ring stuff's winding down right now. But I don't know what my week looks like. I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and kill Radan because I'm a bit should. behind in my Elden Ring playthrough. You are you're behind I'm, me. I'm, I'm I'm way ahead of you. Yeah, you I'm had the game way before me. What's going on? Yeah, I I played like I played my sorcerer to level seventy or something. And then it was like, oh, well, we need some guides on melee now. So I was like, okay, well, I'll start a new save. So I started a second save and got my my melee guide to level 60. And then I came back to my sorcerer and I was like, oh, man, how do I play this now? Out of practice. So then I had to relearn that. And then, um, I don't know, then I was just busy this week and I just didn't feel like playing so much. So ironically, I do have like about 150 hours in the uh, game-ish. And um, but it's a, it's across two playthroughs, and both of the save files were basically just research rather than playing for fun. <laughs> I don't know. 
I also find a third save as a samurai to get some information for that. Um, Samurai's hard to play, man. Like, if, if, like you want to play that sort of bandit play style where you rely on dodging and stuff. I find that pretty hard, but I don't know. Do you use heavy armor on your character? Yep, like heavy armor. Yep. Fat rolls. No, I'm not fat. Rolls? No, I'm not fat rolling. I'm medium, medium load. Yeah, my uh, my my endurance. I have a uh, fifty and fifty endurance. Damn. So I have like forty five. So I have fifty vigor, fifty endurance, and like eighty five strength. I have sixteen endurance on my sorcerer, which is worrying me a little bit, mm. frankly. I can only cast a couple of spells before I run out of stamina, which is weird. That spells cost stamina, but. I don't know. So, Justin says, what are your thoughts on the rumor that Turn 10 might be collaborating with From Software in a new game? Turn 10? Yeah, yeah, I did see this. I don't know if this is connected to Miles Dampier's rumor about the idea of, like, From Software working on a sci-fi exclusive with Xbox, but I remember seeing this, that Turn 10... Might be working with from software on a game um, for Xbox. What? For Xbox, like it would be an Xbox exclusive. But like I don't know. I mean, I if I that'd be interesting. Could it be like one of their classic IPs, like Chromans or something? I don't know. I like just mech based. I just I don't, I don't really believe that rumor, and I don't even think Miles believed that rumor about from software working on an Xbox game. So. Yeah, I wouldn't believe that. I don't really believe that rumor. It'd be interesting, uh, but I, I personally don't believe it. Mr. J says, Randy, I think I work on Skybound. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> Randy, you think we'll see some Indiana Jones updates by the end of the year? Um, yeah, maybe we see Indiana Jones at uh, E3. Right? They they revealed yeah, it I last mean... year. Um, maybe we could get like a, a trailer at E3. That'd be that'd be cool, right? I was told that a lot of the marketing for this year would be Bethesda heavy, so that, that makes sense in with that rumor. Considering they have two games, well, they got Deathloop coming to Xbox finally. You know, they got Ghostwire Tokyo that's coming out soon on PlayStation. You got Starfield. I would imagine most of the marketing is going to go towards that. You got Redfall. So yeah, and you know, Machine Games has been working on Indiana Jones, so. Maybe it's time to reveal that. What's it software working on? I mean, there's a lot of projects. You know, what's um, uh, Zenimax Online working on? Yeah. There's a lot of games uh, that the, that they could potentially reveal that we might get to see. Um, let's see. Uh, John says, I know it sounds stupid, but do you think there's going to be another AAA game, AAA game on Game Pass this month? I mean, there's always the possibility. Nobody expected Guardians of the Galaxy to hit Game Pass um, this early. I mean, it was like four months later. So there's always the possibility that Microsoft, you know, has a deal with, you know, a big game. Not necessarily a day one game, but a, a game that's maybe like six months old or something and puts it in Game Pass. Um, are you a fan of them doing like the, the, the two monthly updates about Game Pass, Jazz, where they... Give, like, the update about the games that come out in the next two weeks, and then two weeks later they give the next update about the rest of the month. Do you like that um, cadence that they do for that? 
I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, JC says, what are the chances of Final Fantasy IX Remake being true? Well, it was in that NVIDIA leak, and a lot of stuff from the NVIDIA leak has come true, so... Yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about this, because the Final Fantasy VII Remake, it was cool right up until the end, and I realized that it wasn't actually a remake at all. Like, not to spoil it, you know, not to spoil it or anything. But... I wanted I wanted a remake, not a spin-off, personally. So I almost feel like don't don't touch Final Fantasy Nine, <laughs> but because um, I really really like Final Fantasy Nine, and they kind of screwed with my dreams with Final Fantasy Seven. But if it was like a remaster in the vein of the Final Fantasy Three DS remake, I don't know if you ever played that. You probably didn't. Nintendo <laughs> DS. Yeah, no. But they. Yeah, they re- they remade Final Fantasy III with like chibi style sort of simple graphics and had the turn based combat and it was th- it was a Final Fantasy game, you know. I don't want a pseudo action game spin off if they do that with Final Fantasy Nine. I would rather have just remake it exactly as it is. Even if like even if you use static backgrounds and just like redraw them or something. I don't want Final Fantasy Nine as an action game. God no. It makes me feel sick. Don't do it. That's my, that's my take on that. I mean, that wor- means they were working on Forspoken, Final Fantasy 16, Final Fantasy Remake Part 2, a Final Fantasy 9 Remake. That's a lot of, that's a lot of work. So, I would love to see it, personally. And, you know, a lot of games have come out, come true on that leak. So, maybe, maybe it is true. Uh, Jeff Penn says, hey, Jezran, any news on old Activision Marvel games going to Game Pass when the deal is finalized? Or probably not. Um, I mean, we don't have any news on that, but I think that would what be tied up, tie up in licensing. Would they do that? The Activision Marvel games. Yeah, like Marvel Ultimate Alliance 1 and 2 that were delisted from the store. Ah, right. Uh, they were delisted I think, um, re- recently, so. I think that would be on Disney, ultimately. Um, it could happen. Uh, it could definitely happen. I know. I know for a fact that when Microsoft finally, if they manage to finalize this deal, they will be definitely like examining the back catalog and seeing what value they can get out of it for Game Pass. So those sort of classic games that are sort of vanished right now, even stuff like Guitar Hero, I imagine like some of those games will come back um, if they can like sort out the licensing aspect, because. Like, you know, especially Guitar Hero, there's going to be a complicated licensing proposition with some of those games, but um, I don't know. We could see. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, I think it's license-related. They, I think they delisted it for a reason. So, mm. I mean, I guess it's po- I mean, I guess it's possible they could do a back and pass for those games and just not sell them again, kind of like how, like, 50 Cent is. I think, because 50 Cent is back and pat, but you can't buy 50 Cent digitally, right? Um, oh, right, so it's just for the disc? I think that's so. That's so weird. <laughs> I, think, I, I think that's how it works. Um, Did you play that game? Uh, what, which game? Um, the 50 Cent game. <laughs> yes, I actually did. Yes, it was actually a decent game, surprisingly. Yeah. Uh, Simon says, who made your new intro song? 
Um, Sean Labrie put that all together. I don't know who did the song, uh, but Sean uh, put that uh, all together. Uh, let's see. Uh, Rambling Gamer Guy says, why do people still say games like Horizon Forbidden West are unique to PlayStation? Because of their quality when Nintendo and Xbox have had quality games for a year and Xbox, especially last year. Um, because this is a talking point to say that my console is better than your console, right? I mean, that's realistically what it is. Uh, that only, I don't know, man. That I, only Sony I can do like, those specific games, you know? I mean, I don't know. I think, like, when I look at Sea of Thieves and Halo Infinite's open world, even comparing, like, Halo Infinite to Days Gone, it felt like there was way more polish and stuff in Days Gone's open world than Halo Infinite. Now, is Days Gone's open world more fun? I guess that's up to, up for debate. But, I don't know. Let me get the I, answer to that question. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I think I actually prefer Days Gone to Halo Infinite. You, you, but you prefer, you, you even would prefer a venereal disease to Halo Infinite, so I mean, like, whatever. <laughs> I'm know? sorry, but Halo Infinite had one of the worst stories I've ever seen in a AAA game. I mean, I'm sure there's been worse stories in a AAA game, Jazz. I don't know, it was pretty bad. It was pretty and bad. And yet, you know, you, you, you always tell me that, but yet, you completed it in like one sitting because you were so enraptured with the game and you wanted to p- find out what was going on. So like the idea that like yeah. it was one of the worst if it was one of the worst stories ever, you would have you wouldn't have played it like you did. It's kind of like it kind of reminds me of World of Warcraft writing lately. It kind of leads you on into thinking that there's something big and there's some sort of grand foreshadowing. And then when it gets to the thing that's foreshadowing, it just sort of like, oh, is that it? That's kind of how I felt about World of Warcraft Shadowlands, and it's kind of how I felt about Halo Infinite. But I just think the idea of, like, you saying it's one of the worst ever, but then you telling me you played it for, like, ten hours straight, kind of... It left a sour taste. Okay, sure. I can... I I, I believe you on that. That's like work, man. You're not playing stuff ten hours straight. It's Halo... So you must have been, because if you're not engaged, you're not going to be playing something for just, 10 hours no. straight. No, 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 no. You, we I'm also, engaged. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. One second here. We also had Halo Infinite. <laughs> we also had Halo Infinite a month before the review embargo. So don't give me this stuff like I was playing it for work. You had a month to play that game. And you, as soon as you got it, you literally beat it. Don't give me this whole, oh, well, it was one of the worst <laughs> stories when you could not stop playing nah, the nah. game. Dude, dude, it, it, the story was bad. I'm sorry. The yeah. game was fun. You know, it was fun. It was fun throwing crates around, blowing things up, you know, finding unique weapons in the world. But, oh, boy, the story, some of the twists and turns. Although, I will say that some of the characters are really good. I can't remember his name now, but the, the main villain I really liked. It was, he had like, um, what was his name? Not, the not Atrioc guy? I can't remember his name. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, the the, the, um, what was his name? I forgot his name, but I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I thought he was great. And I thought his motivation was really interesting. And like, he wasn't a typical villain, like, I'm evil for the sake of evil. Like, he, you know, he seemed to, he seemed to, 
have a genuine camaraderie with his troops and just send them to their deaths like cannon fodder. So the, some of the characterization was really good, but some of the plot direction was just horrible, like really bad. And um, sure, I'm not yeah. I'm not a fan of how things presented themselves towards the end either. But also, if 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 something's bad and you're not liking it, you're not going to keep on playing it for ten hours. Like if I'm reading a book and the book is bad. I'm not going to also say, well, I read the book for 10 hours straight, but it was horrible. It's like, it's horrible. Like, you'd stop playing it. Like, if the game's, I don't know. Like, well, who, so, someone, I can't remember where I read this. I think, was it Jeff Grubb tweeting it or something? I can't remember where I, where I saw this, but someone tweeted something that he'd rather, he'd rather play a bad game than a boring game. Sure. Well, you know, yes, and, a boring game is. Yeah. It was something like that. So like yeah, like Far Far Cry Six, that story was so boring that I didn't want to review games anymore. It actually made me consider just never reviewing a game again, because forcing myself through that story was just horrible. So yeah, like it, maybe calling it bad is the wrong thing to say, because I did care about the characters and I did I did I was engaged through the whole game, which is more than I can say for any Ubisoft yeah. game of the last. And you years. beat it in like so, one sitting, so it says you were really engaged. Yeah, I was engaged, but I was really annoyed with some of the the writing decisions. Sure, and I was so, annoyed with some of the writing decisions as well. Hundred percent, I, I I agree with you there. Yes, Final Fantasy Seven, like <laughs> Final Fantasy Seven remake. I was really engaged. I played that nonstop as well, and then at the end, I was like. Please, you you guys did not just do that to my Final Fantasy Are you really going to be engaged with the bad game? Like, you may disagree with yeah, the storytellings yeah. that, that ended up being, yeah. but, like, if it's a bad game, you're not going to be that engaged. Like, you're not going to be playing a bad game from start to completion for ten hours. Like, you, you'll, yeah. you'll do that over time. In a boring game, you just won't come back to. So Yeah, boring, boring games. I can't, I can't let, you know, Halo's got problems, you know, 343's out there. Taking the brunt of it with like the live service stuff, which seems to be letting the game down completely and whatever. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let this slide, Jez. I'm not gonna let this slide because <laughs> because we had the game a month early and I was like, well, I'm gonna yeah, wait. I'm yeah, gonna wait yeah. to play it. And you were like, I'm playing it right now. And then ten hours later, like I couldn't stop playing it. It's so good. Oh my god. And then you're like, oh man, I didn't like how some of the stuff ended. So like the idea, yeah, I'm not gonna let you get away with it. <laughs> Yeah, the gameplay was good. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying the gameplay was bad. It wasn't. Like I really loved throwing crates around. I liked the boss battles. I mean, they weren't as uh, you know, the stakes weren't as high as like Elden Ring or something. But they didn't need to be because it's Halo, I guess. But man, that, that the, the last act of the story really left a sour taste. I don't know. Mm. Um, Darren says, "Am I missing something? There's nothing releasing this summer from anyone." Hmm. Yeah, right now there's not a lot of games coming out in the summer. So, I mean, but then again, usually a lot, a lot of stuff comes out in summer, anyways, right? So, that's true. I mean, you know what would suck if you were like an indie game and you decided to release in February against like Elden Ring and Horizon? You probably didn't get a lot of coverage. At least Sifu had come out like before those games. You mean Ma- like Martha is dead? Yeah, like Mar- Martha is dead. That, that game came dead. out, right? Yeah, nobody talked about it. People were like, "Oh, we got censored," but then it came, but then nobody cared. Oh yeah, so we went up against Elden Ring. 
<laughs> Jeffrey uh, says Grand Theft Auto Five is twenty dollars on Xbox, but ten dollars on PlayStation Five. What is up with that? What do you think, Jez? Because I actually did have so the price difference on GTA Five for next gen twenty dollars on the Series X and ten dollars on the PS Five. Why is there the price difference? That is weird. Well, first of all, 2K sets the price, so it's them who's doing it. Well, there is... Second of all... So, I'll give you some context. So, they made that deal with... Um, Sony made that deal with them where PlayStation Plus users, for the first three months, get to claim Grand Theft Auto Online for free, I believe. And Grand Theft Auto Online is $10. So, I think because it's free on PlayStation... That's where why there's a ten dollar difference. Like it's twenty dollars on Xbox because it's the story and the online, but on PlayStation it's ten bucks because it's just the story because the online's free. That's at least the way I kind of view it. Uh, yeah, that, that's probably it. But like, I suppose it kind of sucks if they're not communicating that because a lot of people are going to be like, "Yeah, what the hell." And also, a lot of people are going to be like, I don't care about the online, because there does seem to be a genuine split between people who are interested in the online and people who ain't. I know I'm not interested in GTA Online. So, um, yeah, it'd be nice if there was the ability to, I don't know, opt out of having online, maybe, on Xbox. They certainly have that capability, but um, it's on 2K, basically. They're the ones who decided this. So they're the ones you should be mad about. I wonder because I saw that price. That, this was an uh, this was a game I originally thought was going to be sixty bucks. Uh, the fact that it's twenty is like, man, okay, you know, it's like I haven't played Grand Theft Auto Five campaign since twenty thirteen. Maybe I'll buy this, play it in sixty frames. But then the game comes out in like four days, I think. Or mm. the game comes out next week, and we've seen no footage. And that worries me because we saw no footage of the Grand Theft Auto trilogy. And we know how bad that port was. So are yeah. they hiding this port because it's just not doing anything special? And that's the reason why they haven't shown it and the reason why it's only 20 bucks or $10, depending on your platform? Like, does that worry you a little yeah, bit based maybe. on previous history? That doesn't worry me because I ain't interested. Well, you're not interested, in but I mean, like, I don't know. It's, 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 I I wouldn't after the GTA trilogy remaster. I wouldn't I wouldn't give Take Two a shred of your trust. To be honest, they're kind of they're kind of descending into EA levels of don't trust this publisher for me. So I don't know. Yeah, John says, Jeff, hey, find out very soon. What do you expect from Roundhouse Studios this generation? Roundhouse Studios. Now they they were the ones who made the original Prey, right? And oh wait, am I getting them mixed up? Roundhouse I Studios. Let me just think. They're the ones from Human Head, who were doing Prey yeah, two, and then yeah, that is a really strange situation. So Bethesda announces Roundhouse Studios, a new studio staffed by ex-Human Head Studios developers. Man, that's a really terrible title. <laughs> um, uh. So, this is their comment. Sadly, we had to wind down the business of human head students because the doors was particularly devastating due to passion and creative team. Reached out to our friends at Bethesda for help, and they saw the same creativity and passion in our team. And with 
the formation of Roundhouse Studios, Bethesda offered every employee at Human Head a position at the new company. That's a strange. Like, you don't see that kind of thing happen often, right? Now, as for what they're making, I have absolutely no idea. So, this studio, obviously they're working on Prey 2, a sequel to the original Prey, which was not the Prey that uh, Arcane made, which was a different Prey in a different universe, but just had the same branding. Pretty confusing, really, when you think about it. Maybe... Maybe they're working on Prey. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I suspect they'll be working on a game in the vein of Prey um, because that is their, I suppose, their expertise or something. But honestly, I have no idea. I mean, do you have any thoughts on that, Ryan? I have no I have idea. No idea. I mean, there's rumors that somebody, one of their studios is making, like, some comic book multiplayer thing that I keep on seeing brought up or something, but... I have no idea what oh, they're yeah, doing. Like super pure multiplayer game. Yeah, I have no yeah. I have no clue. Hopefully maybe we see what they're doing this year. Maybe. I mean like I said, but that's yeah, got maybe. some projects they're working on that maybe it's time. Or maybe not. Maybe they want to devote everything to Starfield. You know, that's gonna be the big game, yeah. but I guess we'll wait and see. Uh Cartoon Nerd says, Any chance Microsoft takes people from Bethesda Obsidian and in exile makes a fallout specific studio? Maybe call it Vault. Um, I think they probably should look at making a dedicated Fallout studio. I mean, it's kind of wild that they don't have one, really, and there's no, like... I mean, Todd Howard did respond to some of these concerns and said they do have plans for the future Fallout and whatever. But I think, like, having a dedicated studio to Fallout should be something they should consider, because... Fallout's a massive franchise. It's right up there with, like, Elder Scrolls for recognizability. And, um, you know, while it hasn't sold as many copies as Skyrim, um, it's still a pretty massive franchise. And for a time, Fallout Shelter was their most profitable game ever, I think. Um, or at least, like, in, in terms of raw, you know, pro- profit margins. So I do think they need to consider a Fallout dedicated studio. But would they... I don't think they'd forcibly shuffle developers around to make that studio they'd probably like you know offer people the opportunity if they were going to do something like that but I don't know there's no indication that they are doing something like that but as per Jeff Grubb's rumor they Obsidian might be making the next Fallout game anyway um, as a sort of a new Fallout game in the vein of New Vegas 1 maybe that's their next project after the Outer Worlds 2 I uh, could certainly see that happening um, because obviously, you know, Avowed will be wrapping up maybe by the end of this year or early next year. And they're developing um, the Outer Worlds um, at the same time. So, like, I've actually seen Outer Worlds 2 gameplay, very, very early gameplay. Um, but, um, you know, they're, they're working on it and it, it functions, you know, and they've got maps designed and they've got concept art and stuff like that. So they're developing these games at the same time, side by side. Obviously, a smaller team on their Worlds 2 while they finish Avowed. And then that team will switch over to our Worlds 2. And then probably after that, maybe they'll look at doing Fallout. And I suspect if Obsidian um, ends up making, like, a really great Fallout game, maybe they could just end up becoming the Fallout Studio by default, you know, everyone regards New Vegas as the best 3D Fallout game anyway. So, for my money, Obsidian is probably the right studio to carry that ahead. If um, 
you know, Todd Howard, with Todd, maybe with Todd Howard overseeing or producing or at least looking in every now and then, I don't know. Mm. But the, that's the beauty of Creation Engine, you know. It's um, a highly versatile platform and presumably they've got experience working on it still within the team. So, I don't know. I just want more Fallout, basically. Yeah, you and a lot of people. I'm right there with you guys. Uh, Dub yeah. says, any new rumors or info on Redfall? Uh, no, I know some of the screens leaked again from the leak from last year, but uh, nothing really new. So, nothing new. Uh, Asante says, "What do you guys think of the state of play?" Uh, I didn't watch it, uh, and I don't think Jez did either. I always, for those yeah. things, I always just kind of uh, watch the trailers afterwards or look at uh, look at like a roundup. And it definitely, you know, I watched like the Ghostwire Tokyo trailer, and I watched the Turtles thing. And I watched the Returnal thing, but for the most part, I watched the Dino, the Dino Crisis. I mean, wasn't Dino Crisis? Uh, what, what's the name of the Capcom game um, with with the, the dinosaurs? But it's but it's not, it's not a, a new Dino Crisis. I think uh, Capcom's trolling people at this point. They have to be, right? Yeah, I think they're trolling. I don't know what it's called either. I can't remember from that. That kind of weird name, like XO something or something like that. Something yeah. Like that. It's funny. I was talking, I, what I was, do you think of that? I think I think Capcom's trolling people that want Dino Crisis. But then I was talking mm-hmm. to my buddy Gopher last night, and he's like, Dino Crisis didn't sell or wasn't that big. And it's like, if you really want Dino Crisis, just download a mod for Resident Evil 2 or 3 and have the zombies be dinosaurs, and there you go, it's Dino Crisis. <laughs> Which I'm like, okay, well, yeah, because yeah. Dino Crisis <laughs> was basically Resident Evil just with dinosaurs. I'm like... But people want it, and it's just like here's some dinosaurs, and it's like oh, but sorry, not it's not Dino Crisis. It's like all right. Um, <laughs> uh, Devil wants to know if uh, any chance Lost 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 Ark is going to release on on console. That's an interesting question. I would say probably, but probably also not guaranteed 100. percent Um. Like, League of Legends never released on console. Like, for whatever reason, they decided console's not necessary. And, um, honestly, it's, you know, one of the biggest games in the world without having ever come to console. So, maybe they're just like, we don't need console. And Lost Ark hit 20 million players without console. Which is another reason why I think Sony's going to end up, end up supporting PC so much, because it's become... It's become the de facto platform for a lot of people, and it's become more accessible in an era where chips are hard to get. So um, I want to believe that, yes, it would come, because, you know, I'm someone who would like to try it out, but I also don't really fancy installing it on my PC, even though my PC is more than capable. Um, but who knows? Nobody knows. New World didn't come to console, did it? Xbox New World? I don't no. think so. No. So. And that's kind of yeah, dead on PC, isn't it? New World? Had that huge yeah, launch and then kind of just died off? Yeah, it's it's really funny because like, everyone was like, oh, this is the WoW killer, this is the WoW killer. And it sort of... I, I, I knew, I knew, Rant, from like... I downloaded New World and I, I knew from the first two minutes that game was going to be dead in three months. Lo and behold, it's dead. <laughs> because I just I just know what the MMO market needs to be, and it ain't New World. A New World is just not a good game. But 
Lost Ark, by all accounts, is a pretty good game. And, um, but at the same time, it's like, will it come to console? Does it need to come to console? I guess Amazon might just decide, nah, it doesn't need to. But it'd be an interesting experiment for them because they're pretty new to this whole thing. There was an, there was an interview with, um, the games publisher of Amazon published on a site. I can't remember which site it was now. It might be Game Industry or something like that. Where the guy was like, yeah, we made loads of mistakes with New World and we, we learned from those mistakes and applied that to Lost Ark. And I'm just sitting there thinking, did you know or did you just like end up publishing a, a game that was already high quality, you know? <laughs> because um, they didn't actually make Lost Ark. It was made by um, uh, the Crossfire X's RPG team. What are they called? Smilegate RPG or whatever. So it wasn't actually made by Amazon. It was just published and localized by Amazon, from what I understand. But I don't know. Hmm. I hope it comes to console, just because I want to give it a go. Yeah, that'd be something you would play. I definitely wouldn't. Uh, Bear wants to know, uh, I have a question. Why is Tunic now not in Game Pass, but when they announced it at E3, it was in Game Pass? Um, I don't recall it ever hmm. being announced for Game Pass. It's kind of oh. like Death's Door. Death's uh, Door was announced. And people thought it was coming to Game Pass, but they they said it wouldn't be there at launch. And I think people have thought the same about Tunic. I don't know. Like I just did a search for it on Google, and I don't see any uh, any announcement that said Tunic was coming to Game Pass originally. And do you remember any of this, Jez? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it was announced for Game Pass, but maybe it was just like. This is one of the confusing things about Game Pass. Sometimes it's just like, um, I don't know, you kind of like, you kind of like, um, some games just look like they should be on Game Pass. <laughs> I think Xbox has sort of built itself up in a way that it's like, you know, kind of makes you expect that certain types of indie games will come to Game Pass. And uh, I guess, this is just not the case for Tunic, but maybe maybe there is a future where Tunic keeps Game Pass. I think it could be similar similar thing to Death Store. They look at how it performs outside of Game Pass, and then maybe they're just like, yeah, let's stick in Game Pass now and see how well it does. Um, especially because I think Tunic would be a great game for xCloud because it's got a fixed camera perspective, it's family friendly, and fixed camera perspective games work really well with xCloud's um, algorithm. So I do think it will come to Game Pass. It's just not announced for it right now. And um, I guess we'll just have to wait. Yeah. Um, Skate wants to know if Starfield will beat Elden Ring for Game of the Year. I'm going to say no. Mm. And Jez doesn't. Jez Jez is really looking forward to Starfield, and he wants it to. But if if I'm thinking about what's going to win the Keeleys and who the journalists are going to vote for, I'm going to say no, it's not. Elden Ring will will definitely be uh, ahead of Starfield if I had to if I had to guess. I think there's a vague sort of chance that possibly Starfield has some killer feature they haven't even teased or announced yet. Like I say, I think I said last week on the podcast, like what if you could make your own spaceships? What if you could, you know, what if there's like a soft multiplayer aspect to the game? We don't know what Starfield has, what what Starfield's killer feature, we don't know um, yet. So there's there's a chance that they could have some kind of magic that we don't know about. But there could also be the opposite, that it's just 
Skyrim in space, which I think is probably the more likely proposition. But mm. again, just go wait, wait and see. Um, let's see what else we got here. Um, everyone's idol Goro says Redfall still officially launching this summer. I mean, indeed, still launching this summer. I mean, they haven't delayed it yet. Uh, maybe they not. Maybe it won't. Maybe it is coming on summer. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Probably find out in June around Xbox's E3. Uh, Sean says. Uh, Discovery executives are now approving the deal, and the deal is close to closing. Is there any chance Xbox goes in to buy all of WB Game Studios or Warner if Halo Show and Gears Movie are good? What do you think, Jez? I think the shareholders approved it today, and it's going to go through. What are the chances Microsoft mm. comes in and buys buys the whole thing eventually after the Activision stuff? Or would that be too much of just a monopoly concern? You know, type thing. I have, I have no idea. Well, I don't you, know you don't think Activ- you don't think the Activision deal is going through, do you? I think there's a good chance it won't. Um, I, obviously, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know for sure. But I think like it's it's going to be a huge challenge. Like there's a huge amount of risk involved. There's a huge amount of issues to overcome, and also there's a huge political angle that you know is overlooked there could be a lot of i don't know politicians out there looking to make their name and you know make a statement by blocking the deal it's it's messy you know i think i think it could go either way personally but again not a lawyer just being a bit pessimistic um mm. but i guess you really want blizzard you want it so bad i do i think blizzard would be really good for xbox but so at the same time, I think it's going to be complicated to get there. Uh, Hero DM me. He wants me to check my DMs, and he says, um, "This is what I tried to super chat. Uh, didn't go through. Hope you have a great weekend." And he says, "The manager sees a blind man and his dog walk into a store. The blind man picks the dog up and spins it around in the air. The manager sees this and asks the blind man, "Need any help?" And the blind man responds, "No, I was just looking around." What do you think, Jess? Uh, I think that's a great jape. <laughs> <laughs> do you know any good jokes, Ryan? Not really any off the top of my head, no. Do you? Do you I, know any... a joke. I know a joke about a prawn. You know, I, I, I finally found the place in, in your Twitter profile header with the, with, the, with, the, with the shrimp or the prawn or whatever the hell it is. And the guy's sitting in front oh, of yeah. Yeah, it's funny because it's a weird joke in the game because the shack is called Boiled Prawn Shack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're not prawns; they they're crayfish. And like, if you if you click if you click on the item Boiled Prawn in Elden Ring, it says, "Interestingly, this is not a prawn; it's a crayfish." <laughs> what the hell? What the hell kind of joke is that? And I, I, what what does it mean? What does it mean? I'm confused. Mm. Uh, Gunstar wants to know, hey, question for Jez. How does Manscaped cope with ginger pubes? And if you, uh, (laughs) make sure you use code XB2 in the checkout to get 20% off and free shipping on anything from manscaped.com. 
So I'm I'm pretty sure it does work on ginger pubes. Um, I can't uh, speak from experience on that, but the only way to find out is to test them with our code XB2. You can get 20% off. Yeah, right? Yeah, man. Um, Brad says, do you think Xbox should bring back games where you use your Xbox avatar? I feel like avatars are useless at the moment. Um, Ooh, avatars. Yeah. Interesting. They're kind of dead, aren't they? To be honest. Um, I don't think there's a future where... I don't think there's a future, honestly, where avatars are a thing again, really. I think, like, avatars as a feature, probably Microsoft's kind of like, man, we waste a huge amount of money on this. This was probably a bad call. And now they're not going to do anything with them. That's my take on that. Could be wrong. It could be wrong. They could be, they could have plans for it and stuff. You know, we are, we are like all over the metaverse and stuff at the moment. But honestly, don't think the avatars have a future. I think they're just basically dead now. But, I don't know, for sure. Yeah, Game Plato says, Jez, have you noticed that the DVR video uploads are completely broken now? Pre-Alpha Insider here. It's impossible to upload. The screen goes black. Well, it's completely oh, really? it's completely removed in the Alpha ring. He's saying that it's completely broken in the, in the he says, pre-Alpha Insider. So I don't know if that means normal build. No, the screen. The skip ahead build. What that the DVR is completely broken in skip ahead. Video uploads. So like uploading to Twitter or whatever, or I don't know. Ah, uh, okay. So maybe maybe they've sort of like I don't know turned them off because they are working on a major update, and that's why I couldn't get any information on it because it is going to be a big bigger thing. Again, that could be speculation. I have no idea personally, but I don't know. That could actually be a positive sign that there's bigger changes coming. So I guess we just need to wait now to find out. Yeah. Um, yeah, for anybody who I, – I get a lot of messages for people saying they super chatted, but it wasn't working and they were charged. Um, I don't see that on my end, so I don't know what's going on. So if anybody uh, has uh, – has that ran into that issue? Like I apologize, but I I don't. You need to get in touch with Google. Yeah, people were saying they tried a few times and it flipped out, and someone's saying like a charge and it went through, but like I do not see it here on my end. So if anybody did uh, do a message to support the channel, uh, I wish I could read it. It's just that uh, I don't see it here, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Maybe like. It just doesn't. I don't know. You know, it's YouTube. Sometimes some something's always broken. But I I apologize for that. Uh, the whole avatar thing, Jez. I just I was I don't know. I was never really a fan. It, it, it did seem like a money maker, and then with the new dashboard, it kind of, like avatars became less of a focal point, and they just kind of became hidden, and it just seemed like people stopped caring. And, well, Connect died, so you weren't really using your avatars for anything, for any of the Connect games and stuff, so it, they just seemed to die off. And maybe yeah. they could do something for, like, a, a 1v100 or 1 versus 100 or a quiz game show, but yeah. I don't know. I don't really miss them, so. Um, yeah, I'm not a, I don't care about it much. 
Yeah. Um, Ermy says, Jess, has there been any more games added to the keyboard and mouse list for the Xbox since the last time I asked you this about six months ago? Is Xbox lazy on this end? Uh, that would be all you because I don't keep I don't I don't keep track of <laughs> keyboard and mouse stuff on Xbox. If I had any added any, I'm not aware of them. I mean, it is probably true that they aren't really pushing that very hard. And um, but that could change when they bring XCloud support to mouse and keyboard. And I think that's probably where they're gonna go with this. They're probably thinking like, what we'll do is we'll add um we'll add mouse and keyboard for xCloud and then devs who want to bring their PC games to xCloud, they'll have to add like, you know, mouse and keyboard controls anyway. That's probably the mentality there, but again, speculation could be wrong. No way to find out for sure. But, um, I haven't heard of any any more games with mouse and keyboard support, although I did try playing Call of Duty with mouse and keyboard on on, uh, Xbox recently ran. Mm. And, um, it is hilarious how easy it is when you've got mouse and keyboard in Call of Duty when you play it on console. I mean, it's just I don't know why Microsoft thinks it's okay to mix the inputs and stuff, but at least in Call of Duty you can turn it off. You can't in Halo. Oh well. Stone Patrol says, "Dude, Jezlo woke up on the wrong." Like simple indie games on this, like you know stuff like. Uh, or uh, like Dead Cells and side scrollers and things like that, like when I'm on the plane and stuff like that. But then I thought, like, but then I, I, got, I got hit with this bug because Steam servers got completely overloaded. No one could get in. No one could order for ages and stuff. And I was, I was trying again and again for, like, ten minutes. And I just thought, do I actually need this? Do I actually want this? Mm, do you? Really? Like, do you? I don't, I work from home. I, I'm near my Xbox all the time. The only time when I want to play games on a handheld is when my girlfriend's taken over the TV. And um, I think, like, in those scenarios, I can just, like, use xCloud and play, like, Monster Train or Slay the Spire or something simple. Or, like, even a mobile game, you know. I don't really need a Steam Deck in my life. So I decided I'm not going to get one for now. I'm not going to buy one. I mean, I might buy one down the line, maybe I'll cave or something, and or some, some sort of wild scenario will come out where I'm like, oh, actually, I do need that. But right now, I'm just thinking, nah, nah. Yeah. I'm going to stick I'm gonna stick with my Surface Duo and the touch controls on the screen. I like that. Yeah. Um, so I'm not, I'm not going to grab it. But there is a lot to discuss. very, very popular. There is a lot to discuss with the Steam Deck. So that is definitely a topic. Uh, East House, East, East Texas Alice says, hey, just wanted uh, Jez and Randall muted to know how much I appreciate the weekly podcast. You guys helped me through my 12-hour shifts. Thank you. And I do read a lot of messages like that. Uh, people that always say, hey, you helped me out. I love listening to your shows. Uh, there was a comment earlier about how, like, hey, Rand, I was a PlayStation guy, but you and Jez, uh, you know, uh, your constant podcast, which he really liked, you know, you convinced me to get an Xbox uh, and be in the Xbox community, and I love it. And I get tons of those messages. I know Colt does as well, and, and so does Dealer. And then you said you got a similar message, but not necessarily about Xbox. So what was it? Yeah, yeah, I, I was going to say. I got I got a similar message earlier from uh, from uh, someone who listens to the show. Um, hey, Jez, after your comments about mayonnaise being good on French fries, I went out and tried a new brand of mayo as I didn't like the previous one. Now I can say I agree 100% with your statements on mayonnaise. So there you go. I, I help people, man. And I bet you... 
the people who watch the show, if you gave the Kardashians a try, you would like it too. Just like mayonnaise. Unbelievable. I, I can't believe. <laughs> I can't be- I guess that's the power of the podcast, man. That people are like, you know what? I'll try out mayonnaise. Like, the disgustingness of this. Dude, right? dude, I'm the kind of guy, like, I'm the kind of guy who, like, eat mayonnaise with a spoon, so. Uh, I, 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 won't, I won't even put it on anything, man. Yeah, I, I, I agree with, I, I agree with uh, UK dads in the chat, mayo should have been banned. But it's just funny that people <laughs> listen, right, in our discussion about the mayonnaise and that story that I told that people were either disgusted by or thought it was the most hilarious thing ever. <laughs> Decided that, hey, I'm going to try this out, and I absolutely love mayo on fries. And, um, try it. Try that's, it, man. That's absolutely give, disgusting. Give me a chance. Just try it. Promise me this week. Just try it. Man. No, I'm, I'm not. I know what mayo is like. I'm not putting it you're on not, fries. You're not liking it at all? Mayo is absolutely disgusting, dude. What the hell is wrong with you? What What, what is wrong what, with you? What? What condiments do you use? Look, okay. Like on a hot dog. What do you chat, put on a hot chat, dog? Like, look, look chat. We're talking, so Jazz is someone that loves the mayonnaise on fries, one, right? Yeah. Enjoys Pokemon, two. And then three, owns all the seasons of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Like, are we sure Jazz is actually, like, a normal person here? Like, is he <laughs> supposed to be the bastion of, of normality Right? Or is he just like... I'm ahead of the curve, man. No, you're I'm not. A, I'm too advanced for y'all. I'm sorry. <laughs> I never, never, never put mayo on anything. Like, when I order things from Door, DoorDash, if I want something new from a place and it has mayo on it, if they don't give me the option to remove it, I don't order from it. Because I, I will not put mayonnaise on, on burgers or anything. It's disgusting. I, I I put on everything: burgers, hot dogs, fries. Man, I literally put it on my on uh, ice cream. I don't care, man. Put mayonnaise on literally everything. It's the, it's the perfect condiment, in yeah. my opinion. But it, it's just it's just the reason we brought it up um, is that uh, you know it, it's really nice to get messages from people. Um, yeah, you, know. you guys are awesome. Yeah, you guys are awesome. Because you know there 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 is the you know like. Ninety-nine percent of the messages I always get are always very positive, and, and you know, hey, I love your content, stuff like that. And there's always that one percent, especially in the YouTube comments, that are like, you know, you suck or blah 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 blah. And sometimes you can focus too much on the negativity, right? You see all the positive things, and you see people saying good, and then you you, you can kind of laser focus on the bad comments. Um, and that really did affect me at one point, um, honestly, like because you. Doing YouTube, you got to be a little thick-skinned because people will just go off in the yeah. comments and just say the worst things about you that they never would say to your face, right? They never would say these horrible things to you in person. But, hey, you know, Internet and anonymity, they'll definitely say whatever. And, you know, it hurt. And then you eventually kind of just like, man, i got to got to steal myself. But then, you, but then you, like, think of all the good things that people message you about and, um, that definitely helps. So I appreciate all the messages I get on Xbox, on uh, Twitter DMs. You know, I, I, I check those quite often um, and stuff like that. So uh, thank you, guys. But um, uh, we got a super chat here from Stodgy Caesar that says, Zach at Windows Central Gaming is spot on. Hmm. Minecraft is the greatest game ever made. Your thoughts on the game? 
Uh, oh, right. Yeah, so Zachary Body on no Windows Central Park and of course, basically saying Minecraft's the greatest game ever made, um, which caused uh, I could... some controversy. Okay. I personally don't think so, but I could I could see the argument. I, I, I could see somebody formulating an argument about why Minecraft is the greatest game ever made. I personally don't think so. I don't like Minecraft, but then I'm not the creative type. Um, you know, like, uh, I, I can't draw. Like, I really can't make thumbnails. Uh, so that creativity isn't something I, I, I'm, I'm good at. So, like, building things in Minecraft was never, you know, my cup of tea. But I can see somebody making the argument that Minecraft is the greatest game ever made, honestly. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, it's not my personal favorite game ever, ever made, and it's, it wouldn't top my list of best games ever made. But, again, I can sort of see the argument. Like, Minecraft's taken on a life of its own as, as a sort of platform. I don't know if you saw the latest mod, mod that was released today, like this Minions DLC. Did you see No, I did I saw the Sonic oh, thing God. that was released yeah, uh, for Sonic 3. Yeah, so, like, this is, they're, they're sort of, it's, they're doing the Roblox thing now, where they, they're basically, like, they're letting creative teams, like, there, there are entire businesses dedicated to making mods for Minecraft now, and uh, special games and stuff. Like, that, that Sonic DLC, that wasn't Microsoft. That was a third party. But Microsoft, like, brokered the deal for the licensing for Sonic, for this company to then make a mod for their game, and sell it through the Minecraft store. Like, like it's its own platform with its own app store. It's, it's crazy. And they've just released one today, which is this Minions DLC. Again, licensing, licensing the, the, the rights to those, you know, the Minions or whatever. What is it called? Despicable Me, the movie? The movie's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The movie's great, but the whole, the whole Minions thing is, is really irritating. <laughs> but anyway. Um, that's a thing now, and I, I presume that's another third-party mod as well. And there are people making millions of dollars selling mods for Minecraft, which is just incredible. Like, people who have, like, literally grown up with the game, learned to code through the game, and, like, because it's all the, all of its assets are, like, accessible. You can make skins for Minecraft in Microsoft Paint, for God's sake. It's that accessible, and it's, it's just really cool to see all that stuff. They're using it in education, and so I can totally see the argument that it might be the best game ever made. But it's not my favorite game I've made because it's uh, not violent enough. Or dep- it's too happy for me, around. Yeah. You know, I like my depressing games. It, it, does, right? ha- it does have some, some good music. <laughs> uh, Xberg says, Rand, dipping fries in mayo is popular in Canada. Trust your friend and try it once. I don't know the note. Please so glad you guys it. are back. Maybe I'll try it once. Maybe one time. We'll see. Uh, but it, it is really good to be back. I love doing the podcast with Jez. I really do enjoy making videos for YouTube. So, like, it did suck. For that month, not being able to make anything and and, and skipping the podcast, you know, because even though when there's not necessarily the biggest news to talk about, it's always fun to just hang out and talk, you know what I mean? Aye. Aye. Ross Lang says, hey guys, I reserved the 256 gigabyte NVMe version. What are your thoughts on the longevity of the device since it's pretty much a Series S Lite? Hmm. Um... I'm assuming you're talking about the Steam Deck, right? What, Jess? The longevity of what? Sorry, I missed I would admit, so he says he reserved the 256 version of Steam Deck, and I'm assuming, I'm assuming that's what it is, and he wants to know our thoughts on the longevity of the device 
This ah, is the right. Series S Lite. He, he well, calls it the Series S Lite. It's RDNA 2. It's twice as powerful as Nintendo Switch. And it has, like, all of AMD's, like, special special source. So the fact that it's RDNA 2 is a big deal alone. It's also got, like, a, a you know, streamlined version of, you know, Linux, and it uses Proton to translate Windows games and stuff like that. I have no idea how much of a performance overhead that creates because I've never used Steam Machine. I've never used Proton. I've never used Linux. I have no idea. You can install full Windows on it which I presume will impact performance too, because Windows is pretty bloated, you know. Um, but when it comes to longevity, it's it's sort of like, oh man, it's kind of like, it's a, it's, it's a different argument to make, because like when it comes to um, the Nintendo Switch, for example, Nintendo Switch is locked to Nintendo Store. So it's it comes a point where it's like the games that Nintendo wants to make, they're not, they're not, good enough, or that the Switch isn't good enough to power them, which is why, like, people are really desperate for a Switch Pro. Like, where are all the Nintendo insiders that said the Switch OLED is a Switch Pro? Where have they all got? Um, but anyway, uh, I digress. Um, but the difference with the Steam Machine is, is, because it's a full PC, you can get all these, just millions of games on it. Like, there's no limit to the amount of games you can play on it, potentially. So, like, even though, like, as AAA games become, you know, have more fidelity, there'll still be great games that sort of, like, run on the Steam Deck that aren't necessarily maybe... Maybe they aren't necessarily, like, cyberpunk in, in like, ray tracing quality or Metro Exodus or whatever, but they'll be, like, really cool indie games like like Song of Iron that's coming out soon or, I presume, like, Death Door will run really well on it and stuff like that. And there'll always be games that are made for, like, lower-end hardware. And there'll always be indie games that will work and on that device. So, um, for me, if I was, if someone came to me and said, should I get a Nintendo Switch or should I get, you know, a Steam Deck for like the next three to four years? The answer obviously is the Steam Deck. Like, I, I have like the GPD Win, which is a similar handheld PC, uses some like really bad Intel processor. But you can still like play like decent indie games on it, even though that's like that that itself is like three years old at this point. It's got like four gigabytes of RAM. But I, because it's a PC, I can play all these old games on it. So Steam Deck longevity is probably pretty good, unless you want to play AAA games. But to be honest, if you want to play AAA games, you're probably looking at like a next gen console or a high end gaming PC anyway. So you know, I, it's such a cool, exciting device, man. I'm like, I'm not. I'm gonna get one, I don't think, but I just I'm excited for the tech, you know. Right. No. Oh. Yeah. Well, well, we we got more to say about the Steam Deck later, but yeah. Um, Space Dovican says right now I'm watching my six year old daughter become a gamer, and it's awesome. Her imagination is exploding with Minecraft. That's what's good. Like you know, you get kids into the Minecraft, and uh, you know they become gamers and they play other stuff. But like Minecraft's just like kind of eternal at this point. It's uh. You know what it is, I will say about it? it? I think it was very fortunate that uh, Microsoft bought it before Notch could ruin his own game. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Ball and Harder says, Phil McManies and Kardashians plus gaming, now we pod in. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, let's see. Uh, Parker Petroff says, Mayo should be banned by the Genova Convention. 
Everborn Sagas. What's up, buddy? He says, the only place mayo belongs is on burgers. Uh, I can I can respect that. I can respect that. Definitely not on fries. Uh, Stephen Olson says, love your, guy, love your show, guys. Rand, would you eat french fries with mayo for charity? Uh, you know, that's probably something I would do for charity, yeah. Uh, I definitely wouldn't play Pokemon or any of these Nintendo games for charity, but I could probably, I could probably do eating french fries, uh, and mayo for charity. And there's a poll in the chat. Should I eat? Or should I try some mayo with some french fries? Make sure you guys vote. Um, Space Dovican says, Jez is like the Mephisto of the Xbox verse. Uh, <laughs> Warcryo says, uh, Digital Foundry trying every way to make Xbox look same or less than the PlayStation 5. And if it happened, Xbox has a uh, big hand trying to marginalize Xbox. Why? Do you think Digital Foundry is trying to marginalize Xbox, Jez? I don't really pay much attention no. to Digital Foundry's analysis anymore um, uh, of, of their games and their frame rates and stuff because... Um, as someone who's fortunate enough to have an LG CX, it comes with variable rate, you know, VRR. And uh, so, like, screen tearing and frame rate dips, I don't see that anymore. So, like, I used to pay attention to them last gen, Xbox One, to see, okay, what mode's the best to play it on, uh, how bad is the frame rate going to be, et cetera, et cetera. But now, with every game basically hitting 60, uh, it doesn't really mean much uh, to me, if there's any frame rate uh, problems, because I'm just not going to see it. So, uh, I think it's like, I, I'm, since I came back to Germany for the last few weeks, I've been on an Xbox Series S, and like, you know, even that doesn't bother me. You know, I can tell, I can tell the resolution, the resolution, the resolution, that's not a word, the resolution is a bit like, uh, you can tell it's more blurry than the Xbox Series X. But, like, a lot of the games I've played uh, have been, like, perfectly performant, 60 frames per second and stuff, um, when they've been enhanced properly. I think there's a point that Chivalry is only 30 frames per second on the Series S, even though it's supposedly enhanced. But it is a pretty, you know, there are a lot of characters on screen, and maybe that's a RAM thing, I don't know. But anyway, a lot of the games I've played hit that frame rate anyway. And I, I don't sit there thinking, oh, man, like, I super-duper miss my Series X, because honestly, I don't. Like, the Series S is, like, totally fine for what it is. I, I would miss... When I was on the One X, I found myself really missing the, the, the SSD more than anything. Like, I, you could really notice the loading times if you go back again. But, like, when it comes to resolution, it's like, meh, whatever. And then, like, all the other stuff is like, yeah, maybe one console does one game five frames per second more on average per minute or something. But, like... I'm kind of like, ugh, I don't I don't care. Maybe I'm just, like, getting old now, and I just don't care about this stuff as much. I don't care if a console's got two more frames per second than another one. I just really don't. I just can't bring myself to care about that stuff anymore. Um, I think, like, there is an echo chamber online of people who, like, they they weaponize Digital Foundry's analysis. A hundred percent they weaponize <clears throat> Digital Foundry. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, let's, let's not blame Digital Foundry for that. They're just presenting the facts, and they are passionate about technology. They don't just talk about frame rates. They they give you they give you layman's analysis of all these like apocryphal terminology like like uh, you know DLSS and VRR and VRS and all these new terms and technologies that come out. 
Digital Foundry is a great resource to explain that stuff. And I think, like, people focus too much on the frame counting and the pixel counting and stuff, when Digital Foundry is actually a really good resource across the board for just technology in general. And, like, gaming is about the intersection of tech and entertainment, and they are, passion they are passionate about the tech side of stuff. They're not doing it to marginalize any console. Like, it's funny because they get called, when they say PlayStation's doing well, they get called out and they're called Xbox fanboys. When they say PlayStation, or when they say Xbox is doing well, they get called PlayStation fanboys, you know, or saying, be, being accused of this or whatever. They get accused by both sides of marginalizing both sides' console. Just, just shrug it off, man. Enjoy, enjoy the tech. Don't listen to what random people say on the internet who are weaponizing this info. Because that's not what it's there for. It's there for the celebration of tech. Yeah. And um, these minor performance differences, and more often than not, they are minor differences, they're like things the developer could potentially tweak as well. It's, it's not just on the console. It's a complicated intersection of loads of different factors that, you know, make this a reality or not. So I don't care. Just, you know, play where you enjoy and... Who cares about a few frames missed here and there? Very much the truth. Uh, Kay Asante, how's it going, man? He says, this mayo talk is the difference between Americans and Europeans. European mayo tastes so much better. I hate mayo USA, so I get why people don't like it. Is, is that what it could be, Jez? Is the European mayo just that much better than USA mayo? I don't know, because I had, I had mayo and fries when I was in L.A. as well. Mm. I was like, I was like, I was like, yeah, give me some mayo. Hey, are we gonna go to E3 next year? Meet up again? It's been like, what? I mean, if the world's still here, six years, cool. right? When we hung out in E3 in two thousand six, two thousand sixteen, right? When we were there six years ago. Well, it's five years. It will be. It will be six. Yeah, it's kind of crazy Dude. to think about. Uh, Polaris. Yeah. Six years. Whatever you call them. What do you call them? Do you call them sachets? What the hell is a sachet? Like those little. Plastic things filled with ketchup or mayo. Does does anybody does anybody in chat know what Jez is talking? What a sachet is? <laughs> how, do you, how do you get ketchup in McDonald's? <laughs> hey guys, can you can you pass me the sachet? <laughs> how do you, no seriously? How do you get ketchup in McDonald's? If you order a takeout from from the drive thru what does the ketchup come in? Is uh, it coming in a little tub? <laughs> It comes in little packets, dude. Little packets, not. What's <laughs> name? What yeah. the hell is a sachet? That is a sachet. The little, the little packet of ketchup or mayo. That's a sachet. Well, if you mean a, if you mean a packet, say a packet then. Oh, a packet. A packet like, like where you put a parcel in or whatever. Um, a packet's bigger. A packet is bigger, like a packet of crisps. You know, or chips. Sorry. Chips. Sam Pollard says, a sachet is when you strut and wave your hips while walking. That's what I thought it was. <laughs> oh, jeez, oh, what have dude. you done, Jez? What have you done? But it's not my fault America took my language and destroyed it. And we made it better, oh. though. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, dude, you've got to do it now. You've got to go yeah, to McDonald's. Yeah. You've, got to, you've, got to, you've got to sit there and be like, hey, guys. Can I have a packet of mayo? Well, are you doing? Are you doing an Ameri Are you doing like? Is that a Rand accent there? Like, what are you trying to do? My Rand impression, man. Oh, that's your Rand impression. Can I have a packet of mayonnaise? I don't talk like that. That's exactly what you talk like, man. But anyway, 
I digress. You've got to do it. The poll said so, and the poll doesn't lie, baby. Yeah, the community wants me to eat eat that stuff, so... Yeah, the community uh, wants it. And uh, just to round off the Super Resolution talk, Jason Ronald said that they are ex- exploring the Super Resolution AMD tech, and I do assume that that will make its way to Xbox at some point, in some form, but we'll have to wait and see. But the FPS boost has been pretty cool. I know Miles Dompierre. Dompierre. From Dompierre. Yeah. From uh, from uh, Windows Central is very happy to see uh, Dark Souls 3 get its resolution boost. I know he's very, very upset that Dark Souls didn't have 60 frames per second, but there you go. Resolution, uh, FPS boost, sorry. And, uh, yeah, that, that was a that was a roundabout discussion. That definitely was. Um, we got Space Dovacan in the Super Chat saying, hey, in Jez's defense, one of the Puerto Rican signature dishes is fried smash plantain and goes with mayo and ketchup, and it tastes really good. Mm, that sounds, that sounds mm. great. Um, I want to try that. Danoy, uh, Danoy, or Dan in the chat says, I swear I just heard Rand talk to himself for a second. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> See? See? It's a good impression, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric, I uh, want a pack of French fries to go, please. That's, that's exactly what you said. Uh, someone just said that you should tr- use that uh, accent the entire podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Ninja, Ninja Nurse said that. Uh, Eric Franklin says, Jazz Shively 2 apparently now runs at 60 frames thanks to a re- recent patch. On Series X? Uh, he just, that's what the Super Chat says. So maybe, oh, my God. So maybe, maybe check it out, and it'll, it'll be uh, later. Right now. See you later, Dwight. Yeah, right. Uh, JC, uh, Carl, uh, JC says, we need a video of Jez doing random impersonations. No, 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 we don't. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do on the, I'm going to eat some fries and mayo and, and do a random impression there. That players. I'll have, let, I'll have to let my hair down. Have you still got long hair? I still have my incredibly long hair, yes. Uh, players suck oh. says, uh, stupid autocorrect, ESO log out every fast travel. Many threads on Reddit about oh. it. ESO will say disconnect from server, not to me, to xCloud, but xCloud to ESO. So, yeah. Um, Corded in Super Chat says, would be interesting if Xbox made an affordable handheld Game Pass machine like an X-Pad. Maybe use Microsoft's Direct ML or something for performance. Um, we might have more to talk about on that in a little bit. Achievement X-Pad says... What? Almost like, I don't know. What's That's it? interesting. It's it's interesting because like they they have the whole Surface Neo thing, which was like an iPad, a Windows powered iPad, and then they seem to have cancelled it. The Surface Neo is like this folding folding tablet that could have been your XPad. Alas, it mm. doesn't seem like it's gonna happen. But Eric Eric P says kind of kind of sounds at this point. Jez wants to cancel himself. Kisses anyways. Mm, you <laughs> Uh, War Cryo yeah. says, Digital Foundry for Xbox, slightly improvement, not important, not needed, unnoticed, not for this game. But if it's on PS5, uh, wonderful, noticed, etc. Um, I don't know. I'd have, to, I'd have to do a thorough analysis and do a, do a running tally of all the times they, they praise one console and not the other to make a credible assessment of their bias or non-bias. But, you know, I just don't let it worry you. Like, even if it, even if it's true that they they praise one console more than the other arbitrarily or something, even if it was true, who cares? Who cares, man? Just play play the games. Like Xbox actually tweeted something about this today, didn't they, Rand? 
Yeah, what they, did they tweet? Uh, what did they tweet? Because it was blowing up. Um, you know, because when Xbox or, you know, when they make a tweet, you always see um, people in the comments being like, PlayStation is better, like it really means anything, right? So they tweeted out an hour ago to the people in our replies saying PS5 is better. The best console is the one you enjoy playing. Have fun. Right? So, I mean, yeah. that's pretty much... That's it. And you couldn't really say that any better, you know? I mean... No. You know, you know what's funny is, uh, you know, if you would ask me earlier in the week what console I was using the most, it would be play, it would be the PlayStation 5 because I was playing through Ratchet and Clank. Uh, you know, I like having both systems. You know, I don't need the Switch. I have the Switch, but it's not even hooked up because there's no point in having it. And now with the Steam, <laughs> the Steam Deck, like there's really no point to the Switch anymore, right? Rip. Um, oh, still 30 FPS, man. Oh, damn. You can feel it now. It's still as filmic, huh? Yeah, um, it's still filmic. It's still fun as hell, though. I don't care that it's so Achievement in the Super Chat says, Got all my parts for my game development PC build. Is it okay if I make a Randall tomato-based Pong game? It's really good to hear y'all's voice again. <laughs> we can make all the Rand games you want. But, Jess, how's your uh, Rand game going? You stopped My Rand game? Um, man, I sort of, like, I dropped off because I got busy, and it was like, I wanted. I was. I was learning game dev at the weekend, and it's like, man, I really need my weekends to be my weekend right now. And game dev's hard. Believe it or not. Believe it or not. Uh, unlike certain out, certain outlets implying that uh, game devs don't work hard, game dev is hard, man. Even though doing something as basic as like making a ran tomato bounce around a map and then make weird splashing noises as it collides with objects, that's a lot of surprising amount of work. <laughs> you know, um, I yeah, uh, I just I just dropped off it a little bit, but I do I do want to get back to it. I just I just need I just need them to stop announcing things and stop making games for a bit so I can have a break. What yeah. is it? What is it right now? Like it's a, it's a, everyone's saying like the Xbox has no games this year, but like in a very very short space of time, I I feel like in Start, the day, starting like next week, work. there's like you got. Um, well, you got Death Door next week, and then the week after you're going to have Microsoft Flight Sim and The Ascent and, like, Omno, I think, is another game that comes to Game Pass. And then in August you have Hades, you got Psychonauts 2. Um, I think there's some other games coming to Game Pass in August that are stepping off the top of my head. Um, you know, and then you got Forza in November. You have all the multiplayer games that are coming out in, like, October. You know, Halo, is that coming out in September? Is that coming out in November? Like... Yeah, I don't know, like, it, it kind of feels like the stretch of there being a lot of games is really going to start to hit uh, really, really soon here, which is great. You know, more games, the better, essentially, right? Uh, Eric, he, he clarifies, yes, Series S, Shively 2, love the show, by the way. Well, thank you. So he says it's 60 on, on the Series S. So maybe, maybe it needs an update or something, but it's still 30 on mine. Yeah, Um uh, Fletch says, I think the issue is that the Series X is supposed to be more powerful, or the most powerful, yet the PS5 outperforms it more than it should. People wonder why that is. I mean, that definitely was an issue around launch. You know, but Microsoft does say they are they have full RDNA 2, and maybe those features might become more apparent later on in the gen when developers are more accustomed to it. I don't really know. Me and Jez don't really talk about the tech stuff, and I didn't really talk much about that stuff leading up to the launch of the system, so... 
I think which platform is the lead platform does impact things. Like, if, if a game's been ported from PlayStation, there might be leftover code in the Xbox version which isn't fully compatible or hinders performance in some ways and stuff like that, or it's not optimized properly. I think that is potentially what happens in some cases, but probably not others. Maybe PlayStation just um, handles certain aspects better. Like, if there's, like, um, I don't know, if the streaming of textures is being offloaded more efficiently because of the faster SSD on the PS5. Maybe that can affect performance in some way. There's like a huge amount of factors that potentially go into this. But you have to ask yourselves, is it, is it like, is it like, is the performance delta like, like the Xbox One and the PS4 back in the day where the Xbox One was struggling to hit 720p, you know, and stuff like that. The performance delta is really not like what it was. I think like it's, it's gotten to a point where it's like every single every single frame that's dropped or every single pixel that's you know checkerboarded or something becomes a big issue. But it just it just doesn't matter. Hey, really Xbox doesn't. just replied to my tweet. Oh, what what tweet? Well, it? I replied to them about the PS5 is better. I said Xbox and PlayStation are both awesome. Video games are the best. You notice how I didn't say Nintendo in that tweet, and Xbox uh, replied to that and said, uh, "Yeah, they are." I feel noticed, oh, Dev. I feel noticed. I'm going to ask Xbox what they think of mayonnaise. Oh, you should. You should definitely. What, 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 ask, them what they, ask them what they think of uh, keeping up with the Kardashians as well while you're at it. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think they have time to watch TV, but they have to eat, right? They do. So they might have, a, they might have an opinion of mayo and fries. I've asked Xbox what they think of mayo and fries. You should. That's what they uh, our buddy Sin Vendetta says, the reason I want the Steam Deck isn't for the portability, it's for the fact I can dock it to the TV and play PC games on my OLED. Exciting. That is a pretty damn cool use of the Steam Deck. That is uh, for sure, yeah. being able to do that. Uh, my PC isn't anywhere close to my OLED. So imagine if, like, I was a big PC gamer, and I know there are a lot of people are. I would really consider the Steam Deck just for that. I'd be like, I could get this, and I can hook it up to my, my OLED and play my Steam games on there, so um, definitely, definitely, uh, you know, the Steam Deck is very interesting, and I'm really going to be checking to see how uh, successful that does, that might become, because there have been some, you know, stuff like the Valve Index and, like, the Steam Controller and, like, the Steam Link or whatever that is that didn't exactly set the world on fire, right, so, but, uh, but maybe Don't you just show. want to discuss the Steam Deck now? Um, well, no, 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 no. I just want to get through no. the rest of these Super Chats, and then we'll just start. Oh, the, we still got Super Chats? I mean, yeah, there's a bunch of them. Uh, I want to make sure. Brand out popular, man. I want to make sure, you know, that uh, I get all of them. Um, yeah, Space Dovacan says, hey, Rand and Jez is Crossfire X at time for full exclusive. Um, we don't know. I, I want to say, though, Jez, that I'm pretty sure... Crossfire X is published by Microsoft. Hmm. That is interesting. And I mean, wasn't I mean But PUBG was weird. PUBG was also published by Microsoft. Yeah. And that I was gonna say came PUBG. to uh play, uh PlayStation. So I'm not sure if that means it's a full or timed exclusive. I don't really yeah. know. And they did say uh, people were asking me like, is it coming out this year? They did put out a blog post that said yes, it is supposed to be coming out this year. So in my mind, September seems like a good month because you don't want to launch in October 
because you got Far Cry 6 and you got Battlefield, right? November, you're going to have Call of Duty and potentially Halo. So, like, I feel you either are launching before that or you're launching after that. And if they're not launching in 2022, like, I feel like the only time they could target is, like, a September release. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. But they also might just not care. They also might just be like, you know what, YOLO, slip it out right up against Halo. Yeah, they might, yeah. Because um, it is it is sort of like, you have to remember, Crossfire X is a huge game. Like, we've never heard of it, or certainly I've never heard of it, but it actually is a really huge game, and it's very popular in markets that aren't traditionally Xbox. So they might just be like, Halo, Battlefield, we don't care about these, because in, in the, the game's native arena, those games aren't necessarily a big competitive Crossfire X. It's a bit strange, but... Um, and then if you think about, like, the, the single-player component, which um, supposedly is finished, um, uh, that doesn't necessarily compete with Battlefield and stuff. Like, if you wanted to play, like, a military shooter campaign, like, you know, weirdos who play Call of Duty's campaign but skip the multiplayer, I can't think of anyone who would do that. Mm. Who, who would do that? Who right? would do who that? Would, I don't know. What, what's weirder? Playing Call of Duty campaigns but not the multiplayer? Or <laughs> that's normal. normal. What are you talking about? That's what I what? do. Well, yeah, that's my point. What, what's weirder, that or Mayo and Fries? I think, I think that's weirder, personally. Call of Duty... No, 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 no. <laughs> You're calling me out here, Jazza. My, my, like, you know, account. like the fact that I like to play the Call of Duty campaign and couldn't give a rat's ass about the multiplayer. You know, yeah. At that least is, the Call of Duty campaign yeah, gives me something to look forward to and is and is good. Where Mayo is just disgusting. So there's that. Uh, well, King, you're gonna find out this week, aren't you? Yeah, maybe. King Doobie says, stash it. A small perfume bag used to scent, scent clothes or sachet. 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 Yeah. Not sachet. Whatever. Not sachet, guys. Stop it. You can't do a Rand accent. You can't talk like me. I just did. What? I did earlier. That was a perfect Rand accent. Yeah, sure it was. Smuzz246 says, Jez, love me some garlic aioli on fries, which is mostly mayo. Thanks for the week of content, gents. Thank you. Yes. Special Nick of Xbox Era fame also recommended this to me. Um, I definitely want to try that, and uh, I will endeavor to do so. And uh, Perhaps this week, since I'm out of quarantine now. Flame says, Jazz, we got Clippy back. Long live Clippy. Yeah, we got Clippy yeah. back. Did you see this? I did see 3D emojis for Windows 11. I did. I did see that. And, and Lucas Augustus says, I'll be allegedly installing Muzo on the Steam Deck to allegedly play Switch games at more than 23 frames per second. Yeah, there's something you can definitely do. And speaking of our buddy special special Nick over at Xbox Era, um, where's that ac- ac- Xbox acquisition season at though, bro? I'm waiting <laughs> every day. I'm waiting for you know an Xbox Newswire post or something where you know it says Xbox is welcoming such and such studio to you know uh, to the family. You know, you said it's Xbox acquisition season. I'm looking at my calendar, man. Like, when does acquisition? When did it start, and when does acquisition season end? So I know. Do I need to wake up, like super early, like soon, to be able to like make these videos when Xbox purchases some of these studios? Like, let me know about Xbox acquisition season and the dates for these things. You know what I mean? 
I'm still waiting for Nick to explain the whole shrimp thing, man. Yeah, yeah. No, me too. But, Rand, Xbox did just make a big announcement on their Twitter feed. Did you see? Another one? What What, what was yeah. that? Yeah. I said, what do you guys think of Mayo and Fries? And Xbox replied, tasty. no, get out of here. Jesus. They replied, tasty. Oh, my God. That Xbox has spoken. Uh, you know? This is... See? This has gotten, this has gotten just, uh, this has gotten out of control. What, what, now we got Xbox involved. What, what can I say? Like the, I, I was actually just looking at the Xbox Series S and thinking, you know what? It's not bone cream white. It's more like mayo cream white. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Flame says, Rand, it's over. Xbox likes mayo and fries. We lost. Yeah, we, we have lost. <laughs> But, I mean, what else like, do you expect uh, Xbox to said? They just said, hey, you know what? The PS5 is great, guys. I, I, they're not going to say mayo is disgusting. Of course they're going to say it's tasty. Like, would you expect anything different? Come on. Look, dude. Look, dude. You lost the poll. You lost the Xbox saying that they like mayo and fries. Now you have to eat mayo and fries next week. And you have to tweet a picture of it for us all to see that you actually did try it and that you actually probably will like it because it is incredible. The flavor, the combination of the creaminess of the mayo with the, you know, the, the, the saltiness of the, the McDonald's fries. It's, it's <laughs> heavenly, man. Javier says, uh, plot twist, Jez runs the Xbox Twitter account. You know what? That could very well be the truth. I am, <laughs> a, I am a ketchup guy, Protosex. I am a ketchup guy. Uh, MK Michael says, where were you when the news broke of the Bethesda acquisition? Let us know in chat. I think this is interesting. We know where I was. Waiting for that announcement because I knew it was happening on Twitter so I could retweet it and then start making a video. And I'm sure Jez had pre-written an article about it because we mentioned this before, how uh, how we knew it was being announced because, you know, we were told, right? So what were you doing? I was waiting for the announcement. Did you already write your article so you could be first? I mean, I found out... I said before i found out three in the morning yeah uh, i got a phone call and they were like oh by the way this is happening and i was like what and like I, I think like i nearly dropped the phone i couldn't believe it and then yeah i stayed off and i waited i waited for the announcement so i could publish my article i, I do wish i'd published it five minutes early just 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 to say i was first you know mm-hmm. i didn't want to i didn't want to be a dick and take it away from them but yeah. So I went and I went exactly on six AM, which is when I heard the announcement was taking place and yeah, it was it was a fun time, man. It, it was, was fun. fun it was definitely fun. Uh Sin Vendetta says, Rand, if you don't like mayo by itself, then try mixing mayo and ketchup together. It really is the best of both worlds and tastes delicious. This might might actually have to be what I do. Uh Artie dude, says dude, dude, this is mayo and fries was good or not was actually one of the quizzes in Microsoft Rewards. I saw that. People actually uh tweeted me that. Uh which was actually funny. And uh Polish Kraken says, just remember UK number one selling cookbook was called Fifty Shades of Grey, which came with the Mayo Sachet. Or whatever. Dude. That is legendary. It is very but dude, legendary. I, I I ban you from mixing mayo and ketchup because that is cheating. It, it, although, that is although, not cheating. That's mayo. Mayo and fries. You didn't say anything about not using also ketchup. No, no, no. Mayo and ketchup is delicious, but it's cheating in this case. You have to eat mayo, just mayo with fries. If you put ketchup in it, it voids it. It mm. voids it. I'm sorry, but these yeah. are the rules. 
Burke, you're right. I totally do miss my pneumonia at this point. <clears throat> uh, now i got to somehow eat mayonnaise on fries. But either way, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> we're already like an hour into the show, and we've just been chatting about random stuff. Um, professional podcast. Professional, hey, but people like that stuff, you know what I mean? That's that's why people people like random jazz. We just kind of just talk about whatever's going on. I don't know. I don't know why people like us, but either way, jazz. Um, I know you're. Me and you are both playing something we can't talk about yet. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know if that's ever before, where we well, no, it, it's happened before. It's happened before. Have you been oh. playing anything recently that you want to talk about? I know you kind of got got into Final Fantasy XIV and you basically called World of Warcraft trash. How you yeah. how are you feeling about World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy XIV? Is it that <laughs> good? I think didn't that talk about it last week a bit? Uh, maybe. I mean, I just I just really really short, I guess. Like, how are you feeling about Final Fantasy XIV? I'm loving it actually. Like, it's I actually it took me a good year to get into it. I tried to get into Final Fantasy XIV last year, and I sort of got to like level twenty. I was like, man, the combat's not as good as World of Warcraft. It's slow and it's not as it's not as like action RPG as World of Warcraft like in World of Warcraft and this is one of the reasons World of Warcraft is so popular it's it's so responsive you press a button and shit happens really quickly whereas Final Fantasy 14 it's, it, it is a bit more slow animation you get animation locked a lot you know do you know what I mean yeah. like when you press and it's it's, more, it's almost like more like a tactical RPG it almost feels more like playing Dragon Age than, than playing like World of Warcraft to me because because you are locked in an animation while you're doing stuff um, but I decided to give it another chance because um, World of Warcraft shit the bed basically and uh, a lot of people were you know standing for Final Fantasy 14 shout out to PMS Jordan on Twitter um, who was feeding Final Fantasy propaganda in my in my feed constantly. Uh, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to give it another go. I'm going to give it a serious another go and try to get into endgame and stuff like that. Because people say it gets a lot better at like level 30, level 40, where you get more spells. And indeed, I did find that to be the case. Uh, I'm playing Black Mage, um, which you might know from games like Final Fantasy IX, Final Fantasy, the Final Fantasy V, some of the games that have like job systems in them. Like, um, Black Mage, you know, cast fire, lightning, ice, those kind of spells and stuff like that. Uh, the damage rotation is incredibly complicated. The higher I get, and like, I looked up a guide for the damage rotation and it was like, what the hell is this? Like, like millions of different spells and priority orders and things you have to do. And, you know, I just, I just started to get into it. It's a bit, you know, it's a bit anime, should we say. Like, it's really funny, because there's like, there's a near automata promotion in the game, there's a monster hunter promotion in the game. So every now and then you'll see like, you'll see like something completely random from near automata in the game, or something from monster hunter in the game. It's like, it's a bit weird in that, in that context. But it's a lot of fun, man. I'm really enjoying it so far, and uh, you know, again, it's an MMO, not everyone likes MMOs, and it's a subscription based MMO, a lot of people don't want to pay for them, which is completely fine, but I, uh, I've been having a blast with it. Um, I've also been playing three three other games that I can't talk about because I'm under embargo, which is why um, you know I just I've been so busy this week just playing games that I can't talk about because I'm under embargo. Those are the best but, kind of games you can't talk about, you know. Especially, yeah, yeah, the special ones. I've yeah. actually I've been putting a lot a lot of time on a game I can't talk about yet. Um, 
like a significant amount of time. So that'll be interesting whenever I am. But I, I will say I um the the game I was playing before I got sick was Ratchet and Clank. Came out on PlayStation Five, seventy bucks. Was like you know what I'm gonna get it because you know I like video games. So um, video games are pretty good. Yeah, video games are great. And did you notice, Jez, in my tweet? When I said the PlayStation or Xbox, like play, Xbox and PlayStation are awesome, you notice I didn't put Nintendo in there, right? Yes, we all know. We all know. We all know. You don't like Nintendo. Um, Jeff, Jeff Grubb says you should go over and play Super Smash Bros. Uh, yeah, Super Mario Bros. Right I told, now. I totally would. I totally would go over and play some Smash Bros. with uh, Jeff. Did you see they got? Did you see Arby's sent Jeff and and Mike some stuff for their podcast? Arby's. Yeah, like they like this Arby's thing is kind like, of like a kind of like a running. I wouldn't say like a running joke, but like you know, Jeff wanted to get sponsored by Arby's, so I guess like Arby's saw that on um on their podcast and hit him up on Twitter and sent them like some like uh, clothing and like an Arby's huge hat and they wore it in their podcast and stuff. <laughs> Man, you, you, you didn't say it. it. I would. Have, no, I didn't. I want. I want to sponsor. Who, who would? Who would? Who would you want to sponsor us? Arby's is a fast food chain, right? Yeah. Hey guys, if we get a sponsor for the show, who should we who should we get a sponsor? You know what they're gonna say? They're gonna say, why don't you get a a a, a mayonnaise sponsorship? Oh my god, that'd be so sick. <laughs> or something. Hel- Hellman's mayonnaise? Yeah, or something like that. Man. Like who who would sponsor the Xbox Two? You know, Hellman's mayonnaise. Like I might try and get in touch with them. You know. You should. I, I, do you have Hellman's mayonnaise in the U.S.? No, I'm, we have Hellman's, yeah. I just, you know, I'm not sure. There probably is, uh, a, you know, a mayonnaise one for sure. Yeah, Hellman's, Hellman's mayonnaise is like the, the popular one in the U.K. at least. I'm going to I'm gonna get try and get in touch with them. If, if Jeff can get Arby's, we can get Hellman's, surely. Hellman's mayonnaise, podcast sponsorship. They don't They don't have a big social presence, though, man. They don't. They don't. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna try anyway. Look at everybody saying Hellman's in chat. <laughs> they're just running, they're just running with this whole thing, man. It's, uh, it, it's, 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 it's awesome to see, uh, the, the stuff. So, uh, Eric Franklin wants to, uh, reiterate in chat. Sorry guys, the Series S 60 FPS patch is coming sometime this month. News is on the official site. So, uh, yeah, so, uh, for, uh, Chivalry 2, just, uh, it's coming soon, Jez. So, that, that'll be, that'll be great. Um, so yeah, Ratchet. I finished it. Um, I will say, Insomniac are incredible at what they do. Like they put out Miles Morales and Ratchet and Clank pretty much, you know, at the launch of the PlayStation Five. Um, and it's one of the best looking games I've ever played. I was playing in performance ray tracing mode at 60 frames, and it plays. You know, it plays great. It looks incredible. The problem for me with Ratchet, and it's just a me thing, okay, is I'm not the biggest fan of the Ratchet games, right? Um, I don't really care too much for the story. Like, everything else is, like, the highest quality you can possibly imagine, the way the game looks, the way the game plays, uh, the voice acting and all that stuff. So, But, like, the story just really didn't grab me in a way that I'm sure probably grabs other people. Um, and the combat loop is just basically the same as it was during the PS2. You know, it's got some wacky weapons and stuff like that, but, um, I enjoyed my time with it for sure. Uh, I just, 
I just don't love Ratchet like a lot of other people do, I guess, is what I'm what I'm trying to say. I liked Returnal more, or at least if I would rec... Well, see, it's difficult because, like, Returnal's a harder game. But, like, for me, if I would rate the PlayStation exclusives that I've played so far, Returnal would be number one. Like, I think Returnal at least gave me the most enjoyment out of the ones I've played. And then I'd be, like, Miles Morales, and then I'd say Ratchet. Like, and I think mostly it's because Ratchet just, it's, I'm just not a fan of the franchise. Um, it's just, like, playing it, it just, playing it, it's just like, yep, this is a Ratchet game, and it's like, the same as it's kind of been since, you know, the PS, the PS2, you know, but it just looks like one of the best games ever made, you know, so, um, you know, then there's a talk about the $70 stuff and all that, you know, whatever, it's like, is it worth $70? Well, it's like, well, I don't know, like, I, maybe, I mean, I guess it really depends, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very solid game, and if you love Ratchet, you'll probably love it, but I just wasn't enamored with it as much as a lot of other people, I guess, is, is what it is, you know? It looks, it looks really cool, like, it was, it was one of the games from the, the sort of, you know, the hype cycle going into next gen, one of the games that I thought looked the most interesting from a visual, visual animation coolness perspective, but alas, I don't have a PlayStation and I have no interest in buying one. So. Yeah. Axel said, didn't you say effing ridiculous in a rage when you played Returnal? I did, because the game crashed on me at, like, the final level, so yeah, I was pretty pissed off because I lost a three-hour run. Um, You know, but like, like I said, I, I'm just talking about it as an enjoyment. Like, I enjoyed Returnal more than Ratchet, and Ratchet is a is a quality game. You can see it through and through, and Insomniac is a great developer. It's just, you know, I'm just not the biggest fan of Ratchet. That's really all there is to it. Like, I just, I don't know. That's all there really is to say. I mean, I enjoyed my time with it, but, like, I wouldn't replay it. I didn't bother going for all the trophies because the game didn't grab me like that. The combat little kind of worn thin towards the end, um, you know, but... uh I'm I'm very interested in seeing what Insomniac does next. You know, do they do Spider-Man 2? Do they do Sunset Overdrive 2? Uh, you know, because they, cause they basically, you know, <laughs> they can pump out games like nobody else. So, uh, Sin Vendetta says, the Xbox 2 sponsored by Kraft Mayo. That'd be interesting, right? Kraft <laughs> Mayo. Artemis, so I, I, have, I, have, um, I have Acid Hellman's. I'd say. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I said, hey guys, we just, just wanted to let you know we love Mayonnaise, the Xbox 2 podcast. You guys have me Hellman's merchandise we can use to help tell our audience about the deliciousness of Hellman's mayo. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if something will happen from this. Probably not, but, you know. You gotta try, right, Rand? Yeah, you gotta try, you gotta try. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, some of these, you know, obviously uh, we have a lot of topics here. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure you uh, hit the like button. Uh, it's really important to share it out on social media. That always helps because YouTube does a horrible job of notifying people. But, Jez, which one of these topics do you want to talk about first? You want to talk about the Steam Deck thing? Yeah. You want to talk about the Steam Deck? Like, do you want to talk about how, like, because here's how I kind of positioned it for the show. And look, we have special Nick in the chat. Creator, co-creator of Xbox Era, purveyor of rumors and inside information. Nick, we 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 basically said earlier in the show that you know the secret of 
the shrimps and what it really means. Um, and also, uh, I, I want to know when I want to know when acquisition season for Xbox starts and when it ends, so I can put it in my calendar, so I can know like what days and like what time frame I can kind of like know to like get up early to check the Xbox Newswire to see if they've acquired some studios. So. Yeah, I, I would like that too. It would really, really help me out with my scheduling. So that'd yeah. be that'd be. That'd I be mean, cool. we want Xbox acquisition season to start. You know, we, Xbox only has 23 studios. Like, we have people in the Discord that are like, you know, hashtag 30 by 2022, and you know, Microsoft needs to get seven more studios. Yeah. You know, not not, not enough studios, man. Needs more. Oh, Nick says, why do you just assume just Xbox? I don't know, because you said it on an Xbox podcast with Cole Eastwood. Oh. Oh. Okay, okay Nick. I, I see the game you're playing here. I see I see what you're doing. Uh, Pinkwood says, prefer mayo than tomato sauce. As tomato sauce, it's like Nintendo. It's overrated. I might play Ratchet, though, if the Netflix rumors are true. Yeah, we need to talk about that. But we talk about the Steam Deck thing here, and... You know, just we mentioned before, uh, you know, the, the capabilities of the machine, RDNA 2, all that stuff, Series S, blah, 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 blah. Um, but obviously we're an Xbox podcast, so I kind of wanted to make it more like, is this Steam Deck the Xbox handheld? Like, is this the Xbox handheld that Microsoft could have made or should have made? Or do you see people buying this because, well, all the, all the Xbox games are on Steam anyways? Like, how do you view the Steam Deck in regards to to Xbox? I guess it's it's definitely interesting. I I can't. I'm not sure if Microsoft is aware of it or it's talking by surprise a bit. I will say that I have heard that Microsoft has been exploring handheld stuff for a while um, in their research labs, seeing if they can come up with a a concept that sort of makes sense. Because for XCloud, it's a little bit different. And like, but Steam's Steam's gone ahead and done something completely native, custom custom AMD chips, and uh, it's a pretty beefy device too, you know. And like I say, I was talking about GPD earlier. GPD already make handheld gaming PCs. This isn't this isn't a new thing. I suppose like what makes it unique is that it uses Valve's Proton stuff to translate Windows games over to Linux. Um, I have no idea how well that works and stuff like that, but I guess we're going to find out in a big way later this year. Um, but that's the thing. It's like you can put Windows on it. And like the Steam machines of the past, a lot of people, most people, just put Windows on it because dealing with Linux and, you know, Steam OS or whatever it's called isn't totally pleasant shall we say, a lot of times. Mm-hmm. At least it wasn't back then. Maybe things have changed now. Maybe Valve's like put a lot of effort into making it a more polished experience and stuff like that. And at the same time, would you really want to use Windows on a tiny screen like that? It's not a pleasant experience. Like on the GPD Win, for example, with, with running full Windows 10, just launching a game is an absolute pain. You have to like use the, the joystick to move move over to Steam and like the icons are really tiny and stuff like that. It's uh, it's not a pleasant experience running Windows on a screen that small. But you can dock it. So it is like, it does have that argument there that you can like plug it in and sort of 
have just have all your games lined up on the desktop ready to like be tapped on or whatever. And also the Steam Deck does have like those mouse style touch pads on it. And it's it's just a really interesting device. It opens up a, t- a ton of possibilities. Obviously, it could be used for XCloud. Um, if you you know you're running Windows on it, you can probably run XCloud through it and stuff like that. And Xbox Game Pass, be able to run Xbox Game Pass games natively as well if you're running Windows on it. Um, so you know, it's but it does it does sort of beg the question, doesn't it? And the fact that it sold really well, Valve servers crashed dealing with <laughs> yeah, games, but, uh, people are scalping them on eBay for two thousand dollars and higher already. Um, it kind of does imply that this thing might end up being pretty popular. Um, and, you know, it sort of leaves Microsoft in a place where it's kind of like, well, you guys have all the technology in-house to do this. Maybe you should have launched it with xCloud, you know? Um, maybe. But at the same time, like, this is native. It's sort of it's sort of a different argument to make. I suppose, like, oh, it's really interesting. You have to think about, like, could they shrink the Xbox One and put it on a handheld at this point? Is the te- Has the technology come along that far that they could do that? Or could they shrink an Xbox Series S and do that in the near future? You know, um, or, like, using some custom AMD stuff. It's really interesting to think about because, Mobility clearly is an important factor in the modern gaming industry. Like, I don't, I don't think Nintendo will ever make a console that isn't portable ever again. Probably I not. Think, yeah, I agree no. with you. Probably not. Yeah, I think every Nintendo console moving forward has a screen and a dock. I think that's that is just obvious because in the modern world, in the modern smartphone world, um, people want to want devices they can take with them. And as, as like, companies compete for our engagement with TikTok and Instagram and social media and TV apps, like, they're sort of, we've gotten to a point where it's like, they need us, to, they need to be with us 24-7 to get our money. And like Microsoft's play there was, we'll put an app on your phone. But Nintendo's play was, we'll put a whole native console in your pocket. And I think, like, Native has still has so many advantages over XCloud. Like, Rand, I was I was I know you're not into XCloud, but I've started using it fairly regularly. Like in bed, before I go to bed, I usually play something on XCloud, like one of the simpler games. But I I started to realize that there's not a lot of games on XCloud that are fun to play on XCloud. Mm. Like, like I like games that are you can get into really fast. You can get out of really fast. Like, I don't have to wait for a cutscene to finish. I don't have to, like, save my game. I don't have to, like, load into the game and log in and stuff like that. So a lot of the games I'm playing on XCloud are these sort of, like, almost mobile phone-like games like Monster Train and Slay the Spire, which are, like, really easy to play in short bursts. A lot of XCloud games just aren't good for that. And even more XCloud games don't even have touch controls. So, like, I tried playing Pillars of Eternity on xCloud the other day and it's it's a nightmare it really is like the 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 controller controls for pillars of attorney are pretty bad anyway but like combine that with touch controls and it gets like it's an extra layer of bad you know like you can do it and i'm sure like if i practiced i'd get to a point where it's like i can i can just about do this 
But then, it, but then I just like, well, or I could just spend half an hour playing Monster Train, which is so much easier to play. So I think like Microsoft has a huge to make xCloud work. They've they've still got a content problem. Like if if the play is that you stream a game to your phone with touch controls, the games need to make sense on a phone. Like whereas with Steam and Nintendo Switch, they've got bigger screen, they've got joysticks and all that kind of stuff. Microsoft doesn't have an answer to that right now, and it kind of sucks. Like, xCloud is, like, halfway between a phone and, like, something with with actual full-blown joysticks and stuff. So I think it did catch Microsoft with their pants down a little bit. You think so? I do, I do, yeah. I, I don't I know. Do I kind of feel like they would know about this, you know? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But it's sort of like... I, so- how do you feel? I want, I want them to have an answer to this. They need to have an answer to this. And well, I don't think what if, what, right now is enough. Well, we know that Phil and Gabe talk uh, quite a bit. I mean, it's been reported that they do. What if somehow Microsoft and Valve make an agreement and, you know, maybe they put a, the Xbox Game Pass app on the, you know, the device? And it becomes, it could become the de facto Xbox handheld in that regard, Right. Um, yeah, like, I mean, because the question is, because I put out a poll on my Twitter yesterday, because I because because I, I saw the thing and I'm like, this I think this is smart by Valve, right? Like you have people who play on PC, you have thousands of games, right? Like here's a very good handheld device, like the Switch Pro that everybody wanted. Valve went out and made, right? And you can tell they're probably taking a bath on that $400 model, right? I think I think even Gabe said that that like. That choice was painful, right? So here you have Nintendo, uh, you know, just only doing a a, 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 a bigger screen with OLED and, and and nothing more. Uh, and what was it? They it was like ten dollars more expensive to do, and they're charging fifty dollars more. So of course they're making huge profit. Here's here's Steam, and they're like, we're gonna make, you know, a handheld where. Not only can you you play all your Steam games, which you know a lot of people have their Steam games. Not only are you going to be able to play Xbox games because Xbox puts all their games on Steam, so you own the system, you'll be able to play, you know, Halo Infinite, Forza Horizon Five, right? Um, you know, at a, at a probably better resolution, uh, you, you know, lower latency than you would with XCloud. But then, like, PlayStation's putting their games on Steam, right? We know that. Uh, but then, you don't even, like, you could completely uninstall the OS and install Windows and, in, and, and install the Windows 10 store. Uh, you can install, like, emulators. Like, this really seems like, a, um, you know, like, like a really, really, uh, I don't know, like a very, very interesting device for a lot of people. I don't know. I, I think that's kind of the way I see it. When I first saw it, my immediate thought was, oh, my God, HTC Vive costs $1,000 or whatever. This is probably going to be like $800 or, six, or, you know. It's going to be expensive was my first thought. And then I saw the price, and I was like, my God, that's actually that's actually pretty reasonable, you know, um, especially considering Nintendo Switch made an, like a Switch OLED, which cost them an extra $10 supposedly, and they're selling it at like $350. That's an absolute joke. Absolute joke. No changes except the OLED screen. Nintendo really do think their fans are dumb. And, oh, well, they 
seems like they've already sold out of them, so maybe I'm dumb, I don't know. But, alas, it is what it is. And I think uh, it'll be interesting to see how Microsoft plays this, because I do think Microsoft has to have a device that showcases xCloud at its best, because I don't think touch controls are good enough. For most of the content that's on xCloud, touch controls are not good enough. Screen sizes on a mobile phone are not good enough. You need a seven-inch screen, and you need thumbsticks to play a lot of these games. I don't think, like, like the Surface Duo, the, the dual-screen Surface Duo, where the, the touch controls are on the bottom display, I think that is the, the best solution, maybe, for Microsoft to double down on. But even that is kind of like, man, I don't know. It's sort of, I just wonder what they're going to do. Like, are they going to throw everything in the Surface Duo 2? Because they are making a Duo 2. Is the Duo 2 going to have haptics and act like, like the, the joysticks are sort of haptic-based instead and stuff like that? Could they do that and make it work? Will they have a bigger display? Stuff like that. Because, like I say, a lot of the games just don't aren't fun to play on a phone because of the text sizes, the, the way the controls handle with touch and all that sort of stuff, but... I don't know. It's a cool device, and I think with the Stream Deck, it's. I keep calling it the Stream Deck because yeah, I know, right? Really, because of Elgato. Yeah. Yeah. So Elgato has the Stream Deck, and Steam has Valve has the Steam Deck. Anyway, I do think the Steam Deck is a cool device, cool tech, cool shake with the industry yeah. potentially. Potentially. And uh, I'm interested to see where it goes, but you know, Valve's track record in hardware is not that great, man. It is. I, I wonder if it's competition for the Switch, but then it's like ah, Nintendo. People just, I don't know, like, I don't, people buy Nintendo for Nintendo games. Yeah, they buy Nintendo for Nintendo games. I don't think, I don't think Nintendo needs to be too worried about, about the Steam Deck. And my whole, like, no. entire Twitter feed was people pre-ordering things. And it seems like, I don't know, it just kind of seems like if you're an Xbox gamer, you can get it because, you know, you, you can play games on Steam and you can install the Windows 10 store and all that stuff. And it, it just seems like it's a better, handheld than the Switch, but then the Switch has Nintendo games, and it's the only place to play Nintendo games, and that's kind of the way it is. Uh, but, with, like, I don't know, like, how do you feel, like, if you had to put a number from 1 to 10 on Xbox making a proper handheld? Because I put out a tweet yesterday, because I was curious, because, you know, Microsoft has Xbox Game Streaming or xCloud, you know, on, on all these devices. So I put out a tweet that said, hey, with Steam doing a handheld and Nintendo doing Nintendo, should Xbox consider making an actual proper handheld device? Or is Xbox game streaming on iPhones and Androids enough? Because it's like, hey, most people own a phone, and Xbox already has streaming to people's phones. So would it be worth the R&D to actually make an Xbox handheld and actually put one out? Maybe they put yeah. one out and it doesn't do well and it bombs and it's kind of just a big mistake. And that's the prize. Yeah, and I got six sixty five hundred votes on this and fifty eight percent said no, Xbox doesn't need one and forty one percent said yes, Xbox should make one and I thought it would be closer and I actually thought it would be uh, Xbox should make one because a lot of Xbox fans have been asking for a dedicated handheld. Yeah. But I do wonder in the sense that, like, hey, everybody owns an iPhone and everybody owns all these different things and Xbox game streaming is on there. It's like, do you need 
a proper handheld. I mean, do you need a proper handheld now that Steam is in, in the game and you can essentially play all those Xbox games on it? So, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Like, on a scale of 1 to 10, Jess, how do you – how do you feel – like, do you think in the next couple of years Xbox will release a proper handheld? One being absolutely not, no way. Ten being 100% they're going to release one. Like, where do you sit on that? Microsoft make a handheld. I I don't think they will, personally. Okay. I think, like, I – well, I'm going to rephrase that. I don't think they should. Oh, I think okay. what I would prefer is that Microsoft collaborates with the Surface team to make the Surface Duo 2 or 3 the best possible gaming Android phone that it can be. Because I don't want to carry around two devices. I want a device, I want one handheld device that can do everything, personally. I would love, I think, like, the Steam Deck is great if you don't own a PC. Like, you can think of it like it's a low, it's a budget, low power PC. It's a $400 PC that can run every game on Steam to some degree, supposedly. Like, I doubt you're going to be playing Cyberpunk and Max settings on this thing. But, you know, with the advancements in, like, artificial intelligence, resolution of scaling, and all that kind of stuff, who knows? Like, it's, it's exciting sort of tech. But I don't think it makes sense for Microsoft to make a device that's sort of dedicated to this when they have xCloud. I would rather I would rather see them, they can keep putting their games onto Steam to be used on the Steam Deck and make money on the Steam Deck that way. I would rather see Microsoft, part, I would rather see Xbox and Surface collaborate on making the Surface Duo 2 or 3 the best handheld device for gaming it can be for xCloud. Like, Surface Duo right now doesn't even have 5G. Like, how are you going to come out here and advertise Xbox Game Pass on the Surface Duo when it's only running 4G? You know what I mean? So, I think that, like, when I play, like, Yakuza Like a Dragon on the Surface Duo, it's just great. And it's like, yeah, this is what I want. I want a single phone device that can do everything. Cloud stream gaming and Android phone stuff, you know. Um but I think, like, that'll only happen if Xbox and Surface work together. The Surface team don't necessarily understand what gamers need, and, like, the Xbox team don't necessarily understand what, you know, Android users need. But, like, well, frankly, Surface team doesn't understand what Android users need, considering the phone doesn't even have NFC and stuff like that. But, like I say, it's the first version. I would like to see them double down on the Duo instead of trying to make a dedicated Xbox handheld. That's what I, I think they should do. I don't think they need to make a dedicated Xbox handheld. Like, what would even run it? The, would it run games natively? Like, why? Yeah, sell there's that game? question. It's like, would it would it run natively? Does it need an NVMe? Is it just going to be uh, xCloud? I don't know. There's a lot of things they would need to parse through. But, I don't know. It, 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 Valve entering this space, it's, it's definitely going to shake things up and be interesting. But... Like you said, their track record hardware is not the best. Uh, it could be just the hardcore buying it, but it's definitely. I mean, I understand why people would want this. I know some. I've seen some people out there being like, "Oh, I see people clowning seventy-dollar games and how they wouldn't buy it." You know, suddenly buying six hundred fifty-dollar handhelds, but it's like, yo, that six hundred fifty-dollar handheld might give them access to literally their entire Steam library, or mm. emulators, or a whole bunch of different things that. 
a single $70 game that may or may not have a bunch of replayability doesn't. You know what I mean? And considering, yeah. like, most of the $70 games I've played aren't, don't seem worth $70. I don't see the $10 increase. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, hey, look, look at, like, the, the, the sports games that are now 70 and all these different other games are now $10 more expensive. But when you play them, it's like, yeah, I'm not really seeing where the extra $10 went to. Like, it, these games should still be 60 It's You know what I mean? So, yeah. I don't know. It's uh, just, I kind of agree with you. Like, I don't think Xbox should make a handheld. But if they do make a handheld, then they better make it sooner rather than later. You know? Yeah, I've, I've kind of like I've changed my opinion on this a bit because I used to think like before I before I got my hands on a Surface Duo, I I thought like yeah Xbox should make a handheld, but now I've used the Surface Duo, it kind of just feels like they should just double down on making the Surface Duo their handheld. Like if that means they make an attachment with joysticks, whatever. If that means like they make they they use haptics to like virtual joysticks, fine. If it means they make a bigger screen or make it thicker or, or whatever, fine. But I don't think they should make. I don't think they should make a native gaming PC um, to take on the Steam Deck. I think they should just let Va- let Valve eat the cost on that and just do a deal with them to get Xbox Game Pass on it or something, um, something like that. I don't yeah, know. I agree. But I'm sure. I'm sure that's what they're negotiating right now. Yeah. Like, it would make the probably, most sense. It would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, Shane. They should, put, they should put Xbox Game Pass cloud streaming on Nintendo Switch, and they should put full Xbox Game Pass for PC on the Steam Deck. Um, that's what I think. Right. Um, got a couple super chats here, and we're going to change the discussion. Uh, Blue Wave says, rip Nintendo. Uh, James Riggs says, welcome back, gorgeous. We missed you. And Shane says, nice to see you back and well, Rand Blessed. Thank you guys for all the uh, support. It's very good to be back. Doing the podcast with Jez and making regular videos. Um, you know, Phil Spencer did some uh, interviews uh, recently, Jez, where he talked about, you know, risky sort of uh, ventures and narrative games and how, you know, there there isn't like a mandate for Xbox Game Studios to make a game a certain way. Um, but uh, when he was on Kind of Funny... The one I think maybe the one that got the most traction was he talked about the PlayStation controller, and he talked about how you know he Sony Sony's done a good job and that there's some things that they could essentially learn from what Sony did, and it almost made it seem kind of like I don't know the next Elite controller is going to have haptic feedback and maybe a, a, adaptive triggers. You know what I mean? Like how do you, do you think that's something that's uh, realistic that? That, you know, Elite Series 3 comes out in a year, and, you know, for 200 bucks, you know, it has all these different features, but it has some of the PS5 stuff that they, they did with the DualSense, like haptic feedback and adaptive triggers. Do you think, Phil, just complementing the PS5 controller is just a passing sort of thing, or do you think it means more? I don't – maybe it's just a passing sort of thing, like – it's funny, you know. I see I see people having mixed feelings about the adaptive triggers. Like, what what do you think of adaptive? Triggers? I hate the adaptive triggers. I don't like them whatsoever. Yeah. I love that. I love the haptic um, feedback on the grips, and that is the one feature I do. I would like to see uh, in a revision of the Xbox controller. I like that feel, that tactile feel you get. I am not a fan of the adaptive triggers, but that might mean I haven't really seen a good 
case study for it yet. And it really does seem like most of the uses for it in the games I played on PlayStation are like, hold it halfway for regular fire and press it full way for alt fire or a different way of firing. And I don't really think that's that creative. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I just I just do not like the adaptive adaptive triggers, and I'll play around with them for a bit, but I usually find myself turning them off. Um, well, and then you see a bunch of people talking about how uh, it breaks their controllers and stuff like that. I don't know. Personally, I feel this this means something more than just Phil, you know, complimenting PlayStation. But I want to know what you think. I think what it could mean is potentially we get haptics. Because I feel like haptics is probably easier to implement and also has a sort of broader applications. I I would be surprised if they included the adaptive triggers. I would be especially surprised if they included adaptive triggers as an exclusive feature of the more expensive SKU because that's not how you get developers to use them. You know, you want them on your standard controller. So personally, I don't. And but at the same time, I don't think like. They've just they've just released a new controller brand, a uh, new controller SKU or whatever. I don't think I think it would be kind of lame if they released like a new version of the standard controller that had adaptive triggers and haptics and sort of cut people off from features that weren't there at launch. So I kind of feel like if they do adaptive triggers, maybe they'll do it with the next gen and as in like the next generation, maybe. But I think, like, haptics is something that they could and maybe should introduce. And also it's something they should explore, you know, for, like I, like I said earlier, the Surface Duo. So, like, if they're doing, like, technology on haptics, which have become really popular in a lot of other applications and stuff, I think, like, some, some of the modern phones now have, like, more higher fidelity haptic, haptic feedback for, like, touching the screen and stuff. Um there is that sort of tech coming down the line, down the pipeline and stuff. So yeah, I can see haptics happening, but I can't see I can't see the adaptive stuff happening. Yeah. But who knows? Who knows? Um, what, Maybe it's more popular than we think. Yeah. Um, he also like in the interview with the Guardian talked about um, like risky like risky games. Um, he, like because he because the, the article was basically saying like, hey, Xbox has these games as a service, right? Like we know Sea Thieves. Games of Service, Halo is going to be Games of Service, and there is that misconception, uh, you know, around uh, that a lot of people use as like a, I don't know, sort of uh, slight towards Xbox that uh, a lot of the games they make are just only going to be uh, these uh, live service games that have seasons and last forever, and they're not going to make these single player experiences that a lot of people do want because a lot of people do. And, you know, Phil went out there to basically quell that and said, no, there's actually more of these narrative-driven games in development in Xbox now than ever before, right? Matt Booty came out in the same interview and said there's no mandate to make a certain style of game. And, like, how do you feel in this regard of Microsoft basically saying, you know, there's no mandate to make games as a service, uh, there's there's going to be more narrative-driven games. Like, does that excite you? Because it is, I guess it really depends on the type of gamer you are. Because it excites me because, sure, I'll get into a games as a service. Like, everybody knows I was into PUBG for 900 hours. 
and I was into Apex Legends and stuff, but, like, I'm not into Sea of Thieves. I'll get into Halo for sure, but I'm not going to get into Forza Motorsport. And sometimes when you see, like, a Games of the Service comes out, and if you're not into it, it kind of just doesn't exist to you. And because these games kind of release few and far between, like, Apex Legends is always going to be Apex Legends, but if you're not interested in it, Apex Legends might not even really exist, right? Uh, to you. Same yeah. thing with, like, Call of Duty Warzone. If it's not something you care about, it might as well not exist. So, um, I guess that for you, like, are you more, do you want more of the uh, the games as a service for, from Xbox, or are you looking forward to more of these risky, narrative-driven games that Phil says, you know, are more in development now than ever before? I'm like... I'm kind of like you, but my gaming my gaming habits evolve. Like my my job disrupts what games I play often. Like I'll pl- I'll play games for work that I would never have played otherwise, and then be like, oh, I actually really enjoyed that. And then I like go off and explore like a whole genre and stuff like that. Like I was I always played Final Fantasy turn based JRPGs, but I never bothered exploring like some of the other ones like Dragon Quest or. You know, and also I never bothered exploring the Yakuza series until I had to, like, as part of work. And then, like, I found out, hey, I actually do really enjoy these. So, um, I think, and honestly, Rand, I've spoken to people at Xbox about this. Because there is always this narrative that, um, people look at what other corporations do. For example, Activision. They look what Activision does. And Activision, they make games as a service games almost entirely. Like, there's, there's, it's very rare that Activision makes something that isn't a game as a service. Activision own King, who make Candy Crush, etc. They also own Blizzard, which make World of Warcraft, etc. Diablo 3, supposedly, Diablo 4, sorry, supposedly is always online, so that you can call that a game as a service. Overwatch is obviously a game as a service, you know, etc., etc. Um, and people look at what Activision is doing, and like, the way, like, the, I mean, the, the most obvious example I can use is World of Warcraft, and I promise mm-hmm. I'll be brief on this. But the way World of Warcraft has evolved over time is that they've added more time-gating mechanics. They've added more of these, like, cliffhanger narrative elements to sort of try and, you know, keep you hanging on and keep you interested in the story. Nothing ever gets resolved in World of Warcraft, which is why a lot of fans are backlashing against it right now. Aren't, like, a, lot of fan, aren't a lot of fans leaving for Final Fantasy fourteen too? Yeah. Yeah, because of, because of the way they've handled it, and because of the way Activision has evolved the business model of World of Warcraft to make it a game as a service to try and retain users, they've they've lost sight of what makes you retain users. And Rand, that's having a good fucking game. That is true. They lost sight of this. So when they're obsessed looking at their spreadsheets, being like, "Oh yeah, we need we need more mechanics that drive player retention month over month, whatever." They forget that you actually need to have a good game underneath it, which is why like people are really pissed at World of Warcraft because there's like there's been this like two or three year storyline about this particular character, and it was supposed to get resolved with this patch, and it's still not resolved. It's still like tune in next time, guys. We promise next patch you'll have some explanations for what's going on. So they made me not care about the story by by treating treating by catering to this this model of play a game as a service. And also with the gear time gating, the randomness, the RNG, like you never you can't just sort of you can't get things you want easily in World of Warcraft. I mean it's always been the case in them that like 
there's like a, a, there's an element of randomness to getting the gear, getting the gear. But it's gotten so bad in World of Warcraft. I killed 40 bosses and didn't get a single upgrade for like two months. And I was like, I'm done now. I am done with this. Like they they they're taking the piss now with this random this gear drought stuff. So because they they want you to think like, oh, if we give them too much gear, they'll get bored and quit before we get the the new content out, right? So. I think, like, if a company goes all in with the, this mentality that um, that you have a game as a service because you want to drive Game Pass subscriptions, you'll eventually end up with a situation like World of Warcraft where people realize that you're taking the piss out of them. And I think, like, more than ever, people are, are afraid of this. People are super hyper-aware of the fact that these games as a service, these mobile games, too, which sort of have these time-gating mechanics, like... You can play for a few hours today and come back tomorrow. But, hey, if you want to play some more today, give us some money, you know, to try and, you know, create player retention or whatever. People are sort of, especially in the core, we're, like, more aware of this than ever and have, like, this... And people who, like, dislike Xbox or whatever, they they weaponize this fear. They weaponize this fear that to drive Game Pass subs, Microsoft needs to have a relentless games yeah. as a service. But I disagree. And, I, and I've spoken to people at Microsoft about this fear. And Microsoft, thank God, Microsoft also disagrees. They don't see Xbox Game Pass as the only business for Xbox moving forward. They see it as part of a plurality of businesses. They still value retail. They still want to sell games at retail. Flight Simulator is coming out at retail. They still care about retail sales. They still care about making consoles. They've already talked about making the next Xbox Series X, Xbox Series X2 or whatever. They're already working on it. So for them, and this extends to Game Pass itself, they don't want to be, they don't want to make games just for people who want games as a service. They want to make games for everyone. And, you know, everyone has different tastes. And it's actually pretty split. Like there's people who like, there are people who primarily play RPGs. There's people who primarily play shooters. There's people who prim- primarily play games as a service. And the way you get more subscribers and keep people happy is to cater to evolving tastes and plurality of tastes. Like, for example, like a game as a service game, that's not going to work for someone who's just had a baby. You know. Yeah. Well, that, that, like people, that's what I was going to bring up. It's right, like you, you, you having a baby? Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, not 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 that. Oh my not god. That. Congratulations. And you know you know what you know what Nick did in the chat? He said Rand smells and now everybody in chat saying that saying I smell uh and smell oh. like mayonnaise and stuff. He's mean. He's mean. But no, I was saying like like Xbox like games as a service only appeals to a certain set of gamers, but they want Xbox Game Pass to appeal to everybody. They're obviously going for diversity. So like if you if you want to appeal to everybody, you need as many different types of games as you can possibly get, which means the multiplayer games, which means the indie games, but also means the single-player narrative-driven games, right? So if you want those people to subscribe to your service, you actually have to provide those games for your service, you know? Like, yes. so it's like, you know, you you want the kid, like Phil's talked about having a, a kid studio, right? Having more e-friendly content for Game Pass. And they really should, because once you can sort of get the, if you have a really creative kid game or a game for younger people, and then you you get those kids asking their parents for Xbox or for Game Pass, that's kind of how it really begins, right? 
Yeah. So it's like you need every sort of thing. So I always found this idea, like you did, crazy, ridiculous, stupid, ill-founded, that all the games from Xbox's first party would strictly be uh, games as a service because it's like that's not the type of game uh, Obsidian's good at. That's not the type of game Ninja Theory's good at. That's not the type of game Double Fine is really good at, or even some of the Bethesda studios like Arcane or, you know, um, uh, like id Software. Like, they make really, you know, single-player-focused experiences. So while it does make sense for Halo Infinite to be a game as a service and maybe even Forza Motorsport and stuff like that, it doesn't make sense for all the other developers they have. It doesn't make sense for Ninja Theory to come out and make a game as a service. Like, what is Ninja Theory good at? They're good at making, you know, a, a narrative-driven cinematic experience. And that's what Hellblade 2 is going to be. Like, what is Obsidian good at? They're good at making single-player RPGs that you can play for a long-ass time. And that's what they're making with Avowed and Outer Worlds 2 and stuff like that. It, I don't know. Like, it was this, like, ridiculous notion that people would use to sort of, like, downplay the number of studios they have and, like, fear-monger what Game Pass could do, right? Or was yeah. going to do. I mean, I, I've literally, people literally use an old, uh, people use an old tweet against me. Like, I tweeted out ages ago, like, if you want experiences like God of War and stuff like that, you should go to PlayStation. Like, uh, to, and people, people take that to imply that I'm saying that they'll never be, you know, not hot, you know, Hollywood level narrative action games on, on Xbox, single player, whatever. People take that to, to me and I was saying that. And, you know, for a time, I really did, to some degree, believe that was probably the case, that Microsoft would never, you know, put the money where their mouth is and really fund these kind of experiences for us. And uh, they've completely proven me wrong, you know. Like, Hellblade looks like it could be become that single-player narrative action game that everyone saying for years Xbox desperately needs. And, mm. you know, Psychonauts 2 is, is a multiplayer, to be fair, but, you know, they've, it looks like mm -hmm. it could be a sort of an answer to that question of Microsoft having a, a property that's accessible to, you know, people of all ages, you know. Um, I presume Psychonauts 3, if indeed they do make one, and I presume they probably will, um, I presume that'll be Xbox exclusive, right? Um, there's an entire generation of people who grew up with Psychonauts, and they have a huge amount of nostalgia for it. Psychonauts 2 was crowdfunded by thousands of people who wanted to see that game come back. And Psychonauts 2 is not a game as a service in any way, shape, or form. And Psychonauts 3 won't be a game as a service in any way, shape, or form. Because that's not what Double Fine does. Microsoft's going to let these studios make what they make best. And for some of them, that's, that's just not service games, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, some studios want to dabble in that stuff. You know, Obsidian has their grounded side project. And uh, Ninja Theory had Bleeding <laughs> Ninja Edge. Ninja Theory had Bleeding Edge, yeah. Rest its, rest its gentle soul. Rest its soul, um, yeah. But that's not what, people, you know, Kurt Wayne's development. They got Project Mara and Hellblade 2, but I get yeah. it, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, they they tried. And I think, like, every, every developer thinks, like... Because at the end of the day, developers make games they want to play, you know. And maybe, like... I, I mean, I remember I interviewed Ronnie Tucker back in the day. I'm terrible at interviewing people, um, but it was su it was super interesting. She was she was really great. Um, she described how like she played you know 
games like League of Legends and Heroes of the Storm, and she wanted to make a MOBA and stuff like that, and it was a dream to make a MOBA, and, and then, like, because of Ninja Theory's, you know, experience making hack and slash games, it sort of evolved from being a MOBA to being sort of like a, a, a battle arena kind of game and stuff like that. And, um, you know, and it, it didn't do that well, and they, they, they dropped off it because it, you know, didn't resonate or whatever. But I honestly had quite a lot of fun with that game. Like, mind-controlling people into the slime with this, the snake dude was absolutely hilarious. Like, I got a bunch of montages up on yeah. on the Well, there was, al- there was also a game that was in, in production before Xbox acquired them anyways. Yeah. You know, I don't, think, I don't think Xbox would be like, like you, know what, you know what, Ninja Theory, you make a multiplayer game. But shout-out to the Blue Wave for becoming the newest member of the channel. Really appreciate it, uh, all the support. Enjoy the emotes and stuff. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's just one of these things, Jez, that, I don't know, constantly needs to be said because people constantly fearmonger Game Pass and how it's going to do stuff. But another thing Phil talked about was acquisitions, which is always a topic people want to talk about, right? I get asked this all the time. I know you get asked this all the time. You know, last podcast we did, I don't know if we broke news, but once again, you know, you say, hey, I got documents. Uh-huh. You know that I do it. Well, and and I've seen them, so yes, they are real. Uh, about like, hey, at some point, uh, you know, Warner Brothers was considering maybe selling NetherRealm and Traveler's Tales. Who knows if they're going to? Who knows if Xbox is involved? Blah 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 blah. And did you like that report? Because people reported on that. People wrote articles as they always do. And once again, it's always. I'm the Xbox 2 podcast, Jez Corden. It's never Jez Corden and Randall Thor. It's always just Jez freaking Corden of Windows Central. As usual, right? I'm chop liver. I'm invisible. You know, whatever. It's perfectly fine. But you basically forced Warner Brothers to respond. Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. Well, it's, it's like I said, like I said on the show, I think I said I wasn't sure if the documents were out of date. I wasn't sure, like, if they were, um, you know, if they were still going to do that and stuff like that. But, like, you know, to paraphrase what the documents say, because I don't have them on me right now, um, because they're back in England, but they they talk about, like, you know, these studios studios are are in the scope of acquisition or or some deal, and whereas, like, and it, it basically categorized, the studios that were in Warner Brothers games and the studios that weren't going to be in Warner Brothers games. And, the, and it said Playdemic, t- uh, Traveler's Tales, and this Traveler's Tales mo- uh, mobile studio that I can't remember the name of, and then it said NetherRealm. NetherRealm, and, yeah. and then it said, like... And then it, then it said... Um, and, then, and then I put two and two together because Playdemic went to EA... And I thought, well, if Playdemic's going to EA, maybe these other studios, maybe that means these other studios are going up for an acquisition. But, again, don't know how old these documents were. The fact that Playdemic acquired EA, certainly, um, sorry, the Playdemic acquired EA? No, (laughs) no. The other way around. Um, Considering that EA acquired Playdemic, that just made me assume that all the studios in that table were in in a sort of offloading process. But, you know... Warner Brothers came out and said that's not the case. But do you, so, do you think it's interesting that this podcast has the power to do that? Because we did the podcast Friday. You said what you said. I've seen the documents. They're legit. People reported on it. And then two days later, you have a WB spokesperson coming out and, and denying it. 
That's the power that. of the Xbox Two, Jez. Well, if that if we've got so much power, why doesn't Hellman's give me a mayonnaise sponsorship? I mean, I guess yeah. We need to have everybody just kind of assemble and, and go and go. Hey, you should get a sponsorship for them. But no, it's just. Yeah. But like the acquisition things, right? And I mentioned this in my video. Like everybody's always focused on the big rumors, avalanches, IO Interactives, you know, Warner Brothers games, and all this stuff. And who knows if any of those things will will actually happen? I, I do think. Um, <laughs> Junior Miller says Rand moans that he's when he's not reported. Rand moans when he's called an insider. I, it's just a little bit. It's just a bit I play. Same thing with Nintendo. Like, I've seen people say, like, Ryan does Ryan hate Nintendo. I don't hate Nintendo. I play it up for the podcast as, like, I hate Nintendo, but I don't. Just, like, I don't care if people don't report what – I didn't have the documents. They're not my documents. So, of course, like, why would they say Randall Thor 19? Like, it's jazz. Like, it's just it's just a little bit I play to have a little fun on the podcast with you guys. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I don't like being called an insider fun. because I'm not. Fun? What is that? What? What is fun? I don't know what that is. You don't know what fun is? Nope. Oh, okay. No fun allowed. No fun allowed on this podcast. <clears throat> but, uh, I was saying that, like, Phil was asked about, like, hey, studios in India or Africa or these other places, if, you know, Microsoft would ever acquire a studio there, and he basically said he would be surprised if it didn't happen. You know, sometimes we all get focused on, like I said, the the big names, whereas, like, you know, I'm sure Xbox is looking at every sort of developer with a great idea, right? And who knows, maybe the next big great idea comes from a developer in Africa or India, right? I mean, what do you, what do you, what do you, how do you feel about, about Phil basically saying you'd be surprised if it didn't happen? Like acquiring well, a studio in one of those places in the next five years? Well, it's 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 interesting because like you know, India's becoming this massive growing market, this super important market. Uh, it's got a huge population. Like PUBG Mobile is absolutely massive in India, uh, stuff like that. And it's a growing it's a growing technical hub of excellence, you know. So there are more and more game dev studios opening up there, and and this this sort of goes back to what we were talking about the the importance of plurality and diversity within the Game Pass business and the xbox business in general like the way you acquire users is you acquire for everybody's taste and people's tastes and needs evolve over time the way that you cater to everybody's tastes and needs is that you build a huge variety of games and be inclusive a huge variety of backgrounds you know you bring your japanese games you bring your indian games bring your german games bring your british games whatever like i'm sure like when fable comes out a lot of the British humour is probably going to go over a lot of people's heads, you know, because British humour is a bit weird sometimes. Um, it is what it is. But it's but those games will be super popular because of that. Like, I, I assume that Forza Horizon 4, because it was set in the UK, was disproportionately popular than usual in the UK as a result. Because, you know, people people see that and identify with it and be like, oh, yeah, that's I know I know that place. That's That's my house or whatever. Um, if you live in a nice place in the countryside, anyway. I doubt they'll ever make a Forza game set in the West Midlands, for example, um, unless it was like an apocalypse Forza game. I don't know. But <laughs> what's the first thing people do when they play Microsoft Flight Simulator? They go and fly over their head. Yeah, because that's, <laughs> I, I mean, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get Microsoft Flight Sim, and I'm going to fly over my freaking house. Yeah, I'm going to do that too, you know. It's, uh, it's pretty awesome. So 
if you want to go global, and this is something we've I banged the drum on localization too, you need to appeal to everyone. You need to have games that cater to every taste, every every time span that people have the game. Like someone someone one day could go from being a hardcore MMO player to being like, oh, I've only got an hour hour to play a day because of a changing job, because they've had a kid or whatever, you know. And that's how you cater to everyone. So Microsoft's not going to make everything game as a service, and I've gone completely off track because we we went back on back on a big loop. But mm-hmm. I do think Microsoft, like the fact that Microsoft, every press event that Microsoft's done recently, they've talked about acquisitions. Yeah. Matt Booty talked about acquisitions in the last the, the pre three press thingy with us. And Matt Booty specifically talked about acquisitions in the investors call, which I wasn't supposed to see. He talked about. Uh, no, sorry, the analyst call, which I wasn't supposed to see. He talked about acquisitions there, you know. Um, and uh, now they're talking about acquisitions again in the in this new wave of press press interviews. Which, by the way, why why doesn't Xbox PR let me interview Phil, Rand? What have they got against me? I don't know. What I mean, what I would love him on the show, shouldn't it? I would love to get Phil on the show. That'd be pretty cool. You know, even if it was um, just like thirty minutes, just to just to shoot the shoot, shoot it with Phil, right? Like it doesn't need to yeah, be an hour. Right. I mean, I get yeah. it. Like, kind of funny. You know, the Guardian, all these places are way bigger and stuff. But no, you know, right. I think so I think it would be great if Phil did a community podcast, right? Community com- with with little old us. Yeah, with little old, little old us. Yep. Yeah. Well, that'd be cool. I wouldn't I wouldn't um, ask any like you know <laughs> targeted questions, trying to get information from Phil. You know what I mean? No, no, wouldn't wouldn't ask anything. I might ask him about mayonnaise though. Nah, we we definitely would have to ask him. I mean, ask him about Kardashians as well. Yeah, Kardashians and mayonnaise. Those are the kind of hard hitting questions you'll yeah. get on this podcast. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> anyway, um, I have no idea when the next acquisitions will come. Like, special Ed knows. I mean, he, knows he does know the, the shrimp stuff. You know, he knows he knows all about the shrimp. Shrimp you know, with the uh, 26 legs, you know, with 23 Acquisition studios. season. Yeah. What did he say, acquisition season? Yeah, but he didn't say it just meant Xbox, so it could um, mean, you know. Is that, is that a back, is that a back, back I don't, I, I sound, that's, that does sound like a backtrack. It does know? sound a bit like a backtrack, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Hey. <laughs> oh, poor, poor Nick. It's a Do you think Nick hates me? I hate us. I don't know. You know, we give him a lot of visibility, so he, I, I don't think he can. I mean, he, I've never went into his chat and said he smells, but you know, he did. He did to me, which isn't very nice of him, right? That's, that's pretty mean. That's pretty mean, Nick. Right mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Uh, it's just funny. Like, what the hell are we talking about? I don't know we're what we're talking about. about. Talking about mayonnaise, you smelling Kardashians. And acquisitions. And, uh, yeah. I have no idea when the next acquisition's coming. I hear things all the time. You get these rumors, like, there's gonna be news this week, that week, blah, 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 blah. I have no idea. Um, just have to wait. Wait and see. Yeah, we definitely will. We do have a couple super chats I wanna, uh, get through. Uh, thank you for everybody for supporting us so. Uh, as my phone continues to ring. Uh, Jeeves J- Jason says, uh, in India, Xbox Series X was only available when it was released. Then we didn't get a restock till now. The Series S comes and goes, but PS5 is getting monthly stock. We Xbox gamers has no choice. It does seem like mm. the, um, uh, the Series S does get more stock, uh, than the Series X does. 
And I know you mentioned, or I don't know if it was you, but it was Windows Central, like, Basically, a lot of the Series X stuff, or I don't know, the chips or whatever, are also being used for xCloud, right? Or, yeah, there's, 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 two, there's two factors to the, the stock issues. Like, first, the Series X chips are being divided up and used in xCloud, and they've got a lot of service they've got to upgrade to Xbox Series X level. Um, and addition, in addition to that, um, the silicon for the Series S is easier to get. So, you know... It's just a big shortage of the high-end silicon for the PS5 and the Series X right now, which is uh, why it's pretty impressive that Microsoft did manage to top MPD, because um, not necessarily because they had the stock, not necessarily because it was the most popular, but because they had this strategy of having a, an easier-to-manufacture skew. Maybe did Microsoft have like inside knowledge about the chip shortage or something? I don't know, but alas, um, it is what it is. Right. Um, we got one here from JD Gamer that says, "What about adaptive uh, capacitive touch on the controller in the form of a pad, or on the control stick like Steam Deck and haptic feedback on a new controller? Best of both worlds type thing." Um, I think I don't know. I have this feeling that haptic feedback is going to happen on the Elite. I don't know. It's just it's just kind of my feeling on it, but we'll just have to wait. And hang, on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Is this one of these, it's my feeling, guys, thing that is actually something you actually know? No, I don't know. No, no, anything about like, this. No. Oh, man. I was this so this isn't, this isn't, this I isn't, so this isn't like Nick tweeting about Dead Space and then both me and you basically saying it's true in, in the response. Like, oh, that totally would be cool if Dead Space came back, you know what I mean? <laughs> Like, that would be amazing. You know, this isn't one of those things. I I don't know. Like, I kind of feel like you have the Elite Series 1, you have the Elite Series 2. The Series 2 did some extra things uh, to to be able to, like, hey, you know, to sell this, right? And I just kind of feel like if you're going to do Elite Series 3, you need something more. And that something more would potentially be uh, uh, the adapt, you know, the haptic feedback and adaptive mm-hmm. uh, triggers. And you could even sell the controller for more, too. You know what I mean? Because like when you think about like what could you do for the for the Elite Series Two, you know, to make a, make a Series Three, like what? How many new features would you need, right? And I feel like like haptic haptic uh, feedback would be like a selling point among whatever quality of life improvements they would use. I don't know. That's just kind of my, that's why I think it's going to happen because I think oh, I think they do it. want a Series Three. And I think adding one of those things to it would, like, be the reason, but you, you never know. Um, you, uh, ne- you, ne- no, quote, quote. you never know. You never know. Chris R. says, what are your thoughts on the concept for Arcane's new game? I want to be excited, but I feel like there's an oversaturation of that type of game. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and really quickly, i got to give a shout-out to Jeeves Jason for becoming the newest member of the channel. appreciate that, man. Yeah, so, what do you think about Redfall Jazz? I know we talked about it in the podcast, our, our, our thing, like, there do seem to be a lot of Left 4 Dead style games coming out recently, Back for Blood and a couple other ones, but they've come out and said this is an arcane game at its core. It's not strictly a Left 4 Dead style experience. This is like a game that they've wanted, a game that they've been making since 2017. I, I think calling it, like, a Left 4 Dead-style game is kind of underselling what the game's going to be about. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's hard to 
say, because we know so little about it, is it actually going to be a Gauntlet style game? Is it going to be more like Deathloop, which is sort of like asynchronous multiplayer, but also an immersive sim? Is it going to have a full campaign, that kind of thing? We don't know enough about the game to really judge it just yet. If I, I would agree, if if you if your argument was it's like there's too many Left 4 Dead style games, there there is like a Deep Rock Galactic, that dinosaur game, Extinction, whatever, disappeared off a cliff. Um, you know, Back for Blood's coming soon. We got like Vermintides and yeah, Warhammer Darktide, which recently got delayed too. Yeah, so like there's just tons of games in that sort of Left 4 Dead vein coming out. I think people think that it's a Left 4 Dead game because they showed four four dudes and they're fighting, like, sort of occult entities. But I think Redfall could prove to be something more than just a Left 4 Dead zombie gauntlet sort of game. Um, I certainly hope it is because, you know, you'd, you'd have to hope that it would be because, like, I agree. I agree that there's an oversaturation of that kind of game um, right now. There's also that zombie army, zombie army game, Zombie Army 4, which I enjoyed, but again... You know, don't have any friends. It just—it seemed like there was no bunch of Left 4 Dead games, and then suddenly there were like a bunch, right? Yeah, it was like, oh, now we're back. I don't know. Yeah, that's the one thing about Redfall. Um, I kind of gave the show like a like an 8.59. Was like I wanted to see more of what, and the fact that we're discussing it here and we have people in chat asking about it, I think really underscores maybe how that trailer didn't explain too well what the game's actually going to be like. And that's what you get with the CGI trailer. But maybe that's what the, maybe all they really wanted was to announce the game, give a sense of what it would be like, showcase, you know, the, the characters and some of their powers and say, like, hey, it's against vampires. But you do have this thing where it's like, oh, it's just a co-op shooter. It's just Left for Dead. And I, I think Arcane's better than that. Like, I don't think they're going to make a Left like a, a Left 4 Dead style game where you're done in two hours. So yeah. um, that's kind of the problem with, with CGI trailers. And uh, they, they, it can work both ways, right? Like, if if you oversell what the game is, I really, like, I've, I've criticized Microsoft for this before, but I feel like Recall, for example, really oversold what the game would be in the CGI trailer. I think Crackdown probably did as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, yeah, CGI like looks all cool and stuff, but is the reality going to meet up to expectations? So I think the fact that they sort of like, it's almost like we don't know what it is could be a good thing. <laughs> like it doesn't sort of like, it doesn't overplay anything because we don't know what it is. So I don't know. We just have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Shabs Inevitable for becoming the newest member of the channel. Appreciate the support. Enjoy the uh, channel badges and the emotes we have for the show. Um, Sin Vendetta says, fun fact, I actually service the guy's pool that is an audio engineer at Blizzard. And that's pretty cool. Um, that does oh, sound like it's pretty cool. Yeah, hit up Jez. You know, get him to tell you some secrets. You know, yeah, do you, that. You know, Jez. Uh, Zero Mist says, in what way does Halo Infinite fall under games as a service? I thought it was just a single-player campaign and the multiplayer. So this is the thing about games as a service. It's pretty much like, and, and we have people talking about uh, Redfall, uh, like asking if it's next-gen only. And, yeah, it was announced as next-gen only, Series Series X and S and, and PC. So uh, same thing with Starfield, just next-gen only. Um, 
is uh, a lot of people don't really under, like really understand the full context of games as a service. Like any game that's really updated and gets a lot of, uh, you know, DLC or a lot of extra content over the course of time is technically a games as a service. Like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, the Assassin's Creed series is considered a games as a service. Mm-hmm. Um, so Halo Infinite that is going to have multiple seasons and has already talked about having a 10-year lifespan is a games as a service. They're going to be constantly updating that game, adding new features, so that would be fall under live service. You can even say something like Forza Horizon 4. Two expansions over the course of a couple years, updates all the time. Forza Horizon 4 is the games as a service. It just didn't really have the lifespan or, um, you know, it wasn't planned to have the lifespan as something like Halo Infinite or Apex Legends or Fortnite. But those type of games are considered games as a service, right? Right, Jess? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I like I I I, I mean it's, a, it's it's maybe fluid. I consider any game that sort of forces you to be online as a game as a service. Um, maybe that's not fair, but like I I didn't like the fact that Outriders, for example, they were they were saying like, oh, we're not games as a service, we're not games as a service. I feel like that was like to avoid comparisons rather than reality, because I'm sorry, but if, you, if you're if forcing me to be online for this game, and it's completely based around multiplayer, then isn't that game of service? I don't know. But they haven't released any DLC for it, so maybe it isn't game of service. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, Saji Caesar says, Halo multiplayer is games of service, Assassin's Creed is not. I think Ubisoft considers Assassin's Creed a games of service, and I've talked to people at Xbox that say Assassin's Creed is games of service, so I don't know. Um, at least that's, that's kind of what I was told about what a games as a service is. Uh, Widia says, I just seen gets Phil on her show twice in a year. But yeah, but she's, I, I just seen though. You know, people know who she is and people know who Greg Miller and Kind of Funny are. You know what I mean? Um, and that we're unimportant. Are we talking um, around? We are unimportant, unfortunately, yeah. Oh man. Oh man. Oh well. Yeah. Anyways, um, you know, uh, there was a topic that came up this this past week that I wanted to really talk about. And we, we can talk about it really quickly because it is kind of controversial. And we know Jez doesn't like controversial things, right? No, I don't. Uh, the whole invincibility discussion surrounding Psychonauts 2, the uh, easy right, mode yeah. stuff. Um, yeah. Hmm. How do you feel about that? Like... Because I, you want me to go first? I, I don't know. Yeah, go on if you want. If you've got if you've got thoughts on it. Yeah, like so, uh, Psychonauts Two tweeted out that their game's gonna have an invincibility mode, and that if you beat the game using it, you know they say like we consider you beating the game. Um, there was pl- people that were really in support of that, being like, yeah, accessibility, you know, stuff like that, uh, and other people were like, this is bull. And it just kind of brought up the whole discussion about easy modes and stuff like that. And I don't know. I kind of feel like whatever the developer decides for their game and their vision for it, I'm always 100% behind. Like, you look at the From Software games and, and their difficulty setting, and there's always that discussion that comes up with those games about adding an easy mode or adding some sort of, uh, you know, like, an easier setting for people. And it's going to come up in January when Elden Ring releases. You know, you already know it. I can already see the articles being written 
Like, should the game have, you know, an easy mode so people who have disabilities or people who just aren't that good at the game or don't have time to really understand the game's mechanics and stuff like that, like, they want to enjoy the story and the visuals and all that sort of stuff, and I get it, right? And the counter-argument to that is like, oh, well, if you make it easy, then anybody can play it, and a lot of people use the Dark Souls games, and you know this, Jez, as a barometer for their gamer cred, right? Oh, I beat Dark Souls, or I beat Sekiro. Like, I beat Sekiro, right? One of the harder games I've ever beaten. But you never see me, like, going out and bragging about it anywhere because it doesn't really mean anything at the end of the day. I don't think I'm better than anybody else. I don't think I'm better than anybody listening. I don't think I'm better than anybody on on Twitter. It's like, yeah, I beat Sekiro. It means nothing. But there are plenty of people out there who put their whole kind of personality or whatever it, or, or, or or who they are into this thing of like it's special because I beat these games and you know there are people out there who can't and it would be ruined somehow if you know from software added a, an easy mode like it wouldn't be special I think those are what those people are complaining about but like I really think like the developer kind of determines like how their game like like if Double Fine is saying, hey, you know what, we're adding we're adding all these accessibility options. You can play it on easy. It means you still beat the game. You're adding invincibility mode. Like that's great. Like that's Double Fine. They want as many people to play their games as certainly possible, and and they're gonna let people be able to do that. And if you can't do that because you're just not that good, well, just turn on invincibility mode and just play through the game and enjoy the story and enjoy the cutscenes. And I have absolutely no problem with that. I really don't like this discussion around an easy mode and invincibility because I don't really think uh, it's it's a bad thing. You know what I mean? Like, I kind of just feel yeah. like let people play the games they want to play in the way they want to play them. But I also will say, like, if, you, if a developer doesn't want to add an easy mode or doesn't want to, uh, you know, add those things, then I'm 100% behind them too. You know what I mean? Like, I recently played Ratchet and & Clank, and Ratchet has, like, six difficulties, and more maybe, like, five difficulties, like, normal, easy, and then two above normal, but then they have a mode where it's, like, Ratchet can't die uh, on the easiest difficulty, and it's just for people who want to maybe experience the story, right? And that's great. Insomniac wants to let people, you know, as many people as possible play it. But I guess also where this comes in the thing is, like, reviewers like reviewers for IGN and reviewers for these whatever websites, you know, you've seen some of them come out and be like, I'm those game reviewers. Well, I only play games on easy and I review it. And I don't know, there's this a lot of nuance when it comes to this discussion. Like, personally, I don't care what difficulty you play the game on. If you're coming in here and bragging that you beat the Dark Souls games, it's not going to make me think any more of you, and if you come in here and saying you're not good enough to beat those games, it's not going to make me think any less of you, because who who really cares at the end of the day? Someone says you call yourself the man with the million, though, and I'm like, that's true, but that's just because I have a million gamer score, and, tr- gamer score. and trust me, I played a lot of easy games. Not all of them were super difficult. You know, there were some super difficult ones, um, but there are also a lot of easy ones. So, like Bobby's Horse Adventure. Yeah, like, like those games. I don't know, like, it's just, every single time this stuff gets brought up, it really brings out, like, the worst in people. There's this, the camp that's like, play the games how you want, and then the camps that, like, easy mode is 
shouldn't shouldn't be in anything. Invincibility is ruining games and stuff like that. And I don't know, like it's I don't understand why it's that big of a, especially for a game like Psychonauts. Like who cares? It's Psychonauts, right? Hey, uh, when I was a kid, all games had an invincibility mode. Yeah, it's called cheats. When I was when I was growing up, like most games, didn't even, you couldn't even save your game, and if you couldn't beat the game without dying, you had to start from the beginning. You know what I mean? Like, I often had cheat these these super hard games back in the day. They often had cheat codes. Like developers would put them in to help them test the game, and then just leave them in, and it became a whole thing. Cheat. Like I remember when I was a kid, uh, you know, playing Grand Theft Auto, like Vice City or whatever it was. Was it Grand Theft Auto Three or Vice City? I don't know. Probably both of them had cheats. One of those games had cheats. And, like, i just sort of, like, pray for the story for a bit and then get bored. And then I'd spawn a tank. i just go driving around, running people over. Like, aren't mods for, like, PC mods cheats, too? Like, you can get mods that do all kinds of things in games and stuff. I think at the end of the day, it comes back to this fear that gaming is changing in some way that is to the detriment of the people that are enjoying gaming as it is. Like, it comes back to, like, game people saying, like, Game Pass is going to make everything games a service, or Game Pass is going to do this, or, you know, certain blogs tweeting, like, you know, Xbox hates game preservation, even though Microsoft's done more to game pres- preservation than any other company out there, technically. Um, you know, it's, it's this sort of, it's this fear of the change, you know, um, but the thing is, it's not even changed. Like, invincibility modes have existed in games since I was a wee nipper, knee high to a grasshopper, you know. And um, I think, ultimately, I agree with you that it's, it should be up to the dev. I don't think a dev should be bullied if they don't include invincibility mode, if they don't want to include, like, like um, if they don't want to include these features or they can't afford to include these features or, you know, Stuff like that. I don't think anyone should bully the devs for to you know affect their their vision of what a game should be. Um, but at the same time, I think it's ridiculous to to push back on it as well because it's like at the end of the day, it's an accessibility thing. There are there are little kids out there who would like to play these games and be a part of the part of the conversation and. You know, there are, like, situations where certain disabilities can be overcome. But you can't lump all disabilities in with the same brush because, especially when it comes to motor difficulties, there's, like, so many different nuances and different things that can go wrong and, you know, injuries people can have and, and stuff like that. You can't, like, say, like, oh, well, this guy beat it on... On this guy beat Dark Souls like with with a disability, or this guy raids World of Warcraft mythic difficulty with disabilities or whatever. Um, that's fine, but like, what about like little kids and stuff? Like, why why can't they be part of the conversation? Why can't they join in to the trending game because it doesn't have these features? And I don't think like we should pressure indie devs to implement features to to, to cater to everyone because again, it's a time thing. And like there are de- there are games out there being made by like single people these days, like one or two people, and like I don't think like it's it's fair to try and you know twist their arm yeah. on some of this stuff. But big companies like Nintendo or mm. Xbox 
Xbox or PlayStation, they can't afford to go very hard and deep on all those features, and they should. And um, I think it's silly to, you know, attack Double Fine for, make, for implementing these features in a game which is pretty going to have a high appeal to kids, you know. So it's just ridiculous, especially with the with the issue of Psychonauts. If From Software doesn't want to include an easy mode in Dark Souls, then fair enough. Yeah. Don't attack people like Double Fine for implementing an invincibility mode so kids and stuff can get access to their game. Because that game has a broad appeal. And, you know, and I, I, I can also see the argument for adding an easy mode to Dark Souls because at the end of the day, why does someone else's achievement affect yours? You know, it's like you can, you can like, you can still do extra hard things if you want to achieve more and accomplish more in Dark Souls, do a naked run. You know, if it has an easy mode, fine. Do a naked run on hard mode, you know, and you brag about it on Twitch or whatever. There's speed running, you know. I play like Monster Hunter, but I still haven't killed the last boss. I still haven't killed Fatalis because he's bloody hard. And I don't have time to learn every single, you know, animation frame that he does. But I've cleared everything else in the game, and... um you know, and it, pa- it pains me, Rand. It pains me that I haven't killed Fatalis. One day I will go back and kill Fatalis. So I do get a sort of rush of like overcoming an extremely difficult boss fight, you know. Um, and I do get that. Like people don't want to lose that, that feeling of, they don't, they don't want to lose that feeling. But I think like as long as you're catering to everyone and you do have these hard modes for people who do want to play on extreme difficulty, insane difficulty, then great, but like I think they're they're sort of like maybe this sort of sort of worry that all games will just be easy now or simple or become walking simulators or whatever. But again, it's, that's not the business. The business is appealing to everyone. Yeah, and that means having hard mode for you know sweaty people who want to challenge themselves or ridiculous boss battles like Vitalis, which I can't kill because I'm a noob. Because you're not and I have to learn. Yeah, because I'm a scrub. And, but the thing is, when you do overcome, it's, it feels so good. And those, those challenges are not going to go away. They'll not go away. Like Final Fantasy XIV, again, is a good example. That Final Fantasy XIV has a difficulty of their raids, which doesn't even give rewards. It's just for bragging rights. It's just to say, yes, I completed this boss on this difficulty mode. You know, that, that is literally what it's there for. And I think that's fine. But then there's like an easier mode for people who don't want to get all sweaty about it or people who are like too busy or have kids or, you know, disabilities. And that's, that's great. That's fine. I don't know why it's even a discussion, frankly. But and it always, it always is. It always is. Yeah, Flame says, where was the discussion where Ratchet did it? And iSiler says, I wonder, how, I wonder how everybody survived in the 90s. Games were so much harder back then. I am selfish, so so serious needs to be hard. Yeah, I know, this conversation always comes up, and it'll come up again in January when Elden Ring comes out. I guarantee it. I absolutely guarantee yeah. it. If, if Elden Ring doesn't have an easy mode, you're going to see articles about it and stuff like that. I don't know. It, I don't really care uh, at all. Like, there, there is some satisfaction in, in beating something difficult um, that you do get. But I understand, like, you know, someone who has a disability or someone who just wants to experience, like, the ambiance of those games being wanting to play it and stuff. And it's like, 
you know, put letting an easy mode for people to play through it doesn't affect like me beating it on normal or, or hard if I wanted to, you know what I mean? So Yeah. I don't know. Um Yeah, uh one last thing, Jez, and you can just really quickly and if you guys have got any questions, you can start thinking about them, put them in chat. Um Netflix is uh getting into gaming. Uh, Netflix coming into gaming, maybe uh you know they 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 I think they said they brought in like a Facebook VR person to run it, and Bloomberg is reporting that it's supposed to launch like within this year or maybe early next year that there's going to be no active uh, no increase in costs to whatever and I'm just trying to understand like what type of gaming it's going to be like are we going to see the FIFAs, the Maddens, the Call of Duties on this? Is it going to be more like casual games or something that competes with, you know, Apple Arcade, like phone-style games? Um, like, if they offer games like that, like, how's that going to work on the Xbox app or the PlayStation app or the iOS app since iOS doesn't allow Xbox? Like, uh, all these different things kind of come to my mind about Netflix getting into gaming because Netflix is, is huge. 200 million subscribers. Um, you know, there's even some data mining thing that suggests there might be some sort of Netflix and PlayStation partnership, potentially. What do you think about Netflix getting into gaming, Jess? It's really interesting. I mean, it's it's the obvious next step for Netflix. They, like, they've noticed that gaming, oh, actually, people actually like gaming. It's a big deal. Like, it's really funny watching the mainstream media get confused about gaming, and they still do it, and they still, they'll keep doing it because they are stupid. But, you know, that's a complete other discussion. But I have, I guess we need to hear more about it. Like, what are they going to do? Are they going to offer games at retail? Are they going to offer streaming games? Is Amazon Web Services going to provide the back end for that? Is that going to make, make it like business viable? Is they going to have all these extra overheads? It's, it's, there's so many unanswered questions here that I'm sort of like, I don't know, man. Is this, is this just one of them steady things where they're going to give it a go and then give up or whatever? They must have seen, like, because they've, they've done, like, licensed things for Stranger Things on games and stuff like that. And, you know, they've they've been getting big into uh, video game properties for Netflix stuff. Then you saw they announced the Monster Hunter movie the other day. Did you see this? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see that, actually. Yeah, so, and they've got the Dragon's Dogma TV show, which is so random to me. Um, but, yeah, they have, like, a bunch of bunch of gaming stuff they've been doing across the board and um you know i guess we just have to wait and see i'm sort of like i'm most interested about is this going to be a retail play are you going to be able to buy a game through the netflix app play it whenever you want and then stream it or whatever is this going to be like i don't know they partner with sony which is one of the rumors they partner up with sony and just feed playstation now or are they just going to, like, offer Sony's games exclusively in their streaming service? It's really interesting, but, you know, we don't really know enough right now to pass full judgment, I guess. But I don't know. It could be a threat to xCloud, but at the same time, maybe not. Because, again, we talk about this whole thing, like, Netflix has to pay Amazon for all their servers. Streaming games is not cheap. And, yes, they have a huge subscriber base all paying, paying them a lot of money, but... You know, you start licensing games, you start streaming them, overheads, and it all becomes very expensive very quickly. Especially if you start trying to develop your own games. But I think what is... Sorry, I was just going to say, like, to round it off, what is apparent is that 
big companies are noticing the importance of gaming. Yeah, and they are. They're all trying to figure out what their place is in that. I think Netflix could be, obviously, if done right. Uh, that's the that's the big caveat. We don't know what their play is, but like, like I think Netflix could 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 shake it up more than Google or Amazon could with Luna or Stadia. I mean, Netflix has yeah, the visibility. Netflix is literally everywhere. If they just add games and your current sub, but it's just like I don't know what ty- what what type of games is it going to be. Like, is it just going to be streamed? Is it can you buy them? Like, there's too much we don't know about it. But I'm sure a lot of people are probably very interested. Like Phil, PlayStation, you know, like they're probably very interested in seeing. Okay, next, you know, when when they talk about Game Pass, they talk about being the Netflix of gaming. But now Netflix is actually getting into gaming. So you know, you know actually, where where this does present a threat in my mind is that. Ironically, when Microsoft said we're going to be a t- we're going to be a TV company and have entertainment properties and stuff, um, everyone was mad about it. But that could be that could actually be the problem is that another company comes along, they offer games as well as entertainment, and then Microsoft finds themselves in a position where like they've only got games and they don't have the entertainment portion of that. I think that is a potential issue. Um, but at the same time, I also kind of feel like I use Netflix for TV shows and stuff. I don't really, I don't really see me playing games through Netflix or whatever. But you know, could be wrong. We'll have to just wait and see. I think. Yeah. We just have to wait and see how that's going to uh, pan out. Uh, Widia says, "Are you going to play at that store or that store?" Absolutely, I'm going to definitely play. Jazz, you going to? Well, you've already played it. You have a preview up of it, right? Yeah, I played that store. It's absolutely stunning. Um, I'm going to review Death Store, so stay tuned for that. Yeah, it comes out next week. I'll definitely be playing. iStyler says, The Last of Us and other PlayStation games have amazing disability options, which are basically invincibility modes. I stand behind that stuff like 100%. I absolutely agree. Uh, Last of yeah. Us, uh, Ratchet, a lot of the a lot of these games, a lot of Xbox games also have great accessibility features. Uh, Paul says, Steam Deck is still taking pre-orders, but I did get the 512 gigabyte but won't be released till quarter two of 2022 yeah i don't know the netflix thing it's like are they actually going to make games you know like are they going to build studios yeah. to make stuff or what type of games are going to make we'll have to wait and see we'll have to wait and see and drummond says hey oran glad, glad you're feeling better my man welcome back we missed you thank you man it's uh good to see the response from people that are you know ha- are really excited to see me back and happy and stuff so uh, being being healthy, uh, really, uh, you know, like that was, you know, seeing the when I was sick and I would get on the computer and, you know, see the like messages and stuff that actually did make me feel better and I I was feeling pretty crappy, uh, you know, messages mean a lot. Like I always enjoy playing an Xbox and a message pops up or, you know, being like I love listening to your stuff. Like that really does matter. So if you, you know. Have a favorite content creator that you you know you you listen to or watch or whatever. Just send them a message because I guarantee you they appreciate it immensely, you know. And if you like Jez's articles on Windows Central or his tweets, send Jez one because Jez is amazing. Comment on Windows Central's articles, please. Oh, you want yeah. comment? You want you want engagement on that? I want engagement. Yeah, give me those sweet engagement figures, but. Nah, any, any, like, comment you guys drop, like, always keeps going. Like, I swear, in the early days of doing this, I found it really hard to, like, you know, 
cut through all the, the nastiness and the negativity and stuff like that. And, like, the people who leave, left nice comments really helped, like, get through that and stuff. Like, and now, now when someone leaves a nasty comment, I just laugh. It's just funny to me. But um, back in the day, it was got pretty tough at times. But um, all the nice people on the show really, you know, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. And mm -hmm. uh, are we going to take some questions, buddy? Yeah, yeah. If you got any questions, make sure you put them in chat. Um, one last one here. Xbox. Uh, number one in revenue in um, for June, at its best um, month ever of June since 2011. Like, what, what do you think about that? Like, it definitely kind of to me it seemed that people were enthused about what Xbox uh, had to uh, announce at E3, and they timed a, a good restock with it. Um, I think the people that think Xbox is going to have a bad generation are going to be in for a rude awakening. I think there's a lot of excitement around Xbox, a ton of excitement around Game Pass, and I, I do think, uh, you know, the um, they're going to sell more consoles, and of course they talk about consoles not really mattering, but I think you're going to see a resurgence from Xbox this year. I'm not saying they're going to sell the most consoles because I don't think they will. Um, I think PlayStation They didn't will. even sell the most consoles in they, the Switch. Yeah, in the Switch. So how, what, do you, what, do you, what are your takeaways from Xbox uh, basically, you know, selling more than the PlayStation 5 uh, during this recent NPD. I think, like, it's important to note that there is supply issues, and they are affecting PlayStation probably disproportionately um, because of, uh, you know, they don't have a lower-end SKU, which makes it harder to get the They do have a lower-end SKU. Mm, same chipset. Right? They still lower in skew, still the digital edition at four hundred dollars. But they also aren't. It's not that though. It's it's the access to supplies. Like they well, can't sure. But then you can make the argument that PlayStation is not also siphoning off some of their consoles to put in the cloud servers for a streaming service like Xbox is. So that is true. That's true, and I think it's a it's a testament to you know the logistical power of Microsoft. Like, they've got the resources, they've got the connections to get those chips for the servers at the same time as also getting them for the consoles and also having the sort of, I don't know, the precognition to sort of make a skew that was more accessible for people who maybe couldn't afford the next gen, the full, the full thing. I think that, again, it speaks to this idea that Microsoft, like, if Microsoft really was getting out of consoles, why would they? Why would they make a skew that targets like other people? Like you know, why would they try and target as many people as possible with different skews and stuff like that? Because they they want a they want a, a, a varied business model. And if you look at my, if you look at a pie chart which shows like the diversity of Microsoft's business, you'll know that Microsoft's all about that diversity of you know different business models different businesses, targeting everyone where they are. And that's just sort of how Microsoft's become, like, one of the biggest companies on earth again after, like, a period of really low share price. Like, their, their share price was flat as hell. Like, you could get a Microsoft share for $20 in the Bulma era. And now it's, like, $200, $250, something crazy. Alas. Um, I digress. It's, uh, it's going to be a good gen for Xbox. Indeed. Uh, certified 100% says maybe Microsoft needs to buy Discover and get HBO Max and WB Movies and games to make a part of Game Pass. And uh, Sin Vendetta says, hey, Jez, it's been a few months since I last inquired about this, and I know you said you downloaded it on Steam, but did you ever get a chance to play Salt and Sanctuary? 
You know, it's it's funny. Like, I was literally thinking about that the other day. Um, I saw Salt and Sanctuary, like, in a tweet or something, and I thought, man, I, I really want to play that. Um, but I haven't got around to it. I just, I'm playing so many games for work right now. It's sort of become this sort of busy era again. And um, it's on my to-do list, I guess. There is a lot of games I want to play at the moment, which is also around why I put my Switch into storage. I'm just like, I don't have time to play all the games I want to play on Xbox and PC. Yeah, and and you're really disenfranchised with Nintendo right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm not happy with... I, I, I said this like before on the podcast, like the whole the whole stunt they did with Mario, uh, the, the sort of fake... 35th fake, anniversary thing? Yeah, like dropping it. Um, the sort of whole fake scarcity thing on digital copy of a game. I thought that was really scummy. And, like, I just thought, man, just Nintendo doesn't really care about its fans. They're just sort of, they're just sort of, you know, exploiting them. I just kind of felt like I don't want to be a target for exploitation, which is what Nintendo made me feel like. Maybe that's, like, a ridiculous hyperbole or whatever, a stupid thing to be upset about. But I was, it was also, it was like a bunch of other things. Like, I have to pay, I have to pay an extra subscription for a Pokemon Cloud save on Nintendo. Did you know this, Rand? I like, did not. You, oh, actually, yeah. I didn't know that. I did, yeah. Yeah, so if you want, if you want like cloud saves for Pokemon on Nintendo, you have to pay a separate, you have to pay a separate subscription, subscription, which is ridiculous. And then like on Xbox, it's just like, oh, cloud saves, yeah, that's standard. It should be standard. And like, I just feel like I get so much more out of Xbox, as, and they they treat me with more respect than Nintendo do. So I'm just I'm just done with Nintendo for now, personally. Yeah. All right, want to take some questions? Um... You know, thank you guys for tuning into the show. Um, me and Jez really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, hit the like and subscribe button. That notification bell will always let you know uh, through email or notifications when we're live or when I drop a new video. You can always follow me and Jez on Twitter. If you're listening to this later, hopefully Jez will get it up uh, tomorrow on uh, Google Play and iTunes and all those good places. So you I have can... to wait for it. For like, um, I have to wait. I get it up straight away, but I have to wait for like the YouTube to process the whole damn thing. Like yeah. if you if you downloaded it and sent it to me, I could get it up quicker, but then you'd have to upload it and then it'd be like, man. Yeah. It'd be uh that that'd probably take just as long, so whatever. Yeah. Um we got a question here from the X the Gamer three ninety six. Um Jez, uh since everybody listens to you, do you think you could get Xbox to do a complete overhaul of the Xbox UI and capture system and make the store and settings built and also VR? Uh, wow, that's, that's, that's a lot. That's, that's a big ass. That's a big that's ass. A big ass. Um, I don't think they're going to revamp the UI of the Xbox right now. Or the they're capture system. It. They're not. They're not going to do anything with the capture system either. I I would love for them to do something with the capture system because it's really bad. Mm. It's and considering we live in this like social media age of sharing content, the fact that like if I want to make a cool, if I if I just want to make like a montage of clips, like I posted a montage of chivalry clips the other day. I want to do that on, on Xbox. It's a nightmare. So I, want to, I have to upload all the clips to OneDrive and then export them across to, like, another platform, another program to edit them together. Like, why can't I just do that on my Xbox? It's so hard. But the thing is, Microsoft always had this issue. They, they, they suck at making video editing stuff. They, they just suck at it. I don't know why. It's like, it's like Microsoft's Achilles heel. Like, the, the whole photos movie editor thing on Windows 10 sucks too. And you think, like, considering, you know, what they're doing with Windows 11, they'll actually make some inbox apps that are actually good. But, alas. 
this is one of the issues with Microsoft, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't see them changing the user interface. I mean, they pretty much definitely, you know, with the with the with the new gen, they they did it for a reason, being the same capture system. I don't see them changing it. Uh, they just did the redid the store, um, and it, Phil recently also talked about VR and really how they're not really interested in doing that. So I don't think you'll see that stuff built in VR either. So unfortunate. Um, George says, uh, if Netflix and Sony do partner up, what should Xbox do? This would be a nightmare scenario for Xbox. Only solution is buying Sega or another publisher to take games away from Netflix. I guess it would depend on what sort of partnership um, uh, it would be. I mean, it could just be a marketing promotion. Uh, you know, like, hey, sign up for Netflix to play games and get, a, you know, a couple months of PlayStation Now. Um, if it's something bigger, like if Sony's partnering up Netflix to, and Netflix is going to have PlayStation games that anybody can play, sort of like if Netflix becomes their PlayStation Now, I, maybe that's a bigger problem for Xbox at that point. I don't know, Jess, how do you think about a Netflix-Sony partner up? Uh Man, it's really, it's really, I, we've, we talked about this a bit before. It's like, are they gonna, are they gonna like let people buy them outright and stream them over PlayStation Now, kind of like Stadia? Because right now with PlayStation Now, you have to subscribe. You can't play, you can't play the games that you own through Thingy, uh, through PlayStation Now. Similar Thingy, man, you said I'm getting tired. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's the same on Xbox. Like, you can't play the games you own through xCloud. You have to be a subscriber. Whereas Stadia is a bit different. It's like, instead of subscribing, you can buy the game outright and then stream it. And then, like, you pay for Stadia, the subscription for something else, I think. Or for 4K or something. I can't... I can't maybe I'm wrong about that. Um, but we just have to wait and see. Yeah, I'm not like, really sure... It, I, I'm not really sure, like, the solution is just buying another publisher... I don't know. Um, and I don't even know if, like, Sega would be even interested. We'll have to wait and see if there is any sort of partnership. It could just be, like, Netflix was using, you know, stock photos of, like, hey, you can use anybody's controller, and, you know, these are the type of games we want on the service, like Ghost of Tsushima. Who, who, who knows what it really all means. Um, that's all. Jez, when will Blinks come to Game Pass? Uh, Game Pass? Xbox tweeted about it, question mark. <laughs> they did tweet about it. They um, did, didn't they? Yeah, I have no idea. I suppose that it goes back to the whole backwards compatibility argument and stuff. Um, we'll just have to wait and see when they bring the backwards compatibility program back. Did you ever play Blinks? I never actually played it. I just troll you about it. Yeah, I've actually never played Blinks, so unfortunate. No. Yeah, nope, never played it. Um, so I have no idea. Yeah, I, I have no idea. So when you say that, I'm just like, eh, I've never played it. But uh, Eric wants to know, Jez, how many seasons of Sex in the City do you own, quote, unquote? Uh, I do actually own what? Of sex. Yeah. You own Sex in the City as well? I do. I, it's good, man. It's, Wait, it's good. Does this no. person know you then? Is, this Eric, is Eric P. somebody that you know in your family? Because he just randomly no. brings up Sex in the City and you actually do own seasons of Sex in the City? Well, Sex in the City, so I suppose like there is some 
vague crossover with Kardashians because it's about socialites and, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, I, I own first season of Sex and the City on Xbox. Um, it's a good show, man. Have you ever seen it? Um, no, I've never seen it. Harry, I've never, Harry and Samantha I mean, and the I, girls, you know. I, I know what it is and I know who's in it, but I've... <laughs> I've never seen uh, I've never seen an, <laughs> an episode of the show. I'm sorry, Jez. You and the what? Okay, it's, you want to get any uh, any sort of other things out here about the type of shows you watch? Keeping up with Kardashians, Sex in the City is there? Another that show, man? What the hell? <laughs> it's a very popular show. You know they made like two I, movies. I know it's I know it's popular. I know. I'm just I just didn't expect you to own. 